Baba Duke, take 17. Raising kids as a single mother can be hard. And a disobedient child is even twice as hard. And daycare is so expensive. And to top it all off, your kid is a rotten turd. Who does this kid think he is building a catapult backpack? You're no data from Goonies. You're just a rambunctious little asshole. What single mother wants to put up with this shit? But now there's Babadook! Don't worry about the other kids not wanting to spend playtime with your little Satan spawn when Babadook is around. Fuck those other kids! Babadook is the perfect babysitter. Babadook! How about getting some time away and neglecting all responsibility as a good parent to go out and do some people watching and eat ice cream? Babadook is there! Losing friends because you're so wrapped up in trying to make sense of your fucked up kid and his constant whining? Babadook is there! Can't masturbate in peace without the little shit busting into your room right before you climax? Do I really have to say it? So pick up the phone if you haven't already lost your mind and cut the cord and dial right now. There is no free trial with Babadook. You cannot get rid of Babadook. Don't order Babadook if your family has a long history of heart problems. Babadook is not good around pets. Don't let Babadook inside you. If Babadook gets inside you, you may suffer from paranoia, rage, grabbing knives, strangling your child, and a permanent disheveled look. Do not trust Babadook, and the more you believe he doesn't exist, the stronger he gets. Babadook fingworms not included. Episode 74. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good it, toss it, good it, taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carry over, counterculture, pushovers Pop culture Leftovers You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. All right, let's do this. Leroy Jenkins. Ah. No, go back to Hammer Time. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know what happened there. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, it's like uh, a total... There was this guy who posted a YouTube video a long time ago playing World of Warcraft. There I'm familiar with that. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. That's all. I mean, that... I. I do that shit. <laughs> okay, something to be proud of, Frank. No patience. <laughs> yeah, I still don't get the reference. He likens himself to Leroy Jenkins. Uh, yeah. And when he busts into a room, yeah. self-christened himself. Yes, so. people that have played uh, Destiny with me uh, definitely understand that. I die and they fucking wonder how I would... Everyone else that. is just as lost as me and Jake were. <laughs> yeah. You seem a little bit better off than me. I, I, <laughs> I am totally lost in the woods with no compass here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, there's not even a bread trail crumb to get you the fuck out of these woods. No, no. it's probably not worth explaining. Back, go back to Hammer Time. Okay. That shit was just awesome. <laughs> All right. God. <laughs> like, God. Like, most people, like, shoot for excellence. Me, I just kind of, like, see how low I can set the standard. Yeah. Well, if that was your goal, then you succeeded. <laughs> Yay. Next week, on the curve, it'll be your best, best one yet. Right. Oh, man. Which will be my biggest fuck up then. <laughs> oh, fuck. No, no. I don't even know. <laughs> Your biggest fuck up? Let's, let's direct everyone to our San Diego Comic Con episode. <laughs> oh, man. Have you listened oh to that any time recently? No, I have not. Wow. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. No, it's still fresh in my mind. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's like changing a dirty diaper, which <laughs> I've never done, but I can imagine. You know what I mean? You don't want to revisit it that often. Right. I mean, we're like six months away from that now. There's probably new listeners that uh, don't really know what you're talking about because they haven't gone back to revisit it. Oh, kind of like the Leroy Jenkins thing that you pulled off earlier. (laughs) They have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, What the fuck is the deal with me being dated this weekend? What? Like, I'm being dated. Like, that joke would have worked like maybe six, seven years ago. I still wouldn't have known. Oh, I would have, yeah, I would have like, I would have like, oh, I get the Leroy Jenkins thing. I don't know how it ties into you. Yeah. But. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know. I was just trying to come up with something. Usually there's like inside jokes with podcasts, you know, like, oh, you haven't listened, but Frank's just off the cuff. (laughs) He has his own inside joke. His own inside joke that only he gets. (laughs) (laughs) This is funny to me. I'm going to do it. Nobody else, nobody else is gonna get it. Yeah, and that's absolutely correct. I can't refute that. Yeah, what made you think of saying that this week? I don't know. I'm being loud. It just kind of felt like the thing to do. Was it on the right on the spot, or had you already? Yeah, it was just. (laughs) Right. So basically, there was no thought put into it whatsoever. (laughs) Essentially, yeah. Yeah. I th- well, that and I think what uh, I think what occurred off air when I was referencing McConaughey from the beginning of Wolf of Wall Street that would have been better. Another thing that our listeners will uh, not understand: <laughs> just <laughs> one right after the other, Frank. I was just telling Aruda the other night that I can't remember sometimes what gets recorded and what doesn't because I'm always fucking talking. We just did the intro. I know. And you couldn't, you don't remember if we recorded the Matthew McConaughey no, stuff. No. I didn't mean this We episode. just did the intro. That was five minutes this. ago. That was like five minutes ago. I didn't ago. mean this episode going Where are you? What planet are you on? <laughs> oh, I'm pretty man. sure we're in Earth. You're pretty in sure Earth? we're in Earth. Yes, Frank, we are buried within the Earth. We're at the core. Journey to the center of the Earth with Frank. <laughs> Fuck the And Brendan Fraser. <laughs> the core would be warmer than here, though. The core. Yeah. That was a shit movie. No, I didn't see that. The core? <laughs> yeah. The only good thing about the core yeah. was, like, the surround sound. Oh, I bet. The spe- like the surrounds, the special effects weren't great, but like the actual surround sound. If you're like an what they call an audiophile, mm-hmm. and you love good audio in movies, the core had some really good audio in it. The rest of it, screenplay, acting, <laughs> everything else was shit. It seemed like it was made for TV. It was so terrible. Yeah, it was like a sci-fi original. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it came out in the theater somehow. 
Uh, yeah, I drank a Red Bull right before we started Do you have something so you did? I'm going to destroy this table this episode. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Pelvic thrust galore. See, I got some references that the listeners may actually they get. They may actually get. I was just going to ask, Frank, if you had anything else. You know, we're talking about the core. Maybe you can go off the cuff again and talk about something else that they have no clue. No, unsurprisingly, uh, there's nothing going through my mind right now. He's going to start talking about Apple computers <laughs> right what? now. And I'll be like, Frank, where did that come? Well, you said core, and I was thinking Apple core, and so I thought I'd just talk about Apple computers. Now, does it make sense? No, Frank, it doesn't. Sorry, that's, that's, that's what I do. I can't help that. What's your favorite Apple? My favorite Apple? Yeah, like eating Like Apple. eating? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Granny Smith are good. Have you tried those? It's sick, though. You're eating something that's a Granny Smith. Yeah. I have never thought that I would ever eat Granny Smith in Ew. that way, and I have. Or if you make a pie out of it. Yeah, I don't like a tart apple like that. Really? I like, yeah, I like those Honeycrisp. They're yeah. kind of a newer apple. Oh, they're expensive but delicious. <laughs> they're really Ooh. sweet. Ooh, is this going to be like the next Terry Crews, Kevin Smith debate? Where we, <laughs> no, man. Granny I am, Smith. Fuck you, Granny Smith, all the way. No, Honeycrisp, you... <laughs> <laughs> See, Frank, this is how you talk to somebody. Right. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm giving you some life lessons, some social skills. Yeah. Like, we, he, you know, we're talking about apples, and then he jumps into, hey, what's your favorite apple? He didn't jump into something like totally... You know, bizarre. <laughs> that makes no sense. This is right. how a conversation. I want you to just watch this interaction. <laughs> you might learn something today. I'm 36 years old. I'm not learning anything new. <laughs> you yeah. sounded really fucking bad. Uh, don't sell yourself short. You learn new stuff all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, work on that conversation, I guess. Too. I no. Can you imagine, like, the movie? <laughs> Goodwill Hunting, but replace Matt Damon's character with Frank. <laughs> and you've got, like, you know, the sage of the ages, the oracle of wisdom, Robin Williams, giving him these nuggets of wisdom. And Frank's just like, yeah. That's pretty fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and then finally, his character is just like, God, I give up. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the brilliant janitor was easier than this guy. Oh, trying to crack this guy. We're yeah. talk- I'm trying to... <laughs> Trying to talk to him and give him these life lessons, and he's talking to me about Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> what the hell? Ogres have layers, so do Franks. <laughs> <laughs> A Shrek reference. He's, we're getting closer to getting closer. Pop culture that people yeah. understand. Yeah. Are they doing? <laughs> Here we go again. That's gonna be my fucking gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Are they doing more Shrek movies? Is that shit still going on? I don't know. I, don't I thought know. they ended it with the fourth one. Yeah, are they doing? You know, I was listening to um, some uh, like an SNL show, and they were talking about how big of an asshole that Mike Myers is in real life. Really? Yeah, really? I had never like heard su- such a thing. They were because uh, they were talking about when he was who rec- who was talking uh, this podcast about SNL that I listened to. Yeah, and they were saying that he didn't show up in the uh, end credits when he was Doctor Evil, uh-huh. and that people were reporting that he just like did the Doctor Evil and then just jetted out of there and everything. And they were saying that there's still bad relations between him and like Lorne and everything, and that he's just got a huge ego and kind of a a jerk to deal with, and that's why he's not into much other stuff besides his own creations and everything. Right. Hmm. I really had never thought of. Well, he much. came back and did Wayne. Yeah, that one time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can't speak to that. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's all opinion, but I just yeah. found it fascinating. I, I, love, I love Mike Myers. I would love another I Austin, do, I Austin do. Powers. I know yeah. it's not a popular opinion, but. 
I'm, I'm oh, with you. No, I mean, give me another love guru. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> love guru, too. Sarcasm. Oh. But no, yeah, definitely not a love guru. Oh, God. Yeah, that, I think Goldmember was one of the hardest I've ever laughed in a theater. Yeah, and, and um, So I Married Your Axe Murderer, that's a classic, mm-hmm. right? I that's love, a good one. I yeah. love that movie. Mm-hmm. When he does the beatnik poetry to, like, the, the Jetsons and everything. Woman. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, man. <laughs> yeah, I love that stuff. <laughs> Look at the size of that kid's head. <laughs> it's like a melon. <laughs> Sputnik. <laughs> it's like an orange on a toothpick. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Wow. Uh, this is our first regular episode of 2015. I, if you want to call it regular, <laughs> yeah, after, after Frank's fucking tangent oh over my there. God. It's, it's another irregular episode of Pop Culture <laughs> Leftovers. We have those. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, last week we had the Tupperwares. If you haven't listened to that, listen to that one. It's where we went over like our top uh, movies, TV shows, comics, all that shit from 2014. I liked it, man. It, it was, was like a week fun. off. It was like a week off for me. All I had to do was really fucking just nail down my picks and talk. My God. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun to do that kind of thing, too, to hear what everyone thought. Mm-hmm. So... And response has been good, too. It's been fun to hear what other listeners thought, like, of our opinions and everything. So. Yeah, except when they disagree. Ah, oh, you can take It's that. our choices, people. It's our choices. <laughs> yeah, we hand out the tuppies. We hand out the tuppies. <laughs> you, guys, you guys can have the armies or something. Right. The armies. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, first regular episode, so we're back to good pop, bad pop, news, and all that stuff. Um... We are littered with a ton of emails this week. Oh yeah, how are we gonna handle that? We're gonna. I'm gonna pepper some of them, but I've got a shit ton here at the beginning. Okay. So I guess we should just jump right into these so we can get the ball rolling. If you guys are ready for that, I, I imagine yep. like a big Raiders of the Lost Ark ball rolling and us needing to run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh, definitely that. So yeah, a huge, huge fucking Raiders of Ark. Uh, Ar- I can't even talk today. Raiders of the Lost Ark ball headed towards you. So I'm that guy who already like ran ahead and got killed by the trap. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You're definitely a red shirt, Frank. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> All uh, right, emails we. <laughs> we, we, we need a drop for emails at this point, right? We do. Oh, shit. Yeah, I didn't even think it was about to I've, almost, I've thought about making an email drop in the past. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah. Not like I don't do enough of these fucking drops. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe in the future I'll have time. We'll do an email drop. First email drop. Email drop. <laughs> first email comes from... You're getting there was my dangerously... You're, well, that was a half-table thrust. Yeah. <laughs> you are getting dangerously close... Jake, just take. I know you got the Red Bulls in you. Yeah, I know you're a little. Yeah, yeah. yeah just take her down a notch, Chief. All right, all right. Dangerously you're, close to what? Hitting the table. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was, that was a close. It call. was close. <laughs> I'm a little worried for Brian because he's got two of us off the chain now. I still think Frank will win on the if we're going to take bets on who's going to smack it more. Unless I had another Red Bull. Now you guys are self-aware. <laughs> now you guys are self-aware. So who knows? No, it'll still happen with Frank. <laughs> Probably. I'll forget in five fucking minutes, if that. First email comes from Ryan Fought. Uh, he says, hey, Brian, it's Gooch from Twitter here, a.k.a. at Fought13. But you can call me Ryan. I just wanted to send you some props. I absolutely love the show. The way you, Jake, and Frank bounce off each other is such great fun. I love the dynamic 
the three of you have. You guys never fail to entertain as well as inform me of upcoming stuff. I listen to lots of podcasts, but when I found PCL, I found one that has everything I love. I find myself checking iTunes to see if the new episode is out yet or not. Thank you for creating awesomeness every single week, Ryan. Oh, what a great email. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. Yeah, so. I know. I like it. Yeah, that was it's good. good stuff. So nice. yeah, short, to, short and sweet. Short and sweet. Yeah, he followed me on Twitter. I didn't know that uh, email existed, and like his first tweet was like the world famous Frank Hammer. I'm like, the fuck? Like, who's this dude? I'm like, okay, <laughs> world famous. World that's famous. what he said, man. That's why I was like, the fuck. The infamous Hammer. Yeah, that, that's more appropriate. <laughs> yeah. That means more than famous. Because people are like, can you believe this, motherfucker? Pizza places are world famous. Right. Not Frank Hammer. Right. Not Frank Hammer. Uh, Ryan Feely. He says, hi, Brian, Jake, and Frank. I was wondering if you guys ever thought about trying to put together a PCL movie premiere party in your area for the big Marvel and DC movies that are coming up in the years to come. I personally would love to go to the midnight showings of these movies with you guys and be able to enjoy the buildup and excitement of the opening night viewings with people who are like-minded and who really love these films. I'm not thinking about anything too organized, but maybe on the night of the opening, the Army could get together and get some pizzas, get in line early so we all get good seats and just make a night of it. I live in Tennessee, and my son and I enjoy listening to PCL every week. We would be willing to make the drive for a PCL pilgrimage. Holy shit. It would be a great memory for us to meet and see a movie with you guys. Just a thought. I really love your podcast. It is the number one cast that I listen to. I might get four or five podcast updates on a Monday, but PCL always takes priority in the listing line, listening lineup. I'm also in the PCL Fantasy Basketball League as Touchy Feely. A.K.A. the first team to give Brian a loss. Yeah. Sorry, Brian. Oh, yeah. Jake's excited about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go listener. <laughs> yeah, go listener. Yeah, fuck Brian. <laughs> Brian, fuck your team. Son of a bitch. All right. Uh, unless Rick James gets a ton of injuries, I think he is going to run away with the title this year. Yeah, he's been killing it. I think dude is like 10-0. Oh, that reminded like two years ago. I had an insane team in the same league. Just diff- I was playing against different people. Mm-hmm. I had like Blake Griffin, Carmelo Anthony, uh, Derek Rose back when he was like on top. And dude, I ran away with every fucking trophy, and I never lost the game. What's your record right now on this year? Uh, I think I'm like seven and three, seven and four. Oh, you're doing good. Something you got to be like top that. three, right? I'm in number four, I think. Oh, right there. Um, and then he goes on to say, yeah, his team is stout. I've never played fantasy basketball before and found it to be quite addictive. Thanks for introducing me to it. Anyway, that's it for now. Thanks for all the entertainment. You guys are the best. Ryan. Yeah, that's a great email. We have discussed, um, having a get together a little bit behind the scenes. Yeah, it was uh, John Hawksby that was the first one that kind of like mentioned this. And I, I don't know, I think I'd want to do it in the summer. I wouldn't want people to like, oh, join us for Star Wars Episode 7 and risk your lives out on the roads. <laughs> Especially here, people drive like assholes. Well, yeah, and I had um, another thing is is we don't it won't be midnight at this day and age. We'll be seeing it at like eight p.m. or some shit like that, right? Seven sometimes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that'll be nice. Yeah, I'm too old for that midnight shit anymore. Yeah, afterwards, I don't know, man. I'm we can hit up the bars too. Holy shit! Yeah, you know, we're not going to be able to discuss the movie with the listeners though, so that'll be a thing. 
Really? Why not? Really, we're going to just break the break it down? That Why time? not? Why not for them? They oh. came out all that fucking yeah. way to see us. I don't give a shit. We'll Holy talk about shit. the fucking movie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So that is we just have deal. to have them sign the uh, non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. yeah. That they I'll, can't. I'll get my lawyer to work on that waiver. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. So uh, it's something I think we should do. Yeah. I love, I re- I love the idea. Yeah. Sweet. Avengers 2 would probably be the first time we'd consider doing something like that. Yeah, Avengers 2, uh, Age of Ultron. I mean, we need to get the ball rolling if that's the case so people can kind of, you know what I mean, yeah. figure out if that's what they want to do. Yeah, shit, it'll be May right before you fucking know it, right. right? Some bitch. Yeah, I love the idea of us seeing a movie. I mean, we haven't even seen a movie with each other, let alone with uh, any members of the Army. Yeah, right. let's see how many people we can get together that want to do this and, 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 and really want to do this. I mean, if you feel like you can't make it or whatever... Then you know, let don't don't just don't send us an email, but send us an email, uh, popcultureleftovers at gmail dot com, and just title it uh, movie premiere, and uh, we'll see how many people we get to respond, and we'll see if it's something we want to do. That'd be fucking cool. Yeah, awesome. I yeah. love the idea. Good email, uh, Danny J from Twitter. Uh, basically, he sent an email here, but he wanted us to disguise his voice. So, I'll do that. Hold on. How's that sound? Uh, it sounds good. Holy Does he have the like, FBI after him or something? I don't know, but I'm just trying to help out my boy here. <laughs> ducking, yeah. some, ducking some child support or something? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Daddy, Dad. <laughs> you lazy son of a bitch. How many, Pay your kid. How many fucking <laughs> illegitimate children does this guy have? Hmm. <laughs> All right. Danny J sends us an email, and he says, I feel personally that there is an irrational hatred amongst the nerd culture. I will use the prequels as my example. Is this annoying? Should I just go back to my regular voice? Yeah, I didn't know what this is what you meant. I thought he sent an audio email. In. No, this is... Yeah, I'm trying to disguise... <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, go back to normal voice. Is this one better? I feel personally that there is an irrational hatred amongst the nerd culture. Now I can't even concentrate on what you're saying. Okay, fair enough. a small world after all. It'd been better if it was a lollipop kill, but... Oh, it's back to normal? Oh, no, now it's back to normal. Oh and God, Frank's so not back fun. to normal. <laughs> we'll have to wait, wait a while for that. Oh. <laughs> that was so much fun. It was children singing that song, Frank, not dwarves. I forgot. I meant to sing. Oh, wait. No, okay. You're right. Because that. Hey, he's still working it out in his head. I can see actual gears. Smoke is coming out of Frank's ears right now. <laughs> Thinking hard. I had like totally. Leroy like Jenkins! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll bail you out. <laughs> Any fucked up situation, <laughs> Frank. Toss me an anchor. When in doubt, yell Leroy Jenkins. Exactly. <laughs> that'll get the crowd behind you. <laughs> Danny J. Email. (laughs) Disguise the voice. Gosh. I feel personally that there's an irrational (laughs) hatred amongst nerd culture. I will use the prequels as my example. Now I'm 28. I was raised in between the trilogies. I love the original trilogy with a disgusting passion. And dare I say, I like the prequel trilogy. Now I know episodes one through three were not perfect. On the same token, the original trilogy wasn't perfect. If anybody picks something apart enough, then yes, holes will pop up. 
But it seems like people feel like they have to hate the prequels in order to have some geek cred. The irras- this irrational hatred applies to Vanilla Ice. A lot of people say, just say he sucks because everybody else says it. I love that goofy motherfucker. He isn't the greatest, but he gets it done, and I challenge anybody to hear Ice Ice Baby and not at the very least hum along. With nerd, nerd culture... Uh, with nerd culture coming to the forefront of pop culture in general, it's a double-edged sword. I like being able to go out pretty much anywhere and find something nerdish out there, be it a DVD or a shirt or some kind of accessory for something, but it seems to be compounding this idea that we as a geek culture have a uniform mentality about certain nerd lore. Self-fulfilling prophecy. You aren't legit. You aren't a legit nerd unless you hate the prequels and Daredevil. Fuck that. I loved the prequels. Now I wasn't a huge fan of Daredevil, but it wasn't Affleck that killed that. It was a poor story and shitty writing. When he landed Batman, knee-jerk reaction was to say fuck this shit, but Affleck has a laundry list of amazing work in front of and behind the camera. I can love comics and love Star Wars and love geek culture and still love the prequels and not like the original Star Trek and love Spider-Man 3, even though my man Venom wasn't perfect. I'm just sick of auto-hatred in our community and fan shaming. A clever pun on fat shaming, if I do say so myself. I play Magic. I watch all episodes of Star Wars. I don't hate fuck Affleck. And I think The Watchmen is one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. And if you, in your core, hate those things, fuck, I don't care. We can love and hate things in our community without being less nerdish. Joker for president, and I'm out. Danny D. Yeah, what a great email. Yeah, I hate that shit when it's like... Danny J, sorry. Danny J, yeah. Uh, one of the, when they released the episode 7 trailer, it was like instantly with the prequel hate. It was so annoying seeing people just like, oh, it instantly washes the bad taste of the prequels out of your mouth. The trailer was so good. What if they really felt like that, though, Jake? Uh, but it's, it's just all the prequel shaving. I saw so much of it, you know? Well, I mean, what if it's legitimate, though? I mean, you know, I'm sure there are bandwagon haters out there, but there are legitimate fans that hate the prequels because it didn't... It wasn't satisfying for them. That's a good argument, and, I, and I'm fine with that. But these are like actual like sites saying stuff like that. Like I saw like the Entertainment Weekly post about Episode Seven, mm-hmm. making prequel jabs and everything. It's one thing when it's one person's opinion, and that's the real opinion. But it's another thing to use it as like a headline grab, mm-hmm. and, and that just really it's like okay, it's so hip and fashionable to just say how shitty the prequels are. No, so. no, no, no. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a couple of examples here. And I'm in agreement with you on a lot of things that you're saying. When I read like a message thread, like you read an article online and you Mm -hmm. read a message thread, and let's say it's a a Star Wars Episode 7 message thread where they're talking about the trailer dropping, and the first person comes out and says, yeah, this washed away the bullshit from the prequels. Mm -hmm. And then it's followed up by a bunch of other sheep. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm bu- buying the original guy. Maybe yes. he has a hatred for it. Then it's followed by a bunch of fucking sheep mm-hmm. that are echoing the same bullshit, regurgitating the same bullshit this guy's saying. And then finally, somebody with a sack shows up in that thread and says, you know what? Fuck you. I like the prequels. And then it's followed by a bunch of other people that have now grabbed their sack, yeah. follow- a bunch of sheep following this guy. 
and then them saying, oh, yeah, he's right. I agree with him. So now you're getting it, – it's, it's like everybody's playing fucking follow the leader oh, yeah. in this type of shit. Another thing that I've noticed is we've had some listeners write articles for us. You know, We call ourselves the People's Podcast. We mm-hmm. want our listeners to write articles about things. Not everything I agree with. Oh. But I post them because they're well, well written. The thoughts are organized. And, and our listeners do a great job with these articles. I don't agree with every point that they make. And I post them on certain like geek pages on Facebook and stuff like that so other people can read these. Because I, I, I do want other people in, you know, these geek, in the geek community to read them. And sometimes somebody will bash something about one of our listeners. Like, oh, this article's bullshit. Whatever, this guy knows nothing of what he's talking about. And I may agree with certain – I may not agree with the article totally, but it does hurt me at my core. Not the shitty movie, but my real yeah. core. And it does bother me because our listener had the balls to put his opinion out there. And this guy is just basically not coming back with anything of any value. He's just saying, oh, whatever. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This article's bullshit. Okay, well, tell me why he's bullshit. Let's have a discussion about this. Yeah, and David Isaac just recently posted that Tusk review. Yeah. And, I mean, he grabbed his sack, basically. Like, me and you kind of poo-pooed the movie. Yeah. I I tasted it, and you completely tossed it. Yeah. He still went out there and said how much he loved it. Good for him. He didn't give a fuck what we thought. Yeah, and somebody actually went on one of the things, on one of the pages that I posted it on, said, this movie was complete shit. It's like... Okay, could you elaborate on that a little bit more, yeah. you eloquent fuck? <laughs> Complete shit. I mean, you yeah. got to have reasons for liking or disliking something, and to not provide any or to attack a person, like, personally, yeah. as opposed to, like, state your opinion and then defend your idea. Right. It's like posting this article where your thoughts are, like, organized and they're presented in a way, and then the first response you get is some asshole going, Leroy Jenkins! <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm fucking with you, Frank. Anyway. <laughs> but, but it's just like, you know, it's like that stiffler response. No, yeah. this is bullshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that right. bothers me. You know, he brings up, he does bring up good points, like uh, Vanilla Ice. Mm-hmm. People bashing on him all the time. I happen to like Vanilla Ice. Yeah. I like the guy as the person. He's he's a little off the cuff and crazy sometimes, but aren't we all at times? Yeah. And uh, he was a smart guy. He made his money. He made his millions, and then he got out. He invested a lot of it. He bought a bunch of property, flips the property, right. saved a lot of his money, lives in Florida, has a pretty good life there. I just think he's a smart businessman. Uh, he's reinvented his image, and... I like Vanilla Ice. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Uh, vanilla, yeah, everybody just jumps on that Vanilla Ice oh, for sure. bandwagon hate. For sure. He also brings up uh, Spider-Man 3. Yeah. And I, I have to grab my sack and defend Spider-Man 3 all the time. Sure you do. Ryan Dross gives a shit about it all the time. All, all the time. All the time. And I'm not backing down. I don't care that it's popular opinion that Spider-Man 3 is terrible. We're on the same right. page with Spider-Man 3. I, I happen to absolutely love it. It's not. I think Ryan Dross legitimately thinks that I am... Just saying, I love it. Mm-hmm. Just to be, you know, a jerk. If Sam Raimi right. put out a shit movie, you would, I, you would grab your sack and be like, ah, Sam, you, you kind of got lazy on this one. Yeah, right. and and if you're a Raimi fan, Spider Man Three is so littered with like Raimi stuff. Like it's hard to be a giant Raimi fan. I understand that if you're the guy with like the Venom tattoo, 
you're like, fuck this movie. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, they didn't do that character justice. I'm not a fool. I, I get yeah. that. But there's things to like about it. And oh, even, yeah. I mean, if somebody disagrees with that, well, fuck them. I mean, it's your right to like it for whatever <laughs> I, reason. Dude, I loved it. For all the faults that it had. Yeah. And, and it did have some, just like any movie. But for like, but it's better than Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I was one of the people that loved that fucking final battle scene with like the, the oh yeah, you know what I mean with Sandman on with the Sandman girders and, and going getting all huge and big. I fucking loved it. I love it too. Yeah, it was way better than the the fucking uh, Constructicons battle in uh, Transformers oh, yeah. Uh, Two. Yeah, I love the action sequence where um, he's trying to not lose the ring while he's in the fight with Harry. That is awesome. Yeah, That was one of the first scenes I'd ever seen in high definition, and it looked fucking beautiful for the time that it came out even. And it still holds up. It's amazingly shot. Like, in a lot of these action movies, you're like, what the fuck just happened? I just saw, like, 12 zoom-ins, you know, like in a Transformers movie or whatever. Yeah, right. And, like, every moment you can follow, and it's it's really high kinetic action shot really well he mentions daredevil and i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that i did not like the studio cut of Mm -hmm. daredevil Mm -hmm. but on the flip side i really enjoyed the director's cut a lot more i I completely agree does that really make that big a difference i've never seen the director's cut yeah 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 Yeah, it does it's a little bit less silly It's, it's a better edit okay yeah, it's it's definitely better. You know, I went into Daredevil, even the original cut, expecting total garbage and kind of walked away like, you know what? That was better than I expected. Yeah. Yeah. I I did not like, um, and nobody liked the, the teeter-totter scene. Oh, the, uh, yeah. No, that was awful. But, um, you know, I I liked Bullseye. Uh, yeah, when they first, Colin Farrell. Yeah, when they first introduced him in the Irish pub and mm-hmm. he's got the... The uh, paperclip and uh, and just kind of like uh, goes Joe Pesci on the dude and uh-huh. starts you know flicking the parts of the paperclip in the dude's neck and you got to love the House of Pain music in yeah the exactly dude I like that yeah. shit man I thought it was cool but the director's cut if you've never seen it watch it you, it may take you from like a uh, toss it maybe to a low taste it if anything I agree and like what he was talking about with the prequels. Um, I don't know if he may be taking it the wrong way. I mean, there may be some people, like you said, that really do think they were all complete garbage. But, like, for me, when I case on it, it's for specific little things. And, yeah, I might be picking it apart. But I don't know. I just – that's what I've always done. And um, the uh, some of that is, like, the graphics or the uh, special effects, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always – you know, we grew up with practical effects. And some of the best stuff now being done is in practical effects. And it's like the more time that goes by since the prequels came out, the more I wish they would have stuck with more of those as opposed to having it be so much special effects. And that's one of the reasons why I kind of case on them. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Jake. I don't know. I think the digital effects still hold up in the prequels. I don't. If you watch um, the, uh, if you watch, uh, the last one that they did that came out in 2005... Episode three. Episode three. I mean, there are some. I could. I, I wish I could point them out to you. I think of, I can think of them in my head. I think like Anakin gets off like a transporter or something, uh-huh. and it just looks so fake. Yeah. By today's standards. Oh right. Yeah. When in the lava. When yeah. you stand on that yes. platform. When yeah. they do yeah. CG people, I agree. It, it looks pretty. It looks pretty terrible. But that that's part of technology. I mean, it's going to advance. I mean, you have to. I mean, I accept the fact that they came out 
back then. And what I don't want them to do is to hear me bitch and then try to remaster it again or do any more of that shit. Just leave them as they were. I don't hate them. I mean, it's still, you know, I still like them. It's still Star Wars. There's just, I think, more flaws in those than I, in the original trilogy. I, th- I think Lucas, and I can't blame him for this. I mean, the guy hadn't done anything in a while, and he wanted to flex those, you know, CGI muscles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He really did. And I think they sacrificed on the casting end. They didn't get anybody other than Ewan McGregor, in my opinion, that really sold me on any character. Um, if you threw out somebody else, maybe I'll change my mind. No, I completely but, agree. Even as great as Natalie Portman is now, yeah. she, she wasn't bringing much to the table right. even in the prequels. Right, but that was probably the direction yeah. of that character. And I, you, know, you did get to see glimpses of what made her Leia's mother, but Carrie Fisher on the flip side was a way more talented actress. Had these movies come out maybe... Like, uh, n- now, I mean, maybe we could have got, like, Emma Stone in there to play Padme, and, and she's more of a tougher, you know what I mean? I agree, and she just didn't have the charm of Carrie Fisher. Oh, right, right. Just right. the warmth and, and the charm. comedic timing. Yeah. I mean, Carrie Fisher's a fantastic comedic actress, and Natalie Portman just didn't really do it for me in that movie. Um, as whiny as Anakin was in episode two, I think that Emma Stone would make him cry. <laughs> Well, that's why you don't cast uh, Hayden Christensen, Christensen. as yeah. Anakin. That's why, you know, like a, a guy like uh, Jake Gyllenhaal would have yeah. been a, would have been a better choice back then. I mean, uh, he's oh, a, a yeah, l- yeah. lesser known guy back then. But I mean, um, you know, even some of his earlier movies, and I'm not talking about like The Day After Tomorrow. I mean, and he played good second fiddle to Quaid. But mm-hmm. I mean, he's a younger guy, and one of his bigger roles as, as an actor. But like even his stuff like in Jarhead back then. I mean, I'm talking oh, yeah. about movies before like Prisoners and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. this guy, he's an actor and. And I mean, if you even want, like, even somebody uh, in between Jake Gyllenhaal and fucking uh, uh, Hayden Christensen, I'd say Taylor Kitsch would even be a better one. Yeah, he yeah. needs something like that. Yeah. Can you imagine the different tone that those movies would have had if you would have had, like, a feeling of intensity off of Anakin as opposed to, like, whiny and angst? Yeah. I think that could have been so much better and darker because Vader was evil. And I know Jake liked this. I know Jake liked that they had the real young Anakin in the first movie, but I couldn't, I can't connect with a character um, I, in a kid's movie, you can, because it's, it's a kid's movie and it's targeted towards kids. And I know that you can say, yeah, well, tar- Star Wars is a kid's movie, but Star Wars has kind of grown up with us. And mm-hmm. so they should have aged it a little bit for an older audience. Yeah, they took steps back instead yeah, of forward. But I think they should have started off with him being 17. But I, I guess the, on the flip side, they were like, let's make him younger so he can get his training done a little younger. But I can't relate to a cocky kid. Right. I can relate to an older character a little bit better than I can some cocky kid that I just I'm because that's who I'm rooting for. No, I mean as an adult when I'm watching it, it's just like oh my god, somebody bend this kid over and give him a spank. On. You know what I mean? <laughs> to yeah. think about it though, okay, so he started his training when he was a lot younger than Luke did. Yeah, and I mean depending on what we end up getting with Episode Seven, they could make that part of the foreshadowing how late Luke started his training in life, even in comparison. They really to had his no dad. choice to start his training late, though. Well, right, you but know? you saw how far Vader fell, and he started his training at a younger age. 
It, Luke didn't start until he was in his teens. My argument is that even though if they would have said Anakin 17 starting out in this, mm-hmm. Qui-Gon Jinn don't give a fuck. No. Right, yeah. no. Qui-Gon Jinn don't give a fuck. If he thinks, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If he's got the midi-chlorine count right. as high as they say. <laughs> exactly. It, right. It but, don't matter, yeah. Exactly. I just think like if they would have started him off, it, it would have mirrored the original trilogy better. Right. You know what I mean? I can yeah. see that. It definitely doesn't mirror the original trilogy having the big 10-year gap in between yeah. two episodes. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think Lucas was intimidated, and so this was supposed to be like this CGI explosion, something you've never seen. I, and what I mean by intimidated is by other directors since then. I mean, you have so much time off, and in the interim, he's had a chance to see like what James Cameron did oh, yeah. for Terminator 2 and mm-hmm. all these other things. So when he came out with these movies, it was less about, like I guess, stellar acting and, and uh, great screenplay, and it was more about like what can I dazzle, what can I show audiences with eye candy that's just going to make them just like, wow, yeah, wow. I think we burned through that so fast. In some aspects, though, I think he, he had some successes by doing that. I think the pod race was a success in doing that. I'm not arguing the pod yeah. race. Yeah. Right. And I saw that in 3D. I was one of the people that went and saw that in 3D, and it was still phenomenal yeah and, and admittedly my two favorite uh lightsaber battles in all of star wars are from episode one and episode three darth yeah. maul and the, uh then obi-wan versus anakin as much as i didn't like jar jar banks i am a little upset that in 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 retrospect because at the time i was like thank god they didn't give jar jar a huge role and he was totally different in the second movie uh-huh but in retrospect, I wish George Lucas would have just stuck with his guns and said, I'm going to make him still a goofy-ass motherfucking character. Fuck all of you. Yeah, they, they totally wrote him out of the story, and that, that came from the criticism. Yeah, I'm sure it he would have played it, a bigger role. Absolutely. It totally came from the criticism. But on the flip side, I just wish George Lucas would have just grabbed his balls and manned up and said, you know what? <laughs> Whatever. I'm just going to do this movie the way I want to do it. I'm George Lucas. Right. Yeah. You're not going to make me bend or break. So... I agree. But um, let's see here. That was a great email. It was a great email. And I'm glad that you like Watchmen the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The next email is from Dan D. Um, Hey, guys, you can read this on air if you want, but it'll be short and not terribly compelling. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, he really sets himself up there. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sold. We accept the challenge. (laughs) It actually sounds like our podcast. (laughs) It's not short. But on the flip side, we're not ter- terribly yeah, compelling. Yeah, not terribly compelling. Um, he says, I caught your podcast at number five or six and haven't missed one since. I don't normally participate in conversations or opinions like this because I listen to six hours of podcasts a day. I like self-improvement stuff and debates as well as movie and TV reviews, etc. Yours is really creative and funny and explicit and real. I love how you are normal guys with normal jobs and normal drinking problems. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we have all those. Fuck. (laughs) Got one sitting in front of me. (laughs) Leroy Jenkins. And that was sober. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck. Was that how you introduce yourself at an AA meeting, Frank? No, I've never been to one of those. Hi, Leroy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's see here. Um, He says... uh, Life is short, and so is freedom, history-wise. 
And you guys will be able to tell your grandkids, and more importantly, yourselves on... Uh, wait, I think I missed a total... Yeah, I totally missed a sentence. Here we go. Normal drinking problems. He goes, whatever, but you take time out of your lives to keep us updated on stuff you're interested in and hope we will love or hate as well. Life is short, and so is freedom, history-wise, and you guys will be able to tell your grandkids, and more importantly, yourselves on your deathbeds, that I participated in the biggest and best time in human history, the information age. I not only participated, but made history and worked hard to make it entertaining. Last episode, two episodes ago, because we had Tupperwares, but he says, uh, Brian said he wanted to see the interview in the theater because he stands for free speech. That is the deepest message you're sending all over the world. You stand for free speech, and the ripples you send can be turned into waves if you keep at it. Um, I'm going to stop the email here and say thank you for that. Yeah, wow. Um, There's more to the email, but I want to say thank you for that. I have received maybe two or three emails in the past from people that listen to the podcast that say there's too much cursing. There's too much cursing, Mm -hmm. and I would like to have my kids listen to it, but there's too much cursing. But for every two to three emails like that, I get 30, 40 more saying I enjoy it, and I don't mind it, or they don't even reference it. They just say they love the show, so on the flip side, I don't think that they mind the cursing. Yeah, the realness kind of alludes to Right. they don't mind it. I don't curse just to curse. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it's not like I've got, like, uh, in my notes, like, uh, I've got fucks scattered. You've got a quota. <laughs> yeah. You've got a quota. 30-foot yeah. quota. Yeah. Unless we beat Wolf of Wall Street every episode, this is not a pop culture leftovers episode. Yeah. We've got to drop more F-bombs than the Wolf of Wall Street in every episode. But, you know, that's the thing. It's like, uh, I'm not going to change, you know? You shouldn't have your kids listen to this, number one. No. No. This is kind of like my filter. That way I keep it away from them. Yeah, we have the explicit banner. So. Yeah, we have the explicit banner. So griping about us cursing, it's not going to change a thing. I'm going to keep dropping F-bombs, and Jake's going to keep saying gotcha, and Frank's going to say something that doesn't make sense at the time. Jenkins. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> I'm going to keep fucking drinking. Um, and then he goes on. He says, oh, God damn it. Here's why I started writing this email. That was supposed to be short. You guys fucking inspire me, and I could write all day about the impact you have on me and the PCL Army. Shit, I did it again. Okay, to the point. (laughs) Jake mentioned the Serial Podcast, and I'm only 31 minutes into the first episode and hooked. Thanks for finding a great one. By the way, one of my favorites is Cognitive Dissonance. Hilarious and irreverent, just like you guys. Uh, And then... uh, I heard of that. I'll have to... Yeah, I haven't either. Make note of that. Um, He sent us a second email. So after he sent us this one, he sent us a second one, which I just fl- uh, just lost. Hold on here. Yeah, I don't want to keep giving info on the same sub- subject, but I thought this was pretty cool. Jake told us briefly about the Serial Podcast, and I tore through the 12-episode season that went from, like, October to December of 2014. Just ended, like, a few weeks ago. I wanted more, and I'm finding all kinds of cool commentary videos blogs and podcasts etc i also think the number of reviews for the podcast have gone up a lot from a week ago when i found it after jake told us about it okay i also wanted to make sure to include frank when i tell you about my my admiration of the pop culture leftovers crew 
He brings the perspective of a married man with kids. I've never been married, and I have no plans to have kids. I just don't feel the social pressure to do what most consider normal. But I think his perspective is interesting and funny, and I love the video game stuff. I don't take time to play video games, but I sometimes watch gameplay on YouTube. I also like Frank's toilet humor. Thank you for letting him try to make us sick on episode 69. <laughs> it was, yeah, I thought it was great. Anyway, thanks again for the work you put into the show. I'm subscribed to at least 100 podcasts. Holy shit. And I look for yours first. Seriously. Oh, and I live in Utah, by the way. So that was Dan D. Um, oh, my heck. Nice. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, dude, I'm with you. He says, like, uh, the I've never been married and I have no plans to have kids. I have been married, but I have no plans to have kids. I just don't. I'm... A lot of people can say I'm selfish. That's that's what you say. Like people that have kids, ah, not you, Frank. But yeah. I'm saying there are people out there that oh, I, know. I mentioned. Like, yeah, I don't want to have kids, and they're just like, that's just a selfish way to look at things. <laughs> no, it'd be a selfish way to look at things if I didn't want to have kids, and I came to this realization, and I knocked somebody up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Being irresponsible, and then and then now I've got to take care of a kid that I never planned for. Yeah, so you can say it's selfish, but not really, not right. so much. That's it's actually just, being incredibly responsible, <laughs> you know. And it goes back to the whole free speech thing. This is my, this is basically, this is my choice in a free country. I don't have to have kids, right? I'm super excited that he uh, checked out Serial. Uh, quite a few listeners have have gotten in touch with me and said they checked it out after mm-hmm. I talked about it. Yeah, and everyone seems to be enjoying it for the most part. So that's really good. I'm glad people are scoping it out. I downloaded all 12 episodes, and I was going to start listening today, but I started listening to the five-year anniversary Star Joe's podcast. And oh, nice. Kind of got lost in that because it's really good stuff. And gotcha. Just finished. They were talking about their, fa- their five favorite quotes from the Ghostbusters film. Oh, wow. And they would actually play the quotes, and it was just like – you know, one of my favorite movies, one of the most quotable movies, and then here they are talking about their favorite quotes, and it was just like, oh, man, they love the same quotes that I do. This is great. <laughs> so, yeah, if you haven't listened to that, it's a great episode. So I'm like two hours in, so I got like a little bit over an hour to finish. Uh, Joe Nito says, hey, guys, first of all, I have to say that I've never written into any show, contest, etc. This is a first for me. I wanted you to know that I really enjoy the podcast. I started on episode 44, The Days of Future Past, and have not missed an episode since. I don't have many friends to talk geek to, so you guys keep me thoroughly entertained week to week. I'm 36, so you guys and I are around the same age. So when you talk about the nostalgic things from your childhood years, I'm right there with you. Now to my question. On the Tupperware episode, you talked about your favorite TV shows. There have been a lot of shows that I've started and have liked but got canceled way too soon. A few that come to mind are Alcatraz, the newer version of V, Firefly, Revolution, and Heroes. My top pick would be the 4400. I'm not sure if you guys ever caught this one. It ran from 2004 to 2007 on USA. The plot was about 4,000 people, 4,400 people who had disappeared from 1946 to the present day and all of a sudden show back up and have not aged. Aliens were teased as the explanation, but they never got to finish the story. It was a great sci-fi show that got axed way too soon. What are some of the shows that you guys really liked that you wish did not get canceled? Anyways, keep up the good work. Thanks. Joe from Southern California. Yeah, that's a great email. Yeah. 
Uh, one of the ones you brought up that we've brought up on the show before is V and how yeah. disappointed we were that ended. Anna Baccarin was so good in that show. Yeah, but all the cast was really uh, good. It's such a great cast. I, I loved V. It was so good. I loved the original, but man, this this one, it went two seasons, mm-hmm. and they brought Brett Harrison, one of my favorite actors, from Reaper on the show in the second season. This guy can't get past a second season. <laughs> Poor, Brett Harrison... IMDB him or Google him. Been involved in some great shows. Did a show called The Loop, which was a sitcom on Fox and very funny. Second season gets axed. That's funny. Then he does Reaper. Second season gets axed. Mm. And I'm like, finally, he's on a show that's not going to get axed. He's on V and he played like a scientist and second season gets axed. Mm. So yeah, I loved V. That was a good one. Uh, the last episode has no closure whatsoever either. They end right. it like it's going to have a season three. Yeah. And yeah. No, no season three. Heroes started off really strong and then it suffered through that uh, writer strike. Yeah. And the story kind of got real fucking confusing and I think they never really recovered. I liked the premise and I was always intrigued by Siler. Yeah, Heroes was a decent show. I agree the first season was the best, and then it kind of just fell off the map a bit. It was a victim of the writer's strike. I, I agree, Frank. Yeah. 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 Uh, I always liked Dollhouse. Oh, another uh, Joss Whedon yeah. show. Yeah. It starred Eliza Dushku, and for people that hadn't seen it, I think you can catch it on Netflix right now. Yeah, that's only a two-season deal, too, right? Yeah. Two, and, two or but two and a half. on the flip side, this is like a Whedon, uh, Whedon show like where some of them take – it takes like a – like for uh, it takes like the first season for it to really kick into gear. Yeah, this one I think did a good job pretty much out of the gate. Yeah, and what what it is is that you got these ladies who kind of not sell themselves into servitude, but like they they owe money to people or something, and in order to work it off or whatever, they donate themselves or their bodies to this uh, giant like conglomerate uh, where basically their minds are wiped. And they get new identities plugged in, and it's almost like they're secret agents or people hire them out to do different things. Uh, and, and it was a really cool concept. Uh, it was really neat. Like there was a cop that was looking for them. It was like a little conspiracy theory kind of mm-hmm. thing. It was really cool, and just it didn't make it. Yeah, it kind of fizzled out. I, I brought it up on a recent episode, but I was a big fan of that Terminator Sarah Connor, Connor Chronicles show. Yeah. Um, I thought Summer Glau was an amazing Terminator. Yeah. And that show was a lot of fun. And the last episode of that is terrible, too. It, like, really heats up, and then mm-hmm. you never get another episode. Yeah. I wish, like, some of them would come back in comic form. Yeah. Uh, Reaper was about to come back in a comic form, and it never happened. So, like, they actually, like, the creators got on the internet and gave us the ending. So then it was like, damn it. It was nice to know what happened, but on the flip side, it's like you know that the show would never come back once they've revealed the ending. Like, they just what gave it to you in prose? Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, one of mine was Alphas on Sci-Fi. Alphas on Sci-Fi was mm-hmm. kind of like a, a hybrid of like the X-Men with heroes. Mm. And it, it was great. You know, you had people that uh, had these special abilities and how they worked together as a team and – and um, you know, we got two seasons, and they left us with a cliffhanger after season two. And it was one of those things where you wanted to know where it was going, where it was headed. And when it got canceled, it just broke my heart. Yeah. Um, another, of course, Firefly, big one. Oh, yep. that's a huge one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do they call Firefly fans? Brown coats, brown jackets, something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Serenity kind of tied, not tied it up, but like put a lot of 
finite stuff on things. Yeah. yeah. Another, another Summer Glau show. She, she gets a lot of show, shows canceled, yeah. too. <laughs> uh, there's been a couple um, sitcoms that got canceled that I liked. Uh, Four Kings. Not a lot of people liked it. I loved it. Starred Seth Green. Yeah. Only oh. on for a few episodes, but I thought it was very funny. They had one goofy character in it, and like, there's like, you know, you had like the overarching story, but like he had his little side stories that they'd kind of interject in the episodes. And like, one of them was like this battle that he had with like this almost like a Panda Express restaurant. Okay. Where like he would go there at a certain time. And when they dish out the orange chicken, this one person would give him more orange chicken. That's hilarious. And so he would always try to go back at that same time. So when he went back and um, it was a different person that was scooping out the orange chicken, they gave him less. And so it became a battle between him and like this restaurant trying That's to hilarious. get more orange chicken. That's and I, I thought the show was really good. It was called Four Kings, and it starred these four guys that lived together. And it was really yeah. funny. I enjoyed it. A lot better than Dads on Fox <laughs> with Seth Green and Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, another short-lived show, sitcom, that I really enjoyed, and it was when FX started their um, sitcoms. When they first started doing their first sitcoms, they came out with two of them. The first one was It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, mm. and then the second was a show called Starved. Starved was a very dark comedy, but very smart um, Daryl Hammond actually had an episode on Star. Oh, nice. And it was about people that all had eating disorders, and they'd all meet in this group. And, oh. and uh, the, you know, like you had the, the bulimic, you had like the, the, the glutton that would overeat, and you had the one uh, anorexic, and you had the guy that would like uh, exercise all the time, had uh, self-image issues, and would like then he would just binge eat, you know? And he would eat those little Nemo chocolate cakes that I love. Like, he threw one away in the garbage, and then they showed him, like, running back to the garbage and pulled it out and just oh, shit. ate it out of a trash can. Oh, and uh, But it was such a funny and brilliant and smart written show, and it only lasted one season. It's Always, so funny. Uh, it's always Sunny in Philadelphia was the one that survived that um that's still kicking right yeah yeah uh young justice oh it's a good one uh, the cartoon uh one of my favorites only lasted a couple seasons and the reason it didn't come back was because it wasn't selling toys yeah uh, i'm upset that they canceled avengers earth's mightiest heroes and to reboot it to retool it to make oh. it more movie universe yeah friendly. earth's mightiest heroes was way way better yeah in the uh in the sitcom realm i, I wish uh, they would have hung on to happy endings yeah, happy endings, three seasons, and it was done. Yeah, yep. that, that was riddled with a lot of uh, drops with uh, yep. Stake Me Home Tonight. Yeah, yeah. Stake Me Home Tonight. Yeah, dude made a food truck. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. Had a great cast. Yeah, um, Wayne's is hilarious. Wayne's is great. Eliza Coop is great. Alicia Cuthbert is great. Uh, the dude that played Max, I can't yeah. remember his name. I, he that... is now on the Mindy Project. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, let's see here. Yeah, I mentioned Reaper. If you haven't seen Reaper, I've mentioned it on other episodes. I'm oh, not yeah. going to get into Reaper, but I love Reaper. Lasted two seasons. Such a great show. Great cast. Brett Harrison, Tyra Labine, Ray Wise. Great show. Uh, and another one from the 90s that got canceled after only like eight episodes. It was a Robert Zemeckis show. It was an hour long episodes it was called johnny bago oh wow and they kept changing the night that it was on but it was so freaking brilliant it had the guy from frighteners in it as the main lead okay um remember the uh asshole boyfriend that got killed early on 
Mm-hmm. Had like the the what was it? The Johnny Bravo haircut. I, I, I do remember from Frighteners. Yeah. yeah, he was in a show called Johnny Bago. You can get this on eBay or Amazon now. It is such a brilliant show. I don't know that so I remember good. this. You probably wouldn't, but Johnny Bago, I do have the DVDs at home if it's something that you want to watch. If you guys want, ever want to see it and just like check out a couple episodes, let me know. It's, it's really good. Robert Zemeckis did this. Oh, I love Robert Zemeckis. Me too. So. Yeah. So those were mine. Yeah, I could think of a couple that I'm glad that got canceled. Oh, yeah. Selfie. Uh, rev- <laughs> revolution. First season was fun. Yeah. First season was fun. Second season was ab- – they changed everything. They retooled it, and they changed everything in that second season. And that's when I was like, after that first episode from the second season, I'm out. Mm. Knight yeah. Rider from about like five years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The event from about four or five years ago. The event. I, I kept, what's the event? What is the event? What is the event? And it's like, okay, you know what the event is? It's a lost ripoff. <laughs> yes. And not a very good one. Right. <laughs> so after about four or five episodes of that one, I was out. We got a lot of lost ripoffs. They got canceled. There was also that flash forward, which I, I kind of put in the same yeah. category. It was like, oh, what's just, and they even had, um, Charlie's character in it, the guy from Lord of the Rings. I forget his name now. Da- Dominique Mohegan. Oh, or yeah. 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 He was starring in that flash forward. You know, and I'm sure there's going to be some shows that we're missing that we would have been like, oh, God, I can't believe I didn't say that one. Yeah. Parker Lewis can't lose. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. That was a good show. It came out the same year as a Ferris, Ferris Bueller, Bueller show. show. Yeah. And Ferris was Blonde Kid and. Parker Lewis was way better. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and you, you wouldn't have thought so, like, leading up. But, yeah, the Ferris Bueller show was so blah. And yeah. Yeah, Parker Lewis was really funny. Yeah, yeah the guy that uh, played Kubiak ended up on ER years later. Oh. Yeah, he did. You're right. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, this next email comes from uh, Andy Babcock. Um, I... I was... I don't know. I read this, and I, I this one put a smile on my face. I was very flattered. Hello, Commanders, Brian and Jake. You too, Frankie. (laughs) I have listened to every episode since the Winter Soldier episode, a.k.a. the first mention of Frank Hammer on a PCL podcast. Wow. And I have to say that as a 10-year vet on a microphone, a former TV news journalist, graduate radio TV broadcasting, and a listener of 40-plus hours of podcasting each week, I love calling you guys the best wow that's awesome (laughs) i don't believe this i don't either i think he sent this exact same email to like those other 40 podcasts copy paste paste. (laughs) just uh yeah just take out the winter soldier stuff because that might confuse them that'd be like frank sending an email (laughs) leroy jenkins (laughs) (laughs) but no uh yeah wow that's crazy, right? I, I, I'm blown away. I'm speechless. I still don't believe it. That's cool. Yeah, the dude's a 10-year vet on a microphone, former TV news journalist, graduate of radio TV broadcasting, listener of 40-plus hours of podcasting each week. It just proves how much time Andy Babcock wasted, right? We, <laughs> we didn't do any of that shit, and we're the best. <laughs> Let's not take anything away from him. <laughs> My God. <laughs> My God, the guy compliments us, <laughs> and you're shitting in his mouth. He wasted all that time. He could have just been on PCL. And Open just... your mouth after all that school. <laughs> Jeez. 
All right. So, yeah, that's no, that's horrible. <laughs> Jake is kidding, I hope. I am totally kidding. Yeah. You're just shitting in this guy's mouth and calling it a was, chocolate sundae. I was totally joking. He said it. The words <laughs> came from him first. <laughs> but, but the funny thing is, it's like I've never done anything like this before. And I learned pretty much everything from fucking YouTube videos. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all trial and error. So you never know what you're going to get with a podcast, you know, with the chemistry and stuff like that. Oh, so. definitely. I mean, yeah. we listen to quite a few podcasts, too, and it's, yeah. it's, it's hit and miss. Yeah. We don't try to replicate any of them, though. No, not no. at all. Not at all. We just, yeah. So um, he said most of my podcasts the last few months have focused on comics, movies, TV, 80s cartoons, etc. And you guys do the best research break news as it happens, cite incredible sources, and do it in a way that makes me want to grab a bottle of booze and jump right in the conversation. Mucho kudos. You are even responsible for me for leading me to my second favorite podcast, Star Joes. Nice. The five-year wrap-up is a total Tupperware. I listen to each the day they drop, and I hope neither ever stops. As to my subject line, I'm spending the night on the couch. Yeah, his subject line was like in the doghouse listening to PCL. <laughs> and uh, he said, I'm spending the night on the couch since the missus is pissed off at me. Dude, I've been there before. <laughs> yeah, we all have. Mm-hmm. Something about my junk being too big. I think. <laughs> <laughs> all right, TMI. No, that was a total... F- that's a that, Frank yeah, callback. Oh, yeah. No, that's the highest form of a compliment. Oh yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Uh, he goes, I wasn't listening. Anyway, since I'm here, I bought the latest Planet of the Apes movie on the old Roku and finally watched. So far, if you take the cartoon apes versus bear fight and add some live humans, and it reminds me of Roger Rabbit in a way, but I fe- I'm, I'm, in, I'm feeling at least a taste it coming on. I don't want to drone on, so allow me to tease a few subjects to see if they warrant details. First, I've been watching The Flash and wonder if I am the only one that thinks Dr. Wells is Professor Zoom. Hell, he said Zoom Zoom Flash after their fight. Um, you know, I've been watching the show, too. And, yeah, there's tons of people that think he's Professor Zoom. Uh, you know, tons of people that, that we don't know who he is, if he's Barry from the future, whatever. Honestly, I think it's misdirection yeah, for it a lot like of... Yeah, it's an easy there's, answer. There's, there's one, yeah, there's one... Yeah. Well, I think there's misdirection in all cases. You know what I mean? It's like one, there's misdirection for everything. The zoom line is definitely misdirection. Yeah. yeah. That just smells of a red herring. Right. It's like in your face, you know? Right. <laughs> but now it's like everybody's got this whole Barry Allen you know, of the future coming back theory out yeah. there and so like are the writers really going to go with maybe that if that was their original intent yeah that's got we've talked about it in previous episodes but that's so tough for the writers it's like yeah. fuck that's what i was gonna do will you shut the fuck up about yeah. that but that's <laughs> the problem with social media yeah, you've yeah. got everybody trying to figure something out we're going to talk about that later on too with with another thing with another subject yeah he goes second are you guys caught up on rebels this latest episode has me wondering if inquisitors are force sensitive or not and what are your thoughts on the so-called Yoda appearance and that other crazy lightsaber? Okay, yeah, I am totally caught up on Rebels. Just watched the last episode. And, you know, um, good question about the Inquisitors, if they are Force-sensitive or not. Because we did see a scene where he did do, like, a Force push. Okay. But the thing was, it was a... Um, the whole episode was set up with uh, Ezra going through like a Jedi trial to see if he's worthy of being trained any further. 
and he went through a temple. There's these temples that are scattered across, you know, the universe, the galaxy. And uh, Cannon said, you know, I want you to find one of these. Think, use the force and think about where one of these are. So Ezra, you know, you know, got in touch basically uh, with, with the force and really connected with the force. And the force led him to a temple. And uh, he worked together with Cannon to resurrect this temple. It kind of like kind of like, uh, I don't know, came up out of the ground. They were able to go inside this temple, and it was kind of like a trial that he went through, and he had to do do it alone. He had to go at it alone, and he saw a lot of things that you know may be happening, may not be happening, and it's, it's spoilers. So it, I, if you haven't seen Rebels, fast forward through, the, through this a little bit. But what the Inquisitor does, and we find out that it is not the Inquisitor, it's just part of this trial – kind of like what Yoda's putting him through and what Canon has had to go, go, go through in the past. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to get into that a little bit more, it too. It kind of sounds Yoda. like what Yoda put Luke through on Dagobah yeah, in yeah. some ways. But, yeah, it does a little bit. Yeah, he, he sees, like, uh, things that really aren't there. Yeah. One of the things that the Inquisitor does is that force push during the scene. So... Are the Inquisitors force sensitive, or was just this part of like what he's seeing in front of him? Yeah, is, yeah. is he seeing something real, or is right. that really a hint towards something? But we do get Yoda in this. You don't see Yoda. You see kind of like a little uh, a little light display. These little balls of light that kind of flow around, and you hear Yoda's voice, and he's talking to Ezra. Um, and maybe Yoda is kind of giving him a little heads up that maybe they are force sensitive. Hmm. You know what I mean? He wants them to be prepared that, yeah, they are force sensitive. That would make sense because when he went through, when Luke went through the cave, he showed, he kind of foreshadowed something without directly telling him what the deal was. Yeah, I'd like to know more about this crazy lightsaber. Is it the one that we saw toy pictures of? That's yep. the pistol, too? Yeah. Um, who welds that? Let me I want to, let me talk about Yoda real quick, and then I'll talk about. Okay, the, sorry. Um, uh, the Yoda thing, the Yoda appearance, I thought was great. Um, Canon, like I said, had gone through this before, but what makes this different is that Ezra, I think, is way more important than Canon. Ezra is an important character in the Rebels show and in Star Wars lore, in my opinion, because. When Cannon went through this, it was evident that Yoda did not appear to him hmm. in the temple. Because as soon as Cannon heard Yoda's voice, he was like, Master Yoda? So this did not happen to Cannon when he was in there with his Jedi Master, when he was a Padawan. He was surprised by it, huh? So Yoda contacting Can- uh, Ezra, that's huge. Yeah. So Ezra is very important, very, very important. And I think he's going to have a lot of the same struggles that, um, that Anakin had growing up. And um, it, it makes it very, very interesting. Uh, the lightsaber, yes. Um, at the end of the episode, spoilers. Yeah, if you're still listening and you don't want spoilers, stop. At the end, Yoda gives him a crystal. And he is able now to make his own lightsaber. Mm-hmm. So Canon just, you know, says, hey, you know, you know, be Bob Vila and make your own, you know, <laughs> lightsaber. Right. So he makes his own lightsaber. And as a younger guy making a lightsaber, he makes a hybrid lightsaber 
with the with the pistol. Now it's not evident that it's a pistol unless you read the description of the toy, maybe from watching it. Um, you do see it uh, light up. You see the laser sword, mm-hmm. but he doesn't sh- he doesn't blast off any shots. Yeah, what okay. color is his laser sword? It's a blue. Okay, it's okay. blue, and it's it's very nice. I like it, and the sound that it makes was very subtle. You know what I mean? Because they all have a different mm-hmm. sound when they yeah. come out, and it was very subtle, and I liked it. Um, did they actually show him crafting it? No, they did okay. not. There's uh, been oh, I'm sorry. no. Go ahead. There uh, in other mediums, like I played that uh, the. Force Awakens, or not the Force Awakens, fuck, the uh, MMO, RPG, yeah. the Star Wars. Uh, when they craft a lightsaber, they're using the Force to bring it together. I just didn't know if they had a, you know, displayed that at all. Nope, they did not show that in this. Okay. Um, I think we are going to be seeing lightsabers being made in Episode 7, though. Yeah. I it, think we are. It's pretty visually stunning if they go the same route. Um, oh, God, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. No, the you're blaster fine. saber... The blaster. I was talking about the blaster saber and him not really using it. He, he didn't use it. God damn it! I lost my. I lost my train of thought. Um, the sound that it made. The sound that it made. I think um, Star Joe's just overtook us on dude's list. <laughs> uh, thanks, Frank. And it's <laughs> my fuck up because I can't think about it. God damn it! Andy's hitting the table. Fuck. What yeah, happened? I rubbed table. off on him. No, now I'm all like I, I'm all flustered and shit. I can't think about what I, the point I was going to make about rebels. Ezra's God damn important. it, huh? Ezra's important. You were saying. I know Ezra's important. Well, that's what you were saying. Man. I know that's what I was saying. Ah, <laughs> uh, God damn it! I had something really, really good to say. Um, no, but yeah, he makes his own lightsaber, gets the crystal. Fuck it, move on. Um, I can't think of it. And he's go. And then the last part of his email, Andy says, and finally to. Uh, to bury the best part, I've been watching this huge house being built in town, and the local paper just told me it is the new home to none other than Matthew McConaughey. Wow. That's cool. Yep, he is moving to the worst part of Texas for some reason. <laughs> I'll fill you in I'll fill you in details here as I find them, obviously. Uh, now, would you like to know how his arrival has given me hope for Star Trek three? Also, I dare say I know the secret of your episode 100. Keep up the good work, my leaders. I am your loyal, loyal soldier to the end and am at your service, Andy Babcock. A lot of times movie stars will move into bad neighborhoods because of taxes. Mm, makes sense. Um, or, or like uh, Shaquille O'Neal, when he was living in Orlando, had a huge home in one of the pers- worst parts of Orlando. And it was because of, you know, uh, housing taxes. And, uh, you know, you had a bunch of, uh, you know, run, not run down, I don't know, the area, but a lot of houses that weren't the best. And then you had this huge mansion from Shaquille O'Neal. Right. That's funny. Yeah, lower, lower uh, local property values. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, though. Then moving into the gated neighborhood community mm-hmm. with the gigantic property taxes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm curious to know uh, how his arrival has given you hope for Star Trek Three. That makes no sense to me. Yeah. yeah. So fill us in. And, and he knows, I guess he knows the secret of episode 100. We don't even know that. Well, see, the thing is, okay, think about it logically. We've said that, um, you know, we're going to stop at episode 100. The final episode. Final episode of <laughs> Pop Culture Leftovers. And, but we've talked about doing Star Wars Episode Seven. Which is going to come after episode 100. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. 
well, guys, we've talked about this. What we're going to do is we're going to stop at episode 99, have like a few month gap, and then come back to Star Wars, and that's the end of it. That's the shebang. That's our comeback episode. Our comeback episode with our finale episode, all wrapped in one. Yeah. Really? No. The end. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> that's, play along, Frank. Jesus. <laughs> now, you guys don't tell You're me so anything. so goddamn dense. He, no, he's playing along. He gets it. <laughs> you get, well, you don't tell me anything. Fucking anyways, Leroy Jenkins over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? No. Yeah, come on, Frank. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, we might come back for episode eight. So. Eight? Well, yeah, episode eight, Star, oh, Wars. Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Episode one hundred and one. No, but so that would make it's not going to be penultimate. It's not going to be pop. <laughs> it, it won't be pop culture leftovers, though. No, yeah, it'll be our new podcast. We, right? We'll reboot Leroy Jenkins cast. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll just be Hammer Time. It'll be like just just you, Frank. No, Jake. Nobody and, wants to hear that. Jake and myself would not even be on that one. God, I wish I could think of what I was saying about yeah, fucking you're rebels. You're beating yourself up Sorry. in that rebel I shit. I am. Yeah. I am. Maybe I'll think about it later in the episode, and I'll just interject when Frank's making an asinine point. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, Frank, shut the fuck up. I got uh, it. <laughs> Frank, yeah, could you put that bullshit on the back burner for a second? I got, I got my rebels thing here. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. Joe Vital uh, sends us an email. And... Uh, Got to grab my phone for this one. He goes, after a long day of air travel, made easier by five plus hours of listening to the Tupperwares, I wake up this morning, a scroll through my Facebook feed, and here's what I found. See the attached. And um, yeah, I got got an email from uh, Joe. Where is it here? Got to find it. Yeah, I'm so prepared. Yeah, here it is. Um... He attached a picture here. Uh-oh. What we got? Um, and uh, let's see here. It was... Uh, what did he uncover? He's in a... Uh, on a he, he says, on a random geeky group I am a member of, I see a PCL reference. Reference. Your reach is expanding. Wow. And see what happened was there was some... There was some... Um, woman that posted and uh she posted a post that said uh so my disappointment for today i was invited on facebook to a ladies lego night so i was thinking wow a geek girls night to build and play with legos amazing i'm totally going to this boy was i wrong when i clicked it it was a freaking tupperware party and then you read the responses and then there's a response that said i read this and thought of the pop culture leftovers. And I looked at who it was that said this, and it was Adam Cornette. Oh, oh wow. One of our listeners. Funny and this, man. this goes with everything that he's ever done on the, popca- on the podcast before. He's the guy that came out of the bushes, and he does it here. Right. He yeah. popped out of the bushes. That's, Again, in this thread. That's yeah. hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Tupperware party. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that was cool that Joe caught that in one of these random geeky groups. He says, by the way, I rewatched Days of Future Past last night. Also my number one comic movie of the year with Cap 2 in second. Guardians of the Galaxy in third. Can't wait for the Tupperware Awards next year. Yeah, it's going to be a contentious one next year, right? Not really, actually, for the comic book, huh? Uh... Possibly. There's only like three big comic book movies next year that I can think of. Fantastic Four, Avengers 2, and Ant-Man. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's it. Well, depending. So, I guess depending on if some of the rumors hold true, we could have a fourth movie next year, right? Yeah. Possibly. We'll yeah. talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think this is the is this the final email? The penultimate yeah. email? The final countdown. <laughs> See, that made sense in the context of the conversation, <laughs> Frank. <laughs> I'm getting the hang of it. Yay! <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I do that way too fucking much. I got a one-year-old daughter. <laughs> she ate food. Yay! Yay! She's not going to die. The only thing that was missing from like your response there was like you stacking blocks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, I spelled PCL. <laughs> Can I have a sticker? <laughs> uh, Xavier Archetos Cano sent us a, uh email. Hey, Leftovers, there are a couple things I've been watching this week that may interest you or not. Number one, opening this week on the U.S., Predestination, a film starring Ethan Hawke and Sarah Snook. Short IMDb synopsis. The life of a, tra- of a time-traveling temporal agent. On his final assignment, he must, pursue, he must pursue the one criminal that has eluded him throughout time. You, oh, I'm gonna, I, I thought of something. Uh, he, but he goes on to say, I had the opportunity to see this movie in this year's film festival of Sitges, I'm not sure. In Barcelona. I wasn't expecting much, but I was very surprised by it. It's a solid Tupperware for me. If you like time travel sci-fi movies, I think you'll enjoy it a lot. It's not an action movie, but a character story. And the true main character is portrayed by Sarah Snook, which is, an, which is amazing in the film. The time travel agent is Ethan Hawke, who does a great job as expected of him. Check it out if you guys have the chance. Yeah, I was just, um, you know how when you turn on On Demand sometimes it'll show you trailers? Yeah. I just saw the trailer for this last night. What'd you think? It looked interesting. Yeah, I, I was actually like laying down with the On Demand on and I kind of perked up to see what this actually looked like while it yeah. was on. It, it looked really good. It seems like there's a couple of these that are sneaking up. Have you guys seen the trailers for Project Almanac? No, I have not. I've heard of that Project Almanac. It, the trailer I saw looked pretty good. I need to look into it. I know it comes out on the 30th of this month. Huh. Has something to do with time travel, making a time machine, and like some of the bad ill effects of the butterfly effect. Looks kind of dark. According like this predestination movie, when he gave this IMDb synopsis, the life of a, tra- a time traveling temporal agent on his final assignment, he must pursue the one criminal that has eluded him throughout time. It reminded me of a movie that's coming out this year that's kind of gone under the radar. It's called um, Holmes. Hmm. And it stars uh, Sir Ian McKellen as an old Sherlock Holmes oh, okay. coming back to revisit a case uh, that got away from him. Mm, that sounds good. His yeah. final case. So this is like, I think it's going to be like a one-shot movie. But yeah, that sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. Ian McKellen is so good. He, yeah. He'll kill that role. As the older Holmes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So can't wait for that one. Uh, the next part of his email, um, he talks about a, a Agent Carter. Um, should I read this now or should I wait to read this as we talk about Agent Carter? It's up to you. If you read it now, we'll probably just wait to comment until we talk about Agent Carter. Let's do that. There's a couple because he talks about Agent Carter and then the Ant-Man teaser trailer. So we'll, t- we'll read them now, but we'll save our comments. Okay. I'm not going to tell much about it, guys. Um, it's a good spy. Sh- it's a good period spy show with a strong female character as a lead, which is not portrayed as a sexual object. I like the show. It's a Tupperware so far, but I understand if some comic book fans don't like it so much because it's still not a superhero series as the Flasher Arrow. 
However, I'd like to say a couple things about comic book movies and TV series in general. We need more women in the screen. What we have now and what it's coming is not good enough for me. I don't care if Marvel and DC have to change characters' genders from the comics, if it, that's what it takes. If the fans don't accept that, I think we have a problem. I want to ask you guys and the army, what would you think if we'll see characters like Moon Knight, The Punisher, Dormammu, Martian Manhunter, Shazam, and other characters become a female character on the screen? I'm fine with it if that means more women in our movies and TV series. The character is much more than its gender. Yeah, that's interesting. It gives a whole new term to be in the Martian Manhunter if you're, if you're a female gender, right? Right. <laughs> I think another thing, too, is... Uh, you know, a character can be a character regardless of gender or race. We recently had the uh, rumors of Idris Elba possibly considering Bond, and mm-hmm. I think that would be amazing. Oh yeah, because I, like I can that. accept it as a you know, it's fine. There, but there are people crying about that too. That's he's ridiculous. I, he's better choice than any other white dude that's out there right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah, as, as long as you're British, that's all. The, that's the only <laughs> qualification for Bond, right? Right. Well. Nah. There's a lot worse British actors that they could choose. Oh, definitely. And I'm not saying Idris Elba is going to be the best, in my opinion. Maybe Taron Edgerton. I don't know. He's a little young, but huh? I like the kid. Um, but um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of weird on that. I, I think you should just. There's a lot of strong comic book female characters now that they should just be bringing into these. And I think they're moving in the right, right direction with Captain Marvel. Yeah, I agree. And DC with Wonder Woman. I agree. Instead of, not that there's a problem with gender flipping characters, but I mean, we don't even need to exhaust that well yet. There's plenty of characters that yeah. are strong female comic characters yeah. that we can just try to portray on the She-Hulk. Yeah. Let's give her a Netflix series. I completely agree. And we're, well, we're getting the Jessica Jones series. Yeah. That, that's a start in the right direction. Yeah. And, yeah, like Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. and Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, he said Ant-Man teaser trailer. Uh, I understand that it's the first teaser, but it's so random that I was let down, to be honest. It's not a bad trailer. It's a low taste that, for me. But we'll see. I love the winged ant, though, and Paul Rudd's line. As for the character, I wasn't a big fan until I saw the animated series of Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which is awesome, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him in Alias and some Secret Avengers comics. So I think I'll be cool to have him around with the other Avengers. Last, Halo Nightfall, Xbox One miniseries. I know it's not a new series, but I heard you guys wonder if it was any good and that the Luke Cage actor uh, was in it. And I said, what the hell? What do I, th- uh, what do I think? Uh, what a lot of bullocks. What a mountain limitless... What a mountain limitless of horse shit. Nothing happens in this series. Nothing. It's like the boring walking parts of the Fellowship of the of Ring. <laughs> but with a bunch of soldiers being hunted by the sun and bad CGI mini worms. Don't waste your time, guys. Toss it. It's not enough. I trash it. Burn it and send it to another dimension. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I, I did watch the first episode of Nightfall on my Xbox. Mm-hmm. And he's right. It's lame. There, there's, it's not very interesting. There are better... Halo shorts, if you're into that. Um, the uh, Forward Unto Dawn uh, was some live-action stuff, prequels that came out before Halo 4. And then several years ago, there was a couple of short uh, ones on Xbox Live called Halo Landfall. You could look up. Those are pretty good. If you want to watch a movie where people are just walking and walking and walking and walking, that will kind of like... Uh, 
basically it makes Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Rings, look amazing with them walking. Yeah. I'd rather watch a wizard and, you know, hobbits and warriors walk. This movie, it's called Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y. It's mm. an independent film uh, starring Casey, Affle- Casey Affleck and Matt Damon, and okay. it's written and directed by Casey Affleck. It's called Jerry, and th- all they do is walk in the desert. There are literally, and I'm not joking, 20-minute scenes of them walking and not saying a word to one another. What? I am not fucking kidding you. <laughs> not fucking kidding you. Total waste of time. That's ridiculous. Yeah. If you want to watch Total Waste of Time, <laughs> rent Jerry. Find it somewhere. It might be on Netflix or something. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. Wow. It's horrible. Um, he says, as for Mike, Mr. Mike Coulter, he is fine, I guess. It's a Frank response. That's like Frank uh, explaining somebody in the, in the Tupperware. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Just fine. <laughs> yeah. What was, what was Chick's name? Oh, my God. Young Murph. Uh, Young uh, Murph. With Foy was her last name. Foy. I can't remember her first name. Oh, she left such a, an impression on you. <laughs> Shut up. can't even remember her God fucking name. I was, I was like, Actress of the Year. A weak category, man. I think Foy. Like, Young, I, Murph. I, <laughs> Young Murph. Young Murph. Young Murph. Yeah, that chick. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Just fine. That was... <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you know, like we talked about, like what the uh, what uh, what the uh, the awards for worst stuff should be. Yeah, and you said tossies. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking we should have it. I mean, I know that fits in with the show, but I think something else that fits in the show that we've talked about that's really shitty. <laughs> I'm thinking we should have a hot pocket award. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say the Leroy's. Oh, <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He won the Jenkins Prize. <laughs> the, Jenkins. <laughs> the prize of irrelevance. But I think the, the Hot Pocket. The Hot Pocket. Yeah, the Hot Pocket Award. Yeah, yeah I like it. <laughs> okay. I like it. I like it. Um, but yeah, he goes on. Uh, he is fine. I just saw a bunch of random underdeveloped characters walking around fighting shit. Let's call female Killer Frost to put him in a fridge until we can see him in AKA Jessica Jones. So he's freezing it. Mm. Um, that's all, folks. Brian, Jake, Frank, Army, take care. So, yeah, that was emails, and we've got more. Holy shit. It's two-week build for emails. So we've yeah. got a lot more emails coming your way this episode, Marvel-related, DC-related, uh, Star Wars-related. So we've got more throughout the episode. We've been uh, giving you probably the worst episode ever for the last hour and a half now. Holy no, shit. No, worst episode ever? You always no. sound shocked when I say worst episode ever. It is shocking. <laughs> Even I I, guys, I've already told you, I'm not even a glass is half empty kind of guy. I have no glass. <laughs> yeah, we're just, this is not the worst. Leroy Jenkins ever. bust into the room and fucking stole it from me. <laughs> so he took off with my glass and, and everything. I saw one of those things that kind of reminded me of that where you got the three cups of juice or whatever. Yeah. One says, I'm half empty. Another, I'm half full. And the other one says, I think this is piss. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, Frank. That is funny. <laughs> Frank lifts up his shirt. Yeah, I'm wearing this shirt. <laughs> He's got that. <laughs> How was that related to anything? That was related to shirts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, people were, that was funny. Like, I didn't catch that yeah. until I was like kind of like listening to the episode as I'm like listening to it on the way home and editing it and yeah. whatever. And I caught that. That was actually one of the funniest lines I've heard last year. I like, I like wore it on purpose. I was going to show you, but completely forgot up yeah. to that point. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get so excited. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine, Frank, as Santa Claus in like a department store? Oh, oh no. my God. <laughs> I, I, you know what I mean? Oh, You'd be no. holding my ass away in a straight jacket. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Santa Claus. He gives like his best Leroy Jenkins. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just could see those little shits pissing on my leg. Uh, okay, number one, you just got fired. <laughs> <Little> shit. <laughs> Don't refer to the kids as little, little shits, shits, please. <laughs> Did you guys like Bad Santa? It was okay. I loved it. Yeah, I never saw it. I think that's what I think. Like, uh, I think it kind of like almost typecast Billy Bob Thornton there for a little while yeah. because they cast him in like the Bad News Bears and tried to have him play the same character in that oh, movie. Okay. But man, I love the cast. You can go like Bernie Mac and John Ritter. You know, I loved it. I liked that it didn't give a fuck. Like it was a exactly. ra- it was a raunchy comedy and it owned yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I liked it. Bad it's, Santa. I think Frank would love it. You've never it. seen it? No. Oh, you would love you it. Would love it's it. right up your alley. Yeah, I think yeah. you'd like it more than either of us, to be oh, honest. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. All Watch right. the unrated too. By the way, yeah, it's okay. so much better than the theatrical. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Bad Santa. I, Dude, still, like, I still can't think of my Rebels point. Oh, no. I thought you had it there because you were talking. You said, I got something. I got never, something, yeah. Yeah, you didn't elaborate. I was so holding on to my dick. Whoa. I got nothing for Rebels, though. Shit. <laughs> sorry. That's my fault. It's, sorry, it's a good hand warmer. It's freezing in here. <laughs> oh, my hands are cold. I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, we it's the part the... of your body that usually stays the warmest. Yeah, that, your neck, and yeah. your dick. When in doubt, grab your nuts. <laughs> Another shirt that Frank has. <laughs> Actually, I do have a shirt that's a pair of squirrels that says, uh, it's, all fun, it's all fun and games until someone drops a nut and one of them drops it off a tree. It's literally a cartoon squirrel dropping its nut. Oh, one of the funniest fucking things from high school, dude. Um, we had to get up and like do a presentation on how to do something. Yeah. I think it was like for, it was a speech for like English class and shit. And uh, I'm not going to name, like, who it was. I'll tell you when we break, if you remember this dude. But dude was just kind of funny, kind of like that stoner dude, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And uh, he he was giving a demonstration on, like, how to, like, take off the trucks and wheels and shit on your skateboard. Okay. And, like, he's up there, and he's like, and so now I'm taking the nuts off. (laughs) That's not the punchline, Frank. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> That's all it takes. That's all it takes, I Damn, guess. Damn, he's lost it. That's not even the fucking punchline. All right, okay. I just got Sorry. <laughs> Frank reverts into like we a... Said, we like said a, nuts like four times before that, and he didn't completely lose I know. Lose you revert to like a 12-year-old <laughs> from zero to 60. Wow. And what if I said poopy? Is there going to be like this no, outburst? No, it's just nuts. No it's ge- genitalia is just where it's <laughs> no, at. there's no context. No, so he's like, he's like, all right, now I'm taking off the nuts, and then, and then as he's holding them, he's dropping them. And he's like, oh man, I'm dropping my nuts, <laughs> and like he'd pick them back up and drop them again. He goes, oh gosh, I just keep dropping my nuts here, <laughs> and like you know, as a, like a teenager, it was hilarious in class. Even the teachers like cracking a smile and laughing, you know, because he can't get in trouble for it because it's yeah. actually happening in his demonstrations. So. Yeah, that is really yeah. funny. Frank, if look at the look, Frank. <laughs> he's like trying to hold it together. Yeah, yeah. He's like he's almost in tears right now yeah. from laughter. <laughs> Don't drop your nuts, Frank. Ew. I didn't even get to the fucking punchline. 
That was insane. That was insane. And the punchline wasn't even that funny. <laughs> After, but you, yeah, you outburst. I agree with that. It was yeah. like, there was so much buildup. So much buildup. <laughs> I finished early. <laughs> oh, no. Gosh. And he's not even drinking this episode. No, no. Mountain Dew. You yeah. are in rare form today. I yeah. guess, man. It's all been like pent up inside of me for a week. You're I needed, still I you're talking. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Are we Ugh. still talking about nuts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm out of this episode yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I think my, I think my dick is back in my pants. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck my hand warmer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Not worth the consequences. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a break after that. Uh, <laughs> After that, and then the email barrage, we're going to come back with good pop, bad pop. Nuts. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like a Frank. Sometimes you don't. Uh. Greetings, Leftover Army. Pop Culture Leftovers is the people's podcast. They're always looking for new writers and YouTube reviewers to join the team because they themselves aren't talented enough to write them. In all honesty, they're not even sure Frank can read. But... Their listeners can. So send your reviews to popcultureleftovers at gmail.com, and if the leftovers like it, they'll contact you, and you could see your article featured on popcultureleftovers.com. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Leftover Army. You should follow the leftovers on Instagram at instagram.com slash popcultureleftovers and on Tumblr at popcultureleftovers2.tumblr.com. If you get a few shots of vodka in you, it's almost as sexy as my voice. That's gangster. Hey, guys, we're back. We're going to jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop this week. A uh, pretty extended edition of Good Pop, Bad Pop, if I do say so myself. So a lot of Good Pop, Bad Pop. The extended edition. <laughs> yeah, the, the Peter Jackson edition. <laughs> oh, shit. The James Cameron edition or whatever, yeah. Uh, I like James Cameron when he does the extended for T2. I like it for Aliens a shit ton, too. Yeah, yeah. All right, it's time now for Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. All right, Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things uh, in the previous week or weeks that we either read or watched that we liked or disliked. We do have a unique rating system here on Pop Culture Leftovers, and if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. So take it away, Clive. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Thank you, Clive. You can get the fuck out of here. Yeah, we're done with you. <laughs> you, you earned your five bucks. <laughs> Don't cash it until fucking Tuesday, because that motherfucker's going to bounce. <laughs> Just like Frank this episode. Oh, my God. Halfway through, you're going to be so inappropriate, I'm going to be like, Frank, you need to bounce. You got to bounce. <laughs> you got to bounce, chief. <laughs> Censored. Censored. Ah. Uh. All right. <laughs> no, there's no censorship on this show. Fuck the man. <laughs> well, that's obvious, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no shit. Right. All right. Uh, so, yeah, toss it, taste it, Tupperware. Uh, we're going to move on to Good Pop, Bad Pop. Now, 
um, back in 2011, Nike released a very limited version of the Nike Air Mag, mm. you know, the shoe that was shown in Back to the Future 2. There were only 1,500 pairs released, and the money earned from the shoe was given to a charity to help Parkinson's, uh, a foundation, you know, one of the, it's a foundation that Michael J. Fox set up. Um, and they look just like the ones from the movie, uh, and they even lit up. They had like, um, they had like, it would come with like a, a you could charge them. Uh-huh. And they, <laughs> they actually lit up. Wow. Very cool looking shoe. Um, but they didn't have the, co- the coolest feature of all. Auto laces. Yeah. Power laces. Ah. They call them power laces in the movie. Um, that, I'm just, that's, my, that's just me being a dork. No, that's okay. <laughs> uh, that all could change this year. Shoe designer Tinker Hatfield. <laughs> Tinker. Is he the Tinkerer? Really? You know, that, that's the thing. It's like a Tinker Hatfield. Yeah. I can just see. Tinker Hatfield, the ultimate cobbler. I was know? tinkering around and I, I figured was, out power laces. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the cobbler, Tinker Hatfield. Cobblers. You don't see the m- many cobblers these days. No. Yeah, Have so, they been put out of business, cobblers? Yeah, cobblers. Uh, I don't. Like repair shoes, right? Shoe they repair, repair yeah, yeah. I think no, they, they make the pies. There's, there's one in uh, Peoria I know of. Yeah. yeah, there was one in East Peoria growing up that I knew, and uh, yeah, you don't see many, you don't no. see many cobblers these days. Yeah, I wonder if we have any cobbler listeners. <laughs> Do we have any listeners out there that are cobblers? Yeah, are you cobbling right now? Are yeah, you listening to this. Do, yeah, do they cobble? Is that what they call it? As <laughs> cobbling. They're, yeah, as they're, as, as they're, you know, f- you know, fixing these shoes, they cobble. <laughs> I like peach cobbler. <laughs> I guess that kind of works into the conversation, Leroy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the peach cobbler. It's like old lady pies, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> old lady pies. Yeah, here I am eating Granny Smith apples. What the fuck do I know? Peach cobbler and fruitcake. <laughs> Uh, what's up with rhubarb? That's like the ultimate grandmother pie. Yeah, that's rhubarb a gross pie. one. No, it's some good shit. Strawberry rhubarb is okay. Tolerable. Yeah. Mince meat is another gross one. Oh, God, oh, mince meat. That. Yuck. That doesn't even sound good. <laughs> we're off the rails. <laughs> totally off the rails. We were talking about shoes. Now we're talking about cobblers I and pies. I toss that mince meat shit. <laughs> toss it. <laughs> All right, so shoe designer Tinker Hatfield says that they are very close. Come on, you've had 20 fucking, 26 years? Yeah, it's too late. If you can't get right. it by 2015. Yeah, this is like down to the wire shit. Right. I think they should have just given this to like MacGyver right after they, the movie came out. He would have had something made for him like the very next day. Well, how come like we haven't seen like uh, Android, Google... Or uh, Apple come out with some shit like that. You know, they could probably crack it. Power laces? Yeah. Well, they, they could do the technology. Yeah, they're starting to get into, like, the wearable tech where they have, like, the I get what you're saying, shit. Frank. Oh, Texas yeah. Instruments came up with the DLP chip. They don't make fucking TVs, though. Right. I mean, they make the DLP chip that, you know, Samsung and everybody else is putting into their projectors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I get what you're saying. But yeah, I wouldn't want Apple to start making shoes. <laughs> I'd buy them. They get too <laughs> <laughs> they get too hot and they melt off your feet. Aww. Oh yeah, these shoes can't work right now. Yeah. <laughs> I stepped on it and it bent. <laughs> um, he said the team is working on the power lace aspect of the shoe and hopes to get it ready this year. But he reminded everyone that there are still eleven and two thirds months left in 2015, so there's no word on a release date. 
what I don't want to see is them come out with like a shoe that has power laces that isn't the Nike Air Mag. It's got to be the exact same Nike Air Mag and lower the damn price. How much were they? The fifteen, the the ones that released at the auction. Yeah. I mean, they went. It was an auction. auction like they went for yeah. different prices, and most of the time, people bought them at the auction and then flipped them on eBay for like six thousand dollars. Like Shit. trying to find a size in my size, it was just insane. The prices they were going for five thousand, six thousand dollars for a shoe crazy. that lit up. <laughs> so wow. these ones with the power laces, there better be a lot more made and and lower the price i know it's going to cost a little bit more than your regular shoe but don't auction these off just let everybody have them let everybody have them yeah i tougher worried if that's what happens yeah yeah um wanted to talk about a show that i watched on true tv watched hack my life on true tv starring kevin Pereira, oh, big that? fan of him and uh brooke van poplin um let, yeah let me talk about it i'll rate it uh, this series, it demonstrates how to incorporate eye-popping shortcuts guaranteed to save today's busy adults a lot of time, effort, and money. And I loved it. Mm. It's a Tupperware. Good deal. Nice. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Kevin Pereira, and I listen religiously to his podcast, The Pointless Pod, and was a huge fan of, his, uh, you know, of him when he was on G4. Yeah, Attack of the Show. And Arena. Yeah. Got a start on Arena. Yep. And I loved that. Uh, but this show is great. Some of the hacks that they performed are really cool. Uh, if you want to grill and don't have charcoal, they did a hack to show you what would make a good charcoal substitute. Did you watch this, Frank? I saw the uh, trailer. I didn't get to watch the show yet. I okay. got it on my DVR, though. But they showed you what would make a good charcoal substitute for things that you might have around the house. Uh, they tested three foods, marshmallows, potato chips, and nacho chips, like <laughs> Doritos. Wow. Um, which do you guys think would be the best? Uh, say the three again. It was marshmallows, marshmallows Doritos. Pot- marshmallows, potato chips, and uh, like Doritos. My guess mm. would be the potato chips because of like, how much oil would be involved. I'm going to guess the Dorito because of the corn factor. Okay. Uh, nobody, nobody guessed marshmallows. Correct. Okay. The marshmallows were too gooey. You guys are right on. Mm-hmm. They're too, go- too gooey, and they just didn't set the fire well. Um, the potato chips are similar to wood. I believe, unbelievably. Like, like a wood chip. <laughs> um, exactly. <laughs> very similar to wood. And both are made from complex sugars and burn very well. The nacho chips burn too hot because mm. they were covered in cheese dust, which is a hydrocarbon, which is a compound found in fuel. Holy shit. They lit up. Like, oh, my God, it was like a fucking napalm. <laughs> it was insane. These, th- these things, it was like a fucking inferno when, when they set the nacho cheese. Because of that cheese dust, holy shit. Just like a big boof. The winner was potato chips. It, it burned the, the patties that they had on the grill a lot more evenly. Wow. Oh, nice job, Frank. Woo! Um, I know how to burn shit. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> we do not support Frank's pyromania. <laughs> not at all. Not yeah. at all. We, we take away his lighter before we start recording. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is that where that son of a bitch keeps going? Motherfuckers lighting farts in the corner and <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I learned on the show that if you get stung by a bee, cover that shit in toothpaste and what? it will neutralize the acid in the bee venom. Huh. Nice. Uh, you can take a pool noodle. You know the pool noodles that the kids use, the yeah. big long pool yeah. noodles? You can cut it into four pieces and tie them together around a – use like a, uh, you know, like a waterproof nylon. Uh-huh. T- 
tie them together through the hole in the pool noodle, tie them together around a Tupperware kind of like tub, uh-huh. fill it with ice, and you've got a floating water cooler on your next float trip. Wow, that's a great idea. Yeah. I, on the uh, little like preview that I saw of it, they also were taking them and cutting them in half and sticking them to the side of the garage walls. That way when people would open the door, they wouldn't ding the wall. Exactly. Cool yeah, just cool things like that. Uh, Kevin showed us how to make a homemade air conditioner with a styrofoam cooler, a battery-operated fan, and a piece of PVC pipe. Holy shit. Uh, and as he got blasted in the face, he's like, yep, it's like, I'm, uh, it's like a polar where it's breaking wind in my face. <laughs> I was like, Kevin, I love you, oh, dude. he's awesome. I love you, dude. He's a lot raunchier on the Pointless Pod. You've got to listen to okay. that if you like Kevin. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of his. You've got to listen to Pointless Pod then. Sweet. You'll like it. Uh, it's the, yeah, it's like one of the only podcasts that I listen to that's like comedy interview based. I stopped listening to Nerdist. Okay. I listen to, you know, like, uh, Tell Him Steve, Dave, and some of the Kevin Smith stuff, but the only one out of that Smodco rotation is fucking Pointless Pod. Gotcha. I love it. Um, let's see here. I like to drink, and when I drink, I sometimes drink wine, and they showed us how to open a bottle of wine with a screwdriver and a shoelace. Wow. Uh, so now I can be an alcoholic MacGyver at my next party. <laughs> oh, I thought that was ass. pretty fucking cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. It's some um, useful shit. If you spray compressed air on a warm can of beer... You've got a cold can of beer in 30 seconds. No kidding. And uh, they also showed, like, a, you know, they, they, they took, like a, like, a water cooler, and they put you, like, when you first put the ice in there, the ice isn't melted, so it doesn't get the cans as cold as you want to get them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just pour a little bit of salt in that bitch. It starts to melt the ice a little bit. You got cold cans in two minutes. No shit. Yeah. Um, toss a tennis ball in the pool, and it will act as a filter, and all of the unwanted oils are gone from your next pool party. Holy shit. Yeah. That's this a is like cheap a, way, yeah. yeah. It's a badass practical Mythbusters. Yeah, it really is. And, and it's got some great humor. I mean, you know, Brooke Van Poplin, she's a comedian. Uh-huh. Kevin Pereira, you know, he's a, he's a very funny guy. Um, the show, it's funny, it's informative, and it can actually save you money. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And Kevin is just awesome as always. Tupperware hack my life on True TV. I, I really enjoyed the show. I thought it was a lot of fun. Sounds like they pack a lot of information. Is it like a half an hour format? Half an hour format, but it is packed, very packed. And I, I didn't even, I didn't even like touch the surface of everything that they covered in in the episode. That's cool. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, before I jump into some movie reviews, yes, what do you got for us for Good Pop Bad Pop this week? Um, I wanted to talk about the episode of The Simpsons that's actually airing tonight. Um, Judd Apatow wrote this episode and. Um, that, that may not sound surprising at first, but the surprising part is that he wrote this episode 25 years ago. Yeah. And they're Whoa. just now putting it to screen. Is this another one of those things like we talked about? I was going to say the exact same thing. It's um, We've brought up on a couple of times now that they're like pulling out all the gimmick stops this season yeah. for The Simpsons. It's yeah. like, are they coming to an end? Because every other week it's like, this is the gimmick that's yeah. going on in The Simpsons. But I think they'd want to prepare their audience for the final season. Yeah. I, yeah. This is definitely not the final season. Right. But I wouldn't be shocked if we heard it coming in the next two seasons. Agreed. Yeah. I think we're at that point. Yeah. There's no way we're going to get five more seasons. Should we get another Simpsons movie? I would be okay with that. That'd be okay. Yeah. I love the first Simpsons it was, movie. No, it was phenomenal. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. Spider Pig. Spider Pig. 
Yeah, and they really well, and just the plot, like like the dome over over Springfield was just brilliant. Yeah, Yeah. it it had a really fun plot. They did a lot of fun stuff. (laughs) They did. I was blown away. They they show Bart's wiener, which you can only get away in a theatrical movie. Well, they tried to do like the whole Austin Powers thing where it was being hidden, and then they just said "fuck it" (laughs) and they showed it. I thought that was a brilliant joke because when you're watching it, you're rolling your eyes like, "Oh, it's that everything covers his private parts." Yeah, and they're like, "Nope, here's his private parts." (laughs) Right. Guess what? They showed his nuts, Frank. Yeah, they do. You see Bart's <laughs> I've, nuts. I've seen it. I know. <laughs> I know. I just I wanted to use nuts again to no. see if I got the same response. It's got to be out of context. It's got to catch you by surprise. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, there's an art to the nut joke, Frank is saying. <laughs> for, for, there's an art to telling a nut joke. Well, it's like seeing a, somebody get hit in the balls. It's only funny when you don't know what's coming. Well, I am testing these testicle jokes on you, Frank. <laughs> And I'm 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 uh, one for two, so right. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep going. I think well, you're, I think you're gonna be in the winning range. By <laughs> 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 a winning percentage, I'm predicting. If he's one for two, we got to keep it even, or else I'm gonna be concerned about it's, the missing. One. It's fifty now. I expect seventy to eighty. By, 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 by the end of the <laughs> if we're keeping track. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> I love it when we go off on the rails, and then Jake's trying to I'm get trying back. To get back I try to bring us back um but yeah, I, I can't even do it. I'm so sorry. I'm, like, I'm really interested you in this. brought up his balls. No, I'm really interested. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really interested in this. this it joke. is our fault it's, for bringing up balls. It's a story balls. that like I found it and sent it to you but I, I didn't even realize that you already were aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. I I follow uh, Entertainment Weekly when they broke this and was reading about it okay. and everything. Um, but yeah, he was 22 years old back in 1990 when he wrote this screenplay. How old was he? 22. Wow. And I did some research. At the time, only six episodes of The Simpsons had even aired. Oh, so it was already a, like a big influence on him at that time then. Yeah. And is he, this one of the first things he's written then? It is one of the first things. He said before that he wrote a Golden Girls script. Really? Yeah, and which was actually, he sent it in and was declined. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, get, Oh, give me vamp for a second. I've actually got the plot outline for that Golden Girls. Real Holy quick, shit! Spoilers: They're not going to be making that one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Betty White just talking to a bunch of chairs. <laughs> but one, one thing that I've, I thought was interesting oh, on was location at the cemetery. Was that like a, a current Simpsons episode? What are we on? Season twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, feels a lot different than an episode we saw in season one or two. Like. The comedy pacing and everything is just so different. Yeah. And is this episode going to feel like basically episode seven, kind of? If it, you know, is it going to have that slower story feel to it? Yeah. Now, do you know what the plot is of the episode? No. Um, Homer reverts to being the same age as Bart and wants to become, like, mentally, not physically, and wants to become Bart's best friend. It's like basically the annoying friend guy. Okay. Now, it, what I think would be interesting is if they did do it true to that first season and they made the artwork look the same mm. and they called it episode 6.5. Oh, that'd be cool. Retro release. I, I thought that, that, I think, you know, I think that'd be kind of neat, you know, and I think that would make uh, Apatow happy. Like, okay, this is like the lost episode from the first season. Yeah, have Homer go back to that more Walter Matthau right, type voice exactly. and everything. Too. Yeah, yeah. Quick update, the Golden Girls. Dorothy had an auto accident with Mother Teresa and everyone hated Dorothy was the plot that he wrote. Oh, geez. I like that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, he says they hated it. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, he said he had to... Um, he did an interview recently, and he just brought this up randomly, and um, Al Jean heard it, who's one of the producers of The Simpsons, and mm-hmm. contacted Apatow, and Apatow said he actually had to retrieve the screenplay off an old AOL disc. Oh, was wow. the o- only place he still had it kept. Wow. I was able to retrieve the screenplay. And it's not word for word the way they ran it through the writer's room again. Sure. And, and they peppered it with some more jokes. Yeah. And probably added some more modern stuff to it and everything. But well, they yeah. said it's pretty close. I, I read Al Jean said it's about 70% just what it was. Okay. So that's, that's quite a lot more than, uh, yeah. than I would have thought. I've got it set to record tonight, so I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm excited. I, you know what? I don't record Simpsons anymore. My Sunday nights are pretty busy. Yeah. But I have Hulu, and they, they, they have them next day. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a next day Simpsons watcher on Hulu. Hulu's great for that. Yeah, it is great for that. All right, guys. Um, if you saw Birdman and you thought it had too much of an artsy New York flavor and didn't like it, then you might like the movie I saw recently, Top 5 with Chris Rock. Oh, yeah. Uh, it stars Chris Rock and Rosario Dawson, and Chris Rock plays a comedian who's, you know, he's made a bunch of movies, and this is also very much like, you know, Birdman, which is kind of like uh, Keaton's look reflecting uh, about his time as Batman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And how, you know, everybody kind of like, you know, he's Batman, and... He's not a real actor. He's just Batman. Yeah, it's kind of that meta feeling Very to his meta actual feeling. career. And this has those same kind of uh, meta, the same meta feel in this time, this movie top five. Uh, he plays a comedian who's made a bunch of movies that, that, were, that were huge hits and were slapstick comedies, but nothing that he's proud of. He played like a Hammy the Bear. He would dress <laughs> up in a bear costume and it was kind of like uh he would shoot guns and and shit like that and it, but it used you know that chris rock voice yeah and people I'm hammy the bear yeah exactly <laughs> and, and people loved hammy the bear it was like what he was known for but in the in, in the movie he also had a drug addiction and abused alcohol and when he went clean he didn't think he could be funny and be sober okay he starts to make some really questionable career choices, such as doing a movie where he plays a Haitian slave that leads a rebellion and kills 50,000 white people. Oh, no. And he's getting ready to marry a reality TV star. So, you know, makes this movie that, you know, it's going to kill a bunch of white people. So <laughs> there, goes, there goes a huge demographic of, of viewers. And he marries, like, what, like a Kardashian analog character? Yeah, like kinda. one of the real housewives. And I yeah. think it's actually, I don't know if it's a real actress from one of those shows. It might have been. But somebody, like, on the E! Network that does one of those type of shows. That's you funny. Know? And uh, he meets Rosario Dawson, who plays a critic from the New York Times who is going to interview him. Um, it's a great movie. It sounds really good. I mean, all, it's a Tupperware all the way, and I'm not a huge fan of romantic comedies, uh, but this one is fantastic. Uh, it has great dialogue, a good love story, and even some Chris Rock stand-up comedy in it. Nice. Is uh, Pootie Tang making an appearance in it, the actor? No. Oh, no? <laughs> um, there's a ton of stars in this movie. Uh, I'm going to go over a few of them here. J.B. Smoove. Oh, nice. Love nice. him. Cedric the Entertainer. Kevin Hart. Um, there's also cameos by Jerry Seinfeld, Adam Sandler, DMX. Wow. Wow. Anders Holm from Workaholics, Tracy Morgan. Uh, he also gives some SNL love to some of the uh, up-and-coming SNL people. Um, 
Jay Farrow. Oh, nice. And who's who's the who's the new girl on there? She's like the Kate McKinnon, the bigger girl. Oh, Aidy Bryant. Yeah, I yeah. love Aidy Bryant. Yeah, she's in it too, and uh, it's great. Uh, watch this one, Jerry Seinfeld. I, I want people to watch this. I don't really want to give this away, but I'm going to. Jerry Seinfeld makes it rain at a strip club. Wow, you've got to see this. And one of the funniest scenes I've seen in a movie last year, Anders Holmes, the tampon scene, had me fucking rolling. Watch this movie. And then the Cedric Entertainer scene in the hotel room was one of the most disgusting but hilarious things I've ever seen. Don't take your kids to this movie. This is not, <laughs> this is not Chris Rock trying to put out grown-ups or whatever the fuck. This is Chris Rock uncensored. And funny. This is a return to form. It's very, very, very good. Nice. I heard you bring up Tracy Morgan. Was this filmed before his accident? I don't know. I, that's a great question. I remember the accident happening. Because um, I've been reading some really like sad stuff about that, that, it's, yeah. that things aren't going the best for him with that. He does not stand up in the movie at all. He's sitting on a couch the entire time. Okay. So I don't know if that has anything to do. With it, um, it's basically, and you don't, no, 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 I think, no, he does, he joins him, he joins him later in the movie in a strip club, but he is sitting down. I don't know, is he, is he going through, like, physical rehab? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and just all of it, I yeah. heard it's been really tough on him. Yeah, and I mean, he looks like he's put on a little bit of weight in this, mm-hmm. so I don't know, um, our wishes, our best wishes to the guy. I, 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 love, I love Tracy Morgan. Yeah. yeah, he's awesome. I heard that he had asked for the, uh, the driver of that bus not to get fired. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. I'm nice Brian Fellows. Take. I love Brian oh, Fellows. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I always think of that when they do the Christmas song and it's just kind of bobbing there in the yeah. background the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I love love Tracy Morgan. Loved Top 5. And the reason they call it Top 5 is, like, it's a reoccurring thing throughout the the uh, the movie where they talk about their Top 5 hip-hop artists. Okay. Oh, nice. So everybody's got a Top 5. And it, it works its way into the movie in, a very, in very clever scenes. Yeah, I, well, you said DMX makes it appear, so I imagine that has a bit to do with that. And I am not kidding you. The DMX scene, you think it's going to be a funny scene, yeah. which it is. There is, but the message in that scene is just amazing, amazing. Wow. wow. Um, really, really, really good. Um, and uh, yeah, this is one I've been wanting to talk about. Another movie that I saw, I just saw it on Thursday night. Uh, the Babadook, the horror movie. Oh, yeah. The Babadook. Um, I Baba saw this. Duke. Babadook. <laughs> <laughs> Baba <Duke>. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, Babadook. Um, I went to, uh, they weren't playing it anywhere near me in Decatur. Uh, I didn't see it even being played here in Peoria. No, I. I had to drive 45 minutes away to the art theater in Champaign-Urbana, which, first time I've ever really gone to the art theater, driven past it many times. And uh, it's, uh, if you're not familiar, Champaign-Urbana is home of the legendary, uh, the critic, Roger Ebert. So, um, and a lot of the things that they've got a lot of quotes and pictures of Roger Ebert you know, in the art theater. And it's, it's a very cool theater. Um, 
it's it's a co-op theater. So like you can buy shares into the theater and okay. own part of it. And if you want to work there and stuff like that, they'll they'll let you. It's a co-op theater and it's very, very cool. Neat. Now can you get popcorn and drinks there? Is you that... can get popcorn and drinks. You can also get a beer or wine. That's bitch. Yeah, they have a liquor license and you can sit down and I think uh there was a guy next to me that got like a glass of red wine and got ready to watch the Babadook and mm. and uh yeah, it's a very cool, very cool theater. What was the ticket price, if I remember? Uh, it was a little pricey, and I was not able to use my movie pass on this. They oh. they don't participate in that, uh. so the ticket was nine fifty. So a little pricier here. This is not New York City. This is the Midwest. This yeah. is like you know, uh, and it's not Chicago. So prices here for a movie typically the about about seven bucks, seven fifty. Sounds about right. Well, know? that's if you hit it before four. I've seen it be nine nine fifty at like the one in Peoria that rate. In Peoria, maybe. Yeah, night, yeah. yeah. Um, but like if you get a matinee in Decatur, it's five five and a quarter. No shit. Yeah. Huh. We got some little bitty theaters we could go to, but they're real uncomfortable. Yeah, landmarks yeah. like four bucks, but the seats are like atrocious. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, watch this movie. It's an Australian film, and The Babadook is based on a short film, Monster. Uh, it's about a single mother, Amelia, who lost her husband in a car crash on the way to give birth to Samuel, their only child. She struggles, you know, they struggle uh, to cope with the fate. Uh, she struggles with the cope to be with her fate as a single mom. It's very hard on her. I mean, you know, you go from, you know, having your husband one day to having a child and not being able to enjoy both together. And that's like the dream that they had together. Yeah. Every time she looks at her kid, she's going to yeah. think about the repercussions. Sure. So, um, Samuel's constant fear of monsters and his violent reaction to overcome the fear doesn't help her. Uh, Cause you know, e- either which makes her friends distance themselves from her when things cannot get any worse. They read a strange book in their house that talks about, the Babadook monster that hides in the dark areas of their house. <laughs> and even Amelia seems to feel the effect of Babadook and desperately tries to destroy the book, but in vain. The nightmarish experiences the two encounter form the rest of the story. And that description was written by uh, Piping Hot Views. Um, here's a quick cl- audio clip of the mother reading the book titled Mr. Babadook in the movie. Coming up. <laughs> Where'd you get this? On the shelf. <laughs> if it's in a word or it's in a look, you can't get rid of the Babadook. If you're a really clever one and you know what it is to see, then you can make friends with a special one, a friend of you and me. (laughs) His name is Mr. Babadook, and this is his book. A rumbling sound, then three sharp knocks. Ba-ba-ba-duk-duk-duk. That's when you'll know he's around. You'll see him if you look. We might read another one tonight, eh? But you said I could choose. She puts the book away because the further she reads, the story takes a very dark turn in this children's book. And it's 
there's really no color to the book at all. It's all mm. in like black chalk kind of artwork. Mm. And the um, the uh, the piece, what is it? Like the wardrobe that he comes out of okay. looks very similar to the one that they have in their home. Ugh. It's very eerie and the book takes a very dark turn. So she stops reading it. The kid kind of becomes obsessed with talking about the Babadook. Duke, Duke. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's um, like I said, it's an Australian film. It's directed by Jennifer Kent. Uh, and Jennifer Kent was on the, sh- she also wrote it, but Jennifer Kent was also on the short list for, the one- for Wonder Woman director. Oh. Before Michelle McLaren okay. actually beat her out. Um, the uh, Bob, go ahead. That's what it looks like. Yeah, uh, that, that that's one of the later pages. Uh, creepy. Yeah. No wonder she stops reading this. Yeah. Book. Yeah. Um, it's a pop up book too. Awesome. It's a it's a pop up book. Yeah, it's <laughs> a pop up book. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, um, but um, <laughs> let me. I, I want to talk about it though. It, it's a book. It, it's a movie that I think, uh, if you like horror movies, this this needs to be at the top of your viewing list when it does come out. You know, on Netflix or or on uh, Blu-ray or Redbox. In the movie, Amelia has a son. You know, he's very hard to deal with. He's he's really loud. He's annoying and, and difficult to understand. He he speaks his mind, and sometimes it's it's really off-putting to other people adults and, and sometimes even his mother um he doesn't do it to be mean he just tells it like he sees it like for example the straight night, talk very straight talk <laughs> no filter um and age has a lot to do with it i'm sure uh for example their next door neighbor she has parkinson's and she's watching samuel while the mother's working and his mother comes home to get him and he says Mrs. Rhodes shakes when she talks because she has Parkinson's. Oh, nice! And the mom's kind of like, "Don't, don't, don't say that. You shouldn't say that." And she, Mrs. Rhodes is very understanding. She's like, "No, don't worry about. It. We were talking about it." And, and and the mother just seems really annoyed that this kid just speaks his mind. And he'll do the same thing about like the kid's birthday falls on the same day that his father died. So uh. every birthday they've never celebrated his birthday oh, wow. on that day. Cause it's too much of a reminder for the mother. And like the kid will just blurt this out to people like, yes, we don't celebrate my birthday because you know, my daddy died on the same day, taking my mom to the hospital. And like, you know, people give him weird looks. It's an awkward moment. And you know, they, you'll, it, things like that happen in this film. Yeah, it sounds really crazy. You know, uh, it, it's 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 completely innocent though. But you know, the mother and Samuel are getting over the death of the father. You know, he died, and the mother she works a lot, and and uh, the other times that she has available, you know, she's trying to take care of this crazy kid. And uh, one night when they're reading the story, this they're getting to have story time. This mysterious book just appears mm. in the home. And she starts to read it, and it's about the Babadook who lives in your home in dark places. And if you let him in, he will get you. Uh, He's very tall. He wears a top hat, and he looks really creepy. And the best part about it is that he's used sparingly in this movie, and he's used with all practical effects. Nice. I didn't know what 
to expect when I watch The Babadook. I guess here in America, you know, we're used to the standard horror movie that has those, you know, classic jump scare moments. And yeah, your stalker-like character, your Michael Myers, your Jason Voorhees. Right, yeah. and they try to get you to, like, the scene where you're not expecting them to jump out at you and get you, and that's what they want. Um, Holy fuck, I just saw a picture of this thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's fucking oh, yeah, creepy I saw that as hell. Too. Yeah. Um, this movie, it's more, it's more psychological and story-driven. Um, the acting by uh, this actress, Essie Davis, is, is great. You forget you're watching a movie at times. She p- really plays this lonely, depressed single mother so well, and then later on gives one of the best performances I've ever seen in a horror film since Jack Nicholson in The Shining. The director, Jennifer Kent, does a fantastic job in this film with lighting, so much so that in certain scenes, you don't know if what's happening is really happening or if it's just a dream sequence. The screenplay is very tight. It's very well written. Um, when I rate this movie, I'm rating it against other horror films and what we've seen. This is not Annabelle. This is you know, not The Woman in Black 2, The Angel of Death. Um, <laughs> Last this- House on the Left bullshit. The original Last House on the Left from the 70s by Wes Craven was fantastic. I mean the remake, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Clarify. <laughs> this is a smart horror film with great acting. It's, it's a slow build. The first hour is very slow. It's about an hour and a half, but that last 30 minutes is just phenomenal. I was at first, I was going to give this movie a taste of it because I really loved the movie up until the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I thought about the ending some more and how it was like many of the endings I've seen in shows like Tales from the Dark Side, and I really started to love it. There you go. You kind of, kind of marinated. And- exactly. It was like, whoa, that ending. What the? No, oh, come on. And then I was like, Brian, you loved those types of endings when you watched Tales from the Dark Side. That's, mm-hmm. that's what made you gravitate towards that show. And I think this kind of played homage to that. Some of the shining in there. I thought it was a wonderful collaboration. And the practical effects were absolutely phenomenal. For a horror film, this is the year's best. And it is a Tupperware. Nice. 97% on Rotten Tomatoes right yes, now. Sir. That's yes, hardcore. Sir. Very it hardcore. Looks like it's also available for rent from Amazon already. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Watch this one at home with the lights off. Oh, shit. At night. You might want to have somebody else there with you. But watch this one. This movie did not scare me. It did not scare me. I've, I've seen that there are people that watched it, and like after they've seen it, like... <laughs> like I went to I like, I like on Twitter some people were saying like after after they watched it you know like when they got home from the theater they they had to turn all the lights on and they were scared <laughs> to walk into those dark places it did not do that to me it was more of those one of those movies a horror movie that I walked away from and the I, it was one of those movies I could not stop thinking about could not stop thinking about this movie and I'm still thinking about this movie huh. um, it's the Prometheus of horror films that's funny and like that's why the I know a lot not a lot of people have seen it, but that's why I made that intro. That this movie has had such an impact on me. Um, some quick facts about the film: some of the film's modest budget, thirty thousand seventy one dollars of the film's budget was raised via Kickstarter. Most of the funds raised from Kickstarter were channeled toward the art department. Hmm. Babadook is an anagram for a bad book. Uh, 
forgive me if I don't pronounce the name right, but William Friedkin, the director of The Exorcist, mm-hmm. said, I've never seen a more terrifying film than The Babadook. Wow. That's a power quote for your poster. Yeah, yeah. Put that on the fucking Blu-ray yeah. <laughs> cover. Oh, shit, yeah. Um, you can now order the actual book from the film. Oh, no. Uh-oh. If you go to babadook.com, by the time you are listening to this episode, you will have a week to order it. Seven days. Here's a little description from the site. We are not going to churn out any rubbish here. Oh, no. The book we publish is going to be made to the same scale and level of quality as the handmade book in the film. We have chosen Insight Editions as our publisher because they are the best. There is a far... uh, They they are the best there is as far as Mr. Babadook is concerned. Insight have a lot of experience with pop-up books. Having published popular works such as The Game of Thrones Pop-Up Guide to Westeros and Harry Potter, a pop-up book. Each book will have a beautiful red fabric hardback cover, just like the one in the movie. And each pop-up image will be printed on beautiful quality paper, hand-glued and made to the highest standards, just like the book in the film. And what's more, not only will you be getting the pages from the book in the film, our writer, director Jennifer Kent, and illustrator Alex Juhas are adding some more pages, continuing the Mr. Babadook story ever so slightly. Mm. This publication will be a standalone story, a companion piece to the film, a true original. That's cool. How much do you think that's going to be? 80 bucks. Oh, wow. Mm. I think that includes shipping. That's not bad, really. That's not bad at all. Yeah, I was trying to get images of the book, but the site won't load. Mm -hmm. The site's down. Oh, really? Yeah, the Babadook.com site. Oh, it's down right now. Yeah, so. Okay. Um, Watched a, yeah, so Babadook, definitely check it out. You're either going to love it or hate it, but most people are loving this movie. I think it was like, yeah, like you said, 97%. 97%. Critics, I think it was like high 80s for the audience. Um Went uh, and uh, went to the theater yesterday and saw another movie that's out in theaters right now. Um, another cool theater that I go to. It's actually in Decatur. It's the Avon Theater. Oh, yeah. You talked about that before. Um, what I love about it, it's Bruce Campbell's favorite theater. Yeah. He has set it at cons. Um, and um, what's cool about this theater is like the, the owner, the proprietor, uh, Skip Houston, um, as each movie starts, Skip is – you always forget it, but he's always in the back – and as a trailer pops up, he'll say something like, you're not going to want to miss this one, Avon. You know, uh, people at the Avon, oh, wow. this movie's coming out January 16th, and it's coming out at 7 o'clock. Bradley Cooper in American Sniper, definitely not going to want to miss this one. And sometimes he'll crack jokes. It's got that old-time theater feel. And uh, this guy loves movies. He'll talk. I've called him on the phone and corresponded with him in email. Very, very cool guy. And he'll, nice. he'll do it before each trailer. I love the Avon Theater. Um, Jake, if Bruce Campbell ever comes back to the Avon, yes. we've got to go. There are rumors that the night before or the night of, he hangs out across the street at the Lincoln Lounge. Ah. So we might make one of my... Like, make a pop-in, see if we can uh, chat up Bruce Campbell. Yeah, that would be awesome. Hopefully that happens. Yeah. Maybe they'll do some theatrical. He comes back every five or six years. Okay. Yeah, he, he, he says it's his favorite theater. And when he was talking, when he came out with uh, My Name is Bruce, mm-hmm. all the theaters on the list were, like, big theaters, like Chicago, Seattle, Los Angeles, New York. And then you've got this one little theater in Decatur, hmm. the Avon, because he loves Skip Houston. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he wanted to air that movie most of all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, let me talk about this movie. What do you get when you take Osmandius from Watchmen, Sinestro from Green Lantern, and Doctor Strange, and you put them in, all, in one movie? Okay. You get the imitation game. <laughs> New movie that just came out. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, it's with Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh-huh. And last week I kept calling it The Imitation of Life. There's oh, a, I remember that. There's a reason for that. Imitation of Life is a real movie. It's a great movie in 1959. It's one of the first movies to tackle race issues. It's a classic, and it's great. If you've never seen Imitation of Life, it holds up today. Really, really fucking good movie. And I love that movie, so I think that's why I confused it. You'll have that. You'll have that. What, now, what is the real one called? The Imitation Game. Okay. I keep mixing that one up with Inherent Vice. Mm. That's another movie. I was going to see Inherent Vice. Uh-huh. Instead, that was playing at the art theater, but I didn't feel like driving out of town again. So I guess it was the battle of the two actors that were going to play Doctor Strange. <laughs> right. One of them did, one of them didn't. So like, I guess I chose the one that did. Because I am interested in seeing his performance in this movie. Can he, can he hold a movie on his own and, and be Doctor Strange? You know, so as I'm watching this movie, I'm wa- I'm very I'm watching this movie and thinking, can this guy be Doctor Strange? Can he? So um, it's set in World War II, and it's about cracking codes the Germans used so we could learn their moves. Um, I, it's very cool. Uh, I, I like the I, I like any World War II movie. Oh yeah, I love World War II movies, and this isn't like uh, a World War II movie like you know Fury or. You know, like even the miniseries Band of Brothers and uh, what's the other one? Saving Private Ryan, where you were on the front lines at Normandy and all of these battles. Like this okay. is all behind the scenes stuff. And uh, I, I, it's all about cracking this code. And I spent my freshman year in high school at a boarding academy. And uh, we had our own language that we called gibberish so that the teachers wouldn't know what we're saying. Okay. Um, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read the film synopsis in, in gibberish. Oh, nice. It's kind of going along with the movie. I'm going to do the best I can. Okay, here we go. To the girl of the gang, with the girl, with the gore, to the goo, with the gath, with the gut, to the issue of the gang, with the gal of the gang, to the girl of the gang, to the guys, to the goo, to the gak, to the gah, and the nick, to the ma, to the goad, with the gith, to the gal, for the gum, for the gal, of the go, with the gath, with the gah, to the issue of the gangs. Nice. Sounds sounds great. I remember some people doing that. I still can't fucking understand it. (laughs) Yeah. I said during World War II, mathematician Alan Turing tries to crack the Enigma code with help from fellow mathematicians. So, I don't know. I just thought it'd be fitting to use my gibberish voice. Makes it so much longer. It does. It does. (laughs) It does. Uh, It's directed by Morton Tildum. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Keira Knightley, Matthew Good, and and Mark Strong. Um. I want to talk about it a little bit. The Germans, they use this code, uh, coder, uh, called Enigma to send messages. Mm-hmm. And basically with Enigma, um, you know, you can try to figure out the pattern as much as you want to. And they've decoded some of the messages, but every night at midnight, the codes, the setting resets. So trying to find the pattern there's over 159 million different patterns. Oh, shit. So even if you've gotten close to trying to figure it out, by the end of the night, at midnight, it fucking resets. Oh, man. So all the work that you've spent that day, it's gone. Yeah. Absolutely gone. Um, in this movie, it stars Benedict Cumberbatch as uh, Turing, who 
he is like they bring him into the project because he's um, really good at figuring out puzzles and things like that and coding. He can't even speak a lick of German, which makes it very interesting. Um, Does he play an American? No. Okay. No, he, he's from Manchester, England. Okay. And he, uh, they put together a team, and the people in the team, uh, you know, you've got uh, Matthew Good, who played Osmandius in Watchmen, and then uh, Kira Knightley later joins the team, and uh, Mark Strong is kind of like one of the guys that kind of like oversees the team and stuff like that. But um, it's 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 really really amazing behind the scenes look at how they tried to crack this Enigma code. Um, I don't want to spoil too much about it, but it is one of the best movies I've seen all year. Hmm. It's it's really really good. Um, it. Watching this guy's mind work is just amazing. Um, and the way he puts together his own team, he actually takes over the team and puts together his own team. And, the, and how he, you know, basically the process of elimination on how to get people to join the team is really cool. He puts out in the paper, like, if you can solve this crossword puzzle in less than 10 minutes, call this number. And he gets the best of the best, gives him another test, and he, that's when he choo- chooses Kira Knightley and another gentleman to join the team. That sounds like a cool mm-hmm. like concept. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then within this, there's another story. There's also a Russian spy that's part of the team, and they've got to figure out, like, who's this Russian spy? And it's based on a true story. Um, it's a phenomenal movie. I don't want to spoil too much because I want people to go out and see this film. As for the question of can... You know, Benedict Cumberbatch being a leading man and be Doctor Strange. I think a lot of it hinges on a good supporting cast. Mm. He's very good in this, though. Um, he's a great lead. It's a, he plays a great character. And I did see glimpses in this that make me warm up to him a lot more and think to myself, this could be a good choice as Doctor Strange. I'm not 100% sold, but I am more in the camp of... He can be a better Doctor Strange than Ben Affleck can be Batman. Hmm. I, I am a little bit more sold on him. This movie didn't like, you know what I mean? You Sometimes you watch movies and, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch has been like used sparingly in some of the things he's been in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. In some of the movies. This is all Benedict Cumberbatch. But he does have a strong supporting cast. You know, like Mark Strong is fucking great in this movie for the limited time he's in there. Kira Knightley. She took over last year. I thought the surprise performance was fucking Jennifer Garner in uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Kira Knightley does mm-hmm. it here for this movie. She's really, really, really good. This is not Pirates of the Caribbean bullshit. Yeah. It's really good. That's, She's building yeah. off of that uh, good performance that she had in uh, the Steve Carell movie um, where it's like the end of the, the world, the, the, like the last 24 hours of the world or something like that. It was a really good indie film. What were you going to say, Jake? I, I had it, and then it left me. I'm sorry. Like my Rebels thing. Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> fuck, what was I just going to say? Yeah. Matthew Good is great in this movie. Um, I wasn't going to say Matthew Good is good in this movie. <laughs> but Matthew Good is really great in this movie. Matthew Good is good. Yeah. Uh, do you uh, think Benedict is going to have to do an American accent for the entire Doctor Strange thing? How do you think that's going to go over? I think I, – I, I, I don't know. I, I think that – Wow, that'll be interesting to hear him in a in a an American accent. Yeah, wow, huh? Yeah. He could probably do one. 
Yeah, I'm trying to. There, there are a lot of you know. Well, yeah, with his voice acting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there, and a lot of them in particular, especially if they've hit it big over there, they've got real good control over their accents. Because yeah, that that's a lot of how they used to break in over here. Yeah, and and they're going to get him with coaches. I mean, you know, Heath Ledger did a great job. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But even like Smog has like a British accent. Oh, right? sure, yeah, yeah. sure, but they're they're going to yeah. get him. They're going to get him coaches, and I think yeah. that that's going to. Se- I, I don't think that there's any way that he's he, that he's not going to be able to pull it off. I mean, you know, I, Andrew Lincoln in uh, oh, Walking yeah. Dead. I mean, a British actor, and he's pulling off. You know, uh, one of the toughest ones to pull off a southern a jo- a southern Georgia accent, and, and he's and, doing uh, it quite well. The uh, the governor David uh, shit. I can't think of his Morrissey. Last name. Yeah, yeah, he did a great job too. Yeah. He also has an accent. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Benedict. I, I, that's the least of my worries is yeah. him pulling off, uh, you know, an American accent. The, my biggest worries with him is he is he going to be able to pull off the eccentric Doctor Strange that we want? Yeah, is it going to be fun and goofy, right. but yet serious and yeah. sincere? I know the guy can deliver lines, but delivering lines as Doctor Strange is another thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's one of those things. that's like. Uh, one of those things, like, well, I guess we'll always wonder, like, you know, who would have been better, Joaquin or Ethan Hawke as Doctor Strange, unless Benedict Cumberbatch gives us that ultimate performance in this movie. Makes us that makes us all forget, shit, just yeah. washes it away. Yeah, hopefully that does happen. I hope so too. But yeah, definitely watch the Imitation Game. It's a Tupperware, absolutely phenomenal. God, I want to say so much more about this movie and spoil the fuck out of it. <laughs> But it's so, so, so good. And it takes place in three different parts in time. You know, it goes from like, you know, it, it, it shows him as a childhood, this character, his character of touring as a, as, a, as a child, and helps you understand a little bit more of like why he is the way he is. And it, it's seamless as how it ties in with the actual story. They, and then also they show later after the war is over, you know, um, you know, this was a secret group. They were not able to talk about like what they did there. You know, and so later on, this comes back to kind of haunt him a little bit in the fifties, and it and it goes through that time period as well. It's it's a very 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 excellent movie. It sounds good. Cool, Imitation yeah. Game. Imitation Game. So so good. I, I highly recommend it. Um, should I go over some rapid fire reviews real quick for movies? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, rapid fire reviews. Watch the Skeleton Twins. Oh, nice Tupperware. Wow. Yeah, it's Kristen Wiig, Bill Hader. Yeah, yeah. Dark comedy, I've heard. Dark hmm. comedy, but some very light moments in it, too, that are hilarious. There's a duet that they sing together. I heard oh. they're great as brother and sister. They're great as brother and sister. Um, and it was just a neat story of you know siblings that have been separated for 10 years due to you know certain cir- circumstances, and then both of them being thrust back into each other's lives. You've got Kristen Wiig, who kind of forgets who she was, with her relationship with this guy that she's in, she forgets like who she was. She starts conforming to this guy and she turns into a different person. And that happens to people. You forget who you are and what makes you, you. And next thing you know, you're unhappy and you, you know what I mean? And and this is a great movie that shows like she reconnects with somebody that she hasn't had in her life for 10 years. And kind of reminds her of who she was back then and what's going to make her happy. And, it's really good. There's some really dark moments, and but uh, it's got Ty Burrell from Modern Family in it, who plays a completely different character in this, and it's really good to see he's got some range as an actor. He pulls it off really well. I watched uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, the vampire movie with Tom Hiddleston. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know what? I did not know what to expect in this movie. Jake, we kind of talked about this in a text message. Yeah. I said I was about 15 minutes in. I didn't really want to know. You wanted to know if it was classy or cheesy. Yeah. Classy, man. Good. Very Good. much classy. And it doesn't fall into like the, you know, some of the Anne Rice stuff. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting. Um, you know, God. Is I, that a foreign film? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Okay. It, I mean, it, it takes place in, in a, a lot of, some of it takes place in, um, in America and then some of it takes place in Europe. Okay. But I don't know if the director's, Euro, you know, European or, or if it was like something, you know, I don't know. If, I don't know if this was like at the, the Cannes Film Festival or whatever, Sundance. Or For some something. reason, I cannot retain the name of this movie in my head for more than like five minutes. It's yeah. like, it's kind of a shitty name. What, what was it again? Only Lovers Left Alive. Only Lovers Left Alive. It's it not. makes sense by the end of the film. Okay. The name is actually brilliant once it all comes together at the end of the film. Okay, okay. Um, you know, you've got, yeah, you've got two vampires, Adam and Eve, interesting names. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Tom Hiddleston plays Adam. And they've got limitless time on this earth. I mean, they're immortal. They can live forever. They can be killed. But Adam and Eve... They love each other so much. They're so connected. And, uh, but uh, Adam has become a recluse, and he lives in uh, Detroit, Michigan. And he's very recluse, and all he really cares about is playing music, his music. But he doesn't want to be like, you know, he doesn't want to be a sellout and sell his music and shit like that. He just, he appreciates music. He appreciates, you know, guitars um, and uh, vintage guitars and things like that. It's very cool. And then um, he doesn't even live with Eve. Live, Eve lives over in fucking Europe. They, oh, no they talk to each other like, with FaceTime, but like, they're still so connected and they love each other. But see, they have all this time on the earth together. It's like if they don't see each other for 75 years in person, it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. you know, they've got limitless time on this planet. Right. So it's very cool. I guess that's how you'd have to make it work if, you have, if your relationship is forever. Yeah. You've got to take a good 75 <laughs> to 100-year break. Right. Right. <laughs> well, he doesn't want to live over there, and she hates it in Detroit. It's 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 a really good movie. At first, I was like, "Where is this going? Where is this going?" And the more I watched it, I was like, "I really like it." So I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a uh, I'm gonna give it a taste. It nice. Yeah, I'm gonna give it. And you know what? I'm gonna give it a high taste. Sounds it. like a high taste. It's it. a high yeah, taste it for me. Cool. It's a high taste it for me. Uh, I watched Into the Storm. I'm gonna give it a low taste it. This movie's good in the theater. I can, and I'm gonna give it. I didn't see it in the theater. I watched it at home, you know. But it's good for the surround sound. Some of the characters are funny, and they're meant to be funny. It's meant to be stupid in some points. Like a modern day twister, right? Yeah, but it's cool watching just these crazy things happen. All this destruction. It's like one of those day after tomorrow movies. Mm. Um, You know what was the other one? Uh, Oh, the world. uh, Oh, the core. 2013. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of these over the top. Sorry. Yeah, it's just one of these over the top destruction and all that shit going on. Gotcha. So, yeah, those are the movies I want. I'm going to give it Sarah Wayne Callies from uh, you know, Walking Dead's in it. And right. I'm going to give it a low taste. It, it it's it's not a piece of shit. It, it's fun if you look at it as just like a guilty pleasure watching a bunch of tornadoes destroy shit. And it's a found footage film and it's not one of the worst found footage films ever. It's kind of it's cool to see like these uh storms in that found footage, you know. It, it's good for one viewing. It's what, good for one viewing. What do you give her? Her? Yeah. Yeah, she's okay. Yeah, she she wasn't horrible. I mean, nothing amazing. Gotcha. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was there was a um, 
Walking Dead kind of reference. Really? Yeah, there's these redneck characters, and like they're sitting there drinking beers and shit, and they're these storm hunters, too. Like She plays a storm hunter, storm chaser, and all this stuff, and these guys are storm hunters, too, but they're just redneck storm hunters. They just record shit off their fucking iPhone. Yeah. And he's like, man, shit's crazy out there. It's like the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and then they, look, they get a shot of her. Which character does she play in Walking Dead? She Who played uh, Lori. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Carl's so, mom. Yeah, Carl's mom. Did you have one more Good Pop, Bad Pop? No, no, I don't. You're done? Well, I, yeah, we were going to talk about Agent Carter. Is that going to be during Good Pop? No, that's, that's going to be Marvel reviews. News. Yeah, Marvel, Marvel News. news. That's okay. the first thing yeah. Marvel reviews. I'm done. I didn't watch much shit this week. All right. Um, let's see here. I'm thinking, are we going to keep going with news or are we going to take a break? Because I don't, and then we can break for Marvel News. You guys want to keep going? We could take a break if you want. Let's yeah. take a break. Okay. Yeah. We're going to break this shit up. All right. We'll be right back. And the horses have reached the starting gate for the race of the season. It's the podcast derby. And the first to enter, Lord of the Hooves. And strutting into his post is Beetle Horse, Beetle Horse, Beetle Horse. Followed by Dharma's Initiative. And may the horse be with you. Just waiting on uh, Hogwarts Express right now. She's slipping in nicely. And last to come in, Pop Culture Leftovers, who seems a bit restless. Uh, settling down now. And in he goes. And they're all ready. And they're off and running. Hogwarts Express leads them out as pace setter. Lord of the Hooves sits in behind and may the horse be with you. One out, one back in third. Beetle horse, beetle horse, beetle horse. Back on the rail in fourth with pop culture leftovers sitting comfortably just in front of Dharma's Initiative who's right at the back of the field. As they head around the first turn, it's Lord of the Hooves now taking the lead from Hogwarts Express. Beetle horse, beetle horse, beetle horse now moving up into third with may the horse be with you. Starting to look for a gap but to no avail just yet. Pop culture leftovers still happy to sit back off the pace and Dharma's initiative just doesn't look like he's up to it continues to bring up the rear Hayes starting to pick up now as they round the final turn. Lord of the Hooves still leads from Hogwarts Express. May the Horse be with you now, making a move around the outside, moving at a third in front of Beetle Horse, Beetle Horse, Beetle Horse. Pop Culture Leftovers and Dharma's Initiative now eight links from the lead. They're 400 out now as they come down the straight. On oh, here comes Pop Culture Leftovers. Five wider moving up quick. Lord of the Hooves still has a nose in front of Hogwarts Express with May the Horse be with you also finding something now. Pop Culture Leftovers still coming and joins the leaders. You can forget about the rest. They are right across the track. Going to come down to a bob of the head. Lord of the Hooves, Hogwarts Express. May the horse be with you and Pop Culture Leftovers. Lord of the Hooves, Hogwarts Express. May the horse be with you and Pop Culture Leftovers as they hit the line. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Pop Culture Leftovers timed the run perfectly. He's won it. Photo for second and third, but looks to be Lord of the Hooves by a short half head for second, just in front of May the Horse Be With You. Hogwarts Express is fourth, then two links back to Beetle Horse, Beetle Horse, Beetle Horse. And it's Dharma's initiative. Drop back to the tail of the field, Stone Motherless last this afternoon in the podcast, Debbie. Hey, we're back. We're going to move on to the uh, pop culture leftovers news. Uh, yeah. I always try to get ready, and I'm never ready. Yeah, so it's uh, time now for the Pop Culture Leftovers news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you fucking... Yeah, 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 yeah. Read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, that drop was delayed as fuck, yo. <laughs> Andy Babcock is thinking to himself, these guys are a disgrace to my 10 years behind the mic. <laughs> this is karma for that shitty crack I made. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, a little bit of news this week. Uh, Sylvester Stallone, he's a busy di- He's a busy guy these days, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. yeah. Expendables movies. Yeah. Whatnot, whatnot. He's doing uh, that narrows down his <laughs> more Rockies, yeah. more Rambo's. Yeah, Rockies. Right. The Expendable movies. Uh, you know, he's in Philly getting ready to shoot uh, Creed. Mm. Yeah. Uh, about the la- uh, about the son of the boxer Apollo Creed for the Rocky film. I guess he's going to be playing the trainer in that one, kind of like the Mister Miyagi role and shit. But recently, Stallone tweeted doing Scarpa based on gangster Greg Scarpa after. Last Blood, Rambo. <laughs> I love the name. Last, well, it makes sense. First yeah. Blood. Yeah. Last Book, Blood. Book in that bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy. I, for one, am happy about this. Yeah, Rambo uh, 4 was decent. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in those one-liners, killings is easy as breathing. <laughs> I think it's better than decent. I give the last Rambo movie a Tupperware. Nice. Oh, no, I meant like just those one-liners, man. It's cool. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was phenomenal. Way better than Rambo 3, the worst. Oh, yeah. yeah, Rambo 3 was the worst of them all. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. That's just quick news for this week. So excited that, yeah, we are going to get a last blood for Rambo. Yeah. So. Yeah. so for the people that were pissed off about PG-13 Expendables 3, you're going to get a hard R Rambo 5. I guarantee you that, right? Oh, shit. Yeah, there's yes. no way he's going to go back. And, yeah. and after, after now he's saying he wants to make Expendables 4 rated R. Yeah. yeah. You can't have a rated PG-13 Rambo movie. No. Rambo's, <laughs> Rambo 5 is going to be hard R. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh, I agree, man. That's what I want to see, too. I don't want to see him fluff it up. Oh, hell no. No, not with Rambo. So looking forward to that. I'm also kind of looking forward to Creed. You know, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Got to beef up for it. Yeah. You know, there's only so many. You know what I mean? That's the thing. It's like, uh, can, he, can he beef up? Can he be like, well, you know, Will Smith? He sure as hell beefed up for... Uh, what was it? Uh, Ali. Ali. Right. You know, and John Favreau, when he played, uh, they came out with a Rocky Marciano movie years ago with John Favreau, which if you haven't seen that one, it's great. John Favreau beefed up for that role. Right. You know, but can Michael B. Can Michael B. Jordan beef up for this? Do you think they can get him actually? Is he supposed to be in that heavyweight range? I don't think he's going to be heavyweight. He's got to either be a, a lightweight or a middleweight. I would think that what, what they're going to do is they're going to take the Sugar Ray Leonard approach to this. Sugar yeah. Ray Leonard started off as a lightweight, and then, you know, he went into uh, doing the. Uh, the he, 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 was a, he was still not a big guy, but he went into that middleweight. And that's when he had some great, great fights with, uh, I can't think of the boxer's name. It starts with an H. Uh, Holmes. No. It's like, hey, it's like, I keep wanting to say Hagar, Hugar. Fuck. Can't think of the dude's name. Hoy, hoy, I know. Oh, this is going to drive me crazy. I'm going to pause. It's driving me crazy. Yeah. yeah. So we found out it was Marvin Hagler. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Hogar, Hagar. Hogar. I was close. It was Hagler. Hogwarts. And those were the be- and those guys met up quite a few times in the ring, man. And uh, dude, it, it was crazy, man. Because fucking uh, Hagler would get Sugar Ray Leonard in the ropes, and most bo- boxers, when they're in the ropes, they're fucked. But uh, right. it's like Sugar Ray Leonard. He he performed so amazing when he when he was in the ropes. It was insane. I've never seen a boxer be able to take 
the other guy while he's backed into the ropes, and it was just amazing. Right. As a kid, I got to meet Sugar Ray. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. What a class act Sugar yeah, Ray is. He's awesome. Uh, so yeah, definitely, 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 bleh, definitely, for, definitely, definitely. Looking forward to that movie. I'm excited for Creed two, even more than Rainbow Five. I'm, really? I'm a huge Rocky fan. I love Rocky. Oh, I love Rocky too. Um, even the bad ones. I mean, I uh, you know Rocky five. It's terrible, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll still give it. If I'm going to do the Rocky marathon, I'm going to go mm-hmm. whole hog, and I'm going to do the Rocky. See, marathon. that's the thing with the Rocky movies. It's like even though like Rocky five was be- like okay when Rocky four came out, I thought it was bad. Yeah, see, I like. But that. the more time, no, see, that's the thing. The more time that I've had to grow up on these movies. I'm comparing them right after they came out with one another. Yeah. You had Rocky, which was the best, then Rocky 2, then Rocky 3. They progressively, as that, you know, during the 80s, 70s and 80s got worse. Mm-hmm. But when you look back on them now, they're all fun in their own right. Yeah, they all have their charm to them. I yeah. agree. I agree. Uh, Paul Feig, uh, he talked about his new female Ghostbusters movie with Empire. And uh, here's some interesting things he had to say. Uh, first off, he said, I want ours to be scarier than the original. To be, to be quite honest, uh, the screenwriter Katie Dippold and I are f- so focused on wanting to do a scary comedy, we don't want to hold back. That has me very excited from like the turn that they took in the second film, which had glimpses of it being scary, and then just giving us this uh, watered-down just comedy. Mm-hmm. This, this has my hopes up. I yeah, like it. I like it, too. The darker, the better. That'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, it'll still have big laughs, for sure. But yeah. I think the laughs make are better when you tie them too scary. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. The, uh, one of the best feelings about being in a, in a watching a really good scary movie, like The Exorcist, or from, even for me, Blair Witch Project, uh, it scared me. You know, I love being scared. I, I love going to haunted houses just for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, me and my friends used to go ghost hunting and shit. You know, I'll probably oh. talk about that next Halloween. But, you know, we had real equipment like, n- you know, night, night vision goggles and ghost speak and all this shit that they actually use on these shows. Yeah. You know, I've done that in the cemetery. And, um, you know, I, I like the feeling of being scared, the unknown. And mix that in with like, oh my god, you just scared the shit out of me, and now you have me laughing. Mm-hmm. Two of the best things ever, you know. It, it could be a really, really great movie if they can pull this off well. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait to hear cast announcements for this. Yeah, Melissa McCarthy is being tossed around. The only thing that they're worried about is uh, her um, scheduling. So I hope scheduling does continue to be a problem for her. Yeah, I please. agree. Yeah, I don't want to see yeah. her in this. So I agree. Ugh. Please no. Uh, yeah. Uh, he went on to say, I have too much respect for the original one to do a sequel. There's also the feeling that once the world knows ghosts and has seen them busted on such a large scale, they run the risk of becoming pedestrian. There's something fun about introducing our world, which has never seen ghosts, to the phenomenon of ghosts. I love origin stories and to introduce new characters. Then he also went on, oh, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Do you guys like that, that this isn't going to be a direct sequel, that this is going to be a reboot? I, I like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that. And it's going to help relatability, too, because you know they're probably going to have so many pop culture references, it's going to make sense. It's going to feel like tactile. Yeah. Real. And I, I agree with this quote about it becoming pedestrian. If it's like, oh, you're in a world where all the other stuff's already happened and nothing is, then even like... 
the natural person walking on the street isn't like shocked by events because all these other, you know, they saw the fucking Stay Puff Marshmallow Man walking down the streets already. <laughs> right. right. You know. Yeah. That. that uh, but another thing that kind of had me intrigued, um, you know, if they didn't do a reboot is like, you know, close to 30 years have passed since the last film. And like, you know, watching a group of people that have been in this world kind of starting their own Ghostbusters teams. That's like the natural oh. evolution, you know, fanboys. All the YouTube people. Yeah, yeah, fanboys. And I was hoping, like, you know, like uh, if Bill Murray came back or even Aykroyd, they could, like, the, their careers. No, and it would fit with Bill Murray's character because, like, in the first movie, didn't they say something about him being, like, a bad game show host? Yeah, yeah. And then in the second film, what was he doing? He was hosting, like, a really, like, a Donahue show or mm-hmm. some shit mm-hmm. like that. I thought you it know? was, like, religious philanthropy or something. I can't remember. It yeah. was a talk show. It was yeah. a talk show. It was sort. a talk show. And then in uh, this third movie, to take it even a step further, if you had Vankman hosting one of these ghost hunter shows, right. you know, <laughs> where nothing happens and he's got no cre- credibility anymore. Oh, my gosh. It'd be like the Geraldo Rivera of current day. <laughs> I think I see an orb. Oh, I heard something in the next room. <laughs> So yeah, that would have been, been kind of funny. We kind of heard um, inklings that they were maybe even going that route a little bit with using the plots from like the modern ghost hunter shows. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. We heard that way back, like during all the Ghostbuster three rumors. Huh? Um, and uh, then he talks about the buzz that's been going on with female comedians in Hollywood to do a female Ghostbusters movie. He says right now, honestly, there could be 50 Ghostbusters, I'm just waiting to get our first draft of the script together to go on. Who makes sense in these roles? If I put the list in front of me, people that have said that they want to do it, talk about a Sophie's Choice. When you do a movie like Ghostbusters, people get very interested. So Ghostbusters has kind of like that same Star Wars feel. Like everybody wants to do a Star Wars movie or a Marvel movie. You got the same thing here with Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's got to be intimidating having that list in front of you if everyone said that. You know, of all the people that said, yes, I'd be interested in that. And then picking the four to five people from that list. Right. I don't envy him there. Yeah. And who says it has to be four? Yeah. Or even five. True. You know? It doesn't. Yeah. If they're going to make this darker, maybe they have one that dies and gets replaced. (laughs) A red shirt. A red shirt. Well, yeah. Like me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, that would go right along with what you were saying about, you know, it being scary. If you actually see one of them get killed, not necessarily <laughs> right. a funny way, that'd be a little right. scary. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, guys, one of our favorite directors here on the podcast, Guillermo del Toro. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Loved Pan's Labyrinth, uh, the Hellboy movies, yeah. uh, Pacific Rim. I mean, we tossed the pilot of The Strain, but you know, I he- I'm hearing from multiple people that it, it, it does indeed get better as the series goes along. Yeah, I heard if you kind of buy into its silliness, it helps a little bit, too. Yeah. You have a tough sell on vampires anyway. I do, I do. It's, it's really campy vampire stuff, and I just don't like it. But this is, this is a different sell on vampires. These are totally different vampires mm-hmm. than what we've seen in anything. In the strain, in the strain, yeah, yeah. Uh, side note: the first season of the strain is available on Blu-ray if you do want to check it out. But it looks like Guillermo del Toro is really keeping busy these days. You know, he has Pacific Rim two coming out, I think, in two thousand seventeen, and he just turned in that Justice League dark script to Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, that movie it's not been greenlit, but that's a project that he's you know passionate about doing. 
but he's now working on a new Amazon series called Carnival Row. Have you guys heard about this? I have not. No. Uh, Travis Beecham, the writer of Pacific Rim, also wrote the screenplay for this years ago, and um, a lot of people have been wanting to pick it up, but um, you know, and, and other directors have been interested in it, but for one reason or another, you know, they haven't gotten to the point where they've you know done a pilot for it. So it looks like it's been it's falling back into the hands of Guillermo, Rotoro, uh, Guillermo del Toro. Hollywood reporters claiming that del Toro will co-write the new screenplay with Beecham. And get the pilot ready this spring before they start work on Pacific Rim 2. Here's a description of the series from Slash Film. The story takes place in a city named Berg, which exists in the future. But it's a bit like 18th century London. Humans live side by side with other creatures. And a killer stalks the streets of a neighborhood called Carnival Row, inhabited by fairies working in brothels. The murderer is a killing is killing fairies, cutting off their wings and leaving telltale puncture wounds in their necks. Sounds like um, God. I can't think of the, the the famous London killer, Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper. Oh. It sounds like yeah, Jack the Ripper set in this universe hmm. of uh, fairies. Um, what do you guys think about the uh, the 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 plot? It sounds interesting. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. So it'd be an Amazon Prime series, huh? Is that what's, what we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, you've got the Yahoo streaming service, Netflix, Hulu, There's and now so many. Amazon Prime. Well, I mean, that's the way you're going to go, or right. you're going to go the way of the Dodo Bird. You're going you go, you're to go the way of Blockbuster, you know? And PlayStation, uh, Sony's getting ready to do one on the PlayStation here soon, too. Yeah. So it's just one more to the mix. Do you guys know? Question. We're gonna get. Ta- we're gonna talk about this a little bit more. But while I'm thinking about it, do you know like these other streaming services? Are they doing like the 13, 14 episode dump that Netflix is doing, or do they do it like weekly? Uh, I'm trying. Does Hulu like do that with their series? I feel like they do. I, th- I feel like they dump Hulu. Dumps the original, it. the Hulu original series. Yes, yes. I feel like when they come out, they they dump them. I, yeah. I think you're right. I, I think they do all come out in that. Format. Yeah. Yeah. It is almost like, I mean, it's the appropriate way sometimes because some of these things are better to binge watch than have that weekly interruption. Some of them are. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, not a fan of it. I, it was brought up on the Facebook, uh, our page recently this week, talking about the uh, Daredevil stuff. And we're mm-hmm. probably going to talk about this in Marvel News. I yeah, we might are. might be skipping ahead, but I don't like it. It doesn't, they asked, so are we going to cover the whole series right away or just a couple episodes? And I, I think we've even said this before. I don't like how it, I like the fun of the week-to-week water cooler conversation about television. Uh, build? Yeah, I do. It's fun. I mean, what if they just dumped all the flash all at once? Here's just 12 episodes. And it takes away all the fun you've had of every week speculating about what's going on with the character and who they could be and new Easter eggs every week to add to the evidence. I'm 50-50 on this. Yeah. I, I don't there are like shows swaying me a bit. There, there are shows like... There are shows like like House of Cards where if you wait week to week, you forget what happened in the previous episode. So you a a show like House of Cards with so many different people involved, it makes sense for it to be like a thirteen episode dump. Um, And and anymore, you know, you've got people that have that are behind on stuff anyway. I'm behind on stuff. We live in the day of an age before DVR. I would have agreed with you wholeheartedly, but on the flip side, it's like, I can tell you like, Oh, you know, 
have I watched the last uh, episode of um, American Horror Story? No. I mean, Jake, you're a few episodes behind mm-hmm. on that, too. It's the same thing. I mean, you're going to binge watch those shows. You're not having that water cooler talk about American Horror Story that you could possibly be having with somebody that is keeping it with it week to week. And I think living in this DVR age now, it does change it a little bit. I, I think there are certain shows and series that are more suited to it. It's not like you know a broad-reaching span. Uh, as an example, uh, I, my wife and I watched all of Breaking Bad uh, probably about six months ago, which was well after the show actually concluded. Mm-hmm. It was after it all became available on Netflix. And as great as I thought it was, I think that you know I, all the buzz that I heard, all the stuff that I missed out on, like the social participation of it all, I think that would have added to it. So, I mean, I, Jake brings up an excellent point. I just I feel like if everything becomes the dump, it, like, destroys a part of, like, my fandom a bit. Like, as big of a Lost fan as I am, I don't think I'd be that Lost fan if it would have just been every year we're going to dump the whole season at once. Lost is completely different, and I think Lost is one of the last shows that this water cooler thing worked for because you didn't have the day of the DVR and stuff like that. You don't think it's currently working for, say, Walking Dead or like Game of Thrones? Or us. Well, I, guys, I think you could take either show. I, I think you could do it either way. That's the only way those shows are available. I think it would work either way, though. You, I do. I think if you had a 13-episode dump of Game of Thrones you'd still have people talking about these things. But I don't think it would be as much because especially like, okay, take The Walking Dead, for example. They're adding in a whole lot of fan interactivity, not only into the show itself, but also The uh, Talking Dead, where you can participate, go ask questions and all that. And you're feeling like a part of the show. It helps you feel more connected to the world. I think it creates a better experience. Yeah, and I don't like how it destroys the art of the cliffhanger either. Like, there's plenty of Walking Dead episodes and, like, Game of Thrones episodes where that cliffhanger isn't as meaningful if you can just instantly click next and watch the next episode. And keeping it spoiler-free, uh, I had that exact experience with uh, Breaking Bad because I just stomped and plotted my way through to the end. Mm-hmm. And there, I didn't have the build. I, I didn't feel nearly... I mean, I could see that how what they were going for, but... Like, it just felt kind of anticlimactic, and I don't think that was the fault of the show. I think that was just the fault of kind of how I got fed, I got it fed to me. I didn't have to wait for it. Things are always better when you're made to wait a little bit. I think it's a successful model. I do. And, and you know, uh, you've got, I think it's a successful model, and the proof is in Netflix subscriptions. Um, Netflix, their goal is to have a new series premiering every three weeks. It's not like you, they've, they're trying to keep their viewers there week to week to week so that you watch these shows. No, they plan on having original series dumped every three weeks. That's their goal. So, I mean, if you liked House of Cards and you knocked it out, they're going to have something else for you in the next few weeks. Are they doing, like, the like setting limits for these? Like, it's not, like, going to have, like, an indefinite run where we know this is going to last one or two or three releases and then that's it. What do you mean? Like, the ser- like the, how long they're thinking the series is going to go on? Yeah, the, the, these new IPs. Is it open-ended or is it, like, do they have a finite point in mind to try to keep it moving along? Oh, I mean, Netflix is the biggest one out there. I'm sure they're getting more creators and, and, and people involved to have new shows at all times. They, you know what I mean? Is that what you're asking? Like, okay, say instead of, like, we don't know how long this TV show is going to last. 
the all, like say a house of cards, whether or not they're telling people, but, but like, is it designed to run only X amount of seasons and then end with like an actual ending, not like continuing to try to shoehorn extra story into an existing world? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you look at Hemlock Grove and it just went the three seasons. I mean, so I mean, they they told a complete story there. I don't know how many seasons they're planning to go with all the series. Yeah, that's right. a, that's a whole different can of worms. Yeah, kind of. Like, I didn't but I'm know saying, it was like a I newly think that water cooler series. talk is 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 a thing of the past with with the DBRs. That's my whole point. Yeah, is that not everybody is watching everything week to week, and it gives you the convenience to watch it at your own leisure. Yes, it kind of sucks because sometimes you talk to your friends and have you seen this show? Uh, I watched all 15 episodes, and then Frank, you're like, no, I'm only watching, I've only seen the first five, mm-hmm. and we're having this conversation, and like, I, can, I can't talk to you anything past episode five, but on the flip side, the same thing happens if I'm talking to Jake here, and Jake's got it on his DVR, and he's not caught up. The same thing happens. I, I, I think we're living in a different world now, where if you have a 13, 14 episode dump, I think it's fine. No, I don't, I don't, yeah, it's fine, and I don't disagree with you. Like, it is a successful model of releasing things, but I don't want to see it take over completely. I don't want it to ever be 100% It won't with network television, but yeah. I think it works for Amazon. It works for Amazon right. and the content that they're putting out. Yeah. yeah. Even doing, maybe just doing it over a month would be better for me. Like, if, if you got 10 episodes of something, like, three, three, and four it out or something, just like a three-week model or something, just to, I don't know, just to break it up a bit. Sometimes storytelling for me, though, depending on the series, it's a little bit better just to jump right into the next episode because yeah. it's a little bit more seamless and you don't have to like think about, oh, shit, I totally forgot about what happened on episode one. I can just go to episode two. And people are changing the way they're watching TV now. Not everybody watched Breaking Bad as it came out because they didn't know it was going to be the huge hit that it was. And so they are watching these in huge chunks same thing with sons of anarchy and sopranos and all these shows right you know yes you don't get that break in between to talk about you know oh my god i can't believe that you don't you're not but i, I don't think that it takes away from like i still think that you can watch 13 14 episodes of a show and walk away from it and still be able to tell your friends that, oh my God, this was fucking amazing. You have to watch this. I still don't think it's just like you watch it and then forget it. Yeah. Even though you've moved on to the next thing, you can still really enjoy it. I don't disagree with you that binge watching does, you know, isn't a thing and can't still be enjoyable, but it's a totally different experience for me. Some of it too, I mean... With Breaking Bad, we were watching it with another party who was watching it also on Netflix, but not you know with us. Mm-hmm. So we would try to like keep in line with when we were watching the episode, so we could bullshit like the next couple of days about what do you think is going to go on, and did you could you believe this and this and that. And I don't know. I get caught up in it. I really like that. Well, I think what Netflix has done is kind of brilliant. Um, you know, you've got a show Netflix starting out. They. Uh, they give you all these episodes because you are paying for that monthly subscription. And sometimes the pilots aren't as good. So let's say you watch the first pilot of such and such show and you aren't enthralled in it. But the second episode's right there for you to watch. Mm-hmm. So you watch that second episode and that's when it starts to really ramp up and you stay on the series. Next thing you know, you're out with your friends and you're saying, hey, have you seen this show House of Cards? And they're like, whoa, what, what? no, what's that on? Oh, it's on Netflix. And you're like... Definitely check it out. Check it out. And so, like, that's another way to, like, it's a, I think it's good marketing for them just to get these 
you can still not you're not at the water cooler talking about like that specific episode, but you're talking about the series as a whole, and you're able to tell them, yes, this is something I recommend. And I still think like you can get that text message from them, like, holy shit, I just watched episode two, and you're like, oh, well, wait until episode three, and they're like, oh, I can't wait. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's all still that. there. Yeah. I, I agree. It's not just the water cooler stuff too, though. It's like just even personally, it's it's the letting it marinate and thinking about the stuff for a week or you know yeah i don't know i just it different strokes for different folks i mean sometimes like me like with all the stuff that i watch Mm. like i either get caught behind and it becomes the same thing it's like a dvr binge watch or i forget what happened in the previous week where it would have been just nice to just jump into that next fucking episode just like same thing with comic books like Sometimes I forget, like, oh, fuck, what happened in that previous comic book? And I got to read it over again. So I think we agree to certain points. And then on the flip side, yeah, I mean, like, those lost water cooler conversations, nobody can take that away from you. Yeah. But, you know, things change, and what works for Lost may not work for House of Cards or uh, any other Netflix series, you know? So Yeah, I I agree. I don't dislike it. I just, I prefer... For it to be a little bit of a build-up. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be cool if Netflix switched it up every now and again. It's like they get to advertise the thing longer, too, if they do it I like the model that they're using now, and it's it's very successful for them. It is very successful. And I can still watch these things at my own convenience. Now, yeah, spoilers are out there. But on the flip side, I I like being able to just kind of like, man, I'm going to knock out five episodes today. Well, that in this day and age, too, I mean... Unless you're right there watching it live, I mean, you got to stay away from social media even by an hour. A lot of people bitch about that because of all the sports. Oh, yeah, and like people, people on the West Coast are just like, fuck you. Exactly. Yeah. It's not playing here for another two hours, motherfucker. Right, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. So, yeah, yeah if, you're gonna, if you want to fucking talk about spoilers, what I usually do is I just post like a comment or something. Saying, hey, don't look at this unless you want to be spoiled, but... Aren't there, like, comments? add-ons and apps that you can add where it can, like, block that shit out? That's interesting. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think there are. There's filters yeah, that you, you can you I just try add. to use willpower. Yeah, it's just like, uh, all of a sudden there's a meme, you know? Like, who knows yeah. what's going to happen with Daredevil? you got to watch, like, all these episodes before someone's telling you about his girlfriend dying from heroin or whatever, you right. know, in episode God six. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, but this uh, this Guillermo del Toro uh, <laughs> show. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. It, it, Carnival Row. It sounds interesting, and and uh, I don't know. I mean, is it enough for me to uh, get Amazon, the streaming service? I don't know. I don't know if it's enough for me to do it. Might be one of those things that I wait for it to come out on DVD. Is that a part of the Prime membership? Yeah, I think it's the only way you can get it. So it's quite pricey. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it depends. If you buy a lot of stuff, it ends up kind of being worth it because with that, you get all that free two-day shipping shit. Yeah. yeah. Then no taxes because you're ordering out of state. We don't have Amazon links on our website, Frank. Oh, so. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I use the streaming service from Amazon. I, I, I find it to be almost as convenient as uh, iTunes mm. because it, it seems like it pops up everywhere. So I, I, you can get it pretty much on anything, and it works really well. You get a lot of free shit with it. So you're already a Prime member? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, let's move on to some Marvel news. Uh, I've got an email from Huey Cox, but it actually deals more with the Daredevil stuff. So we're going to go uh, into our uh, – we're going to talk about uh, Agent Carter. Marvel and ABC, they premiered Agent Carter on January 6th, and we're going to rate it and then talk about it. 
It's created by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, uh, same writers uh, for the you know Captain America: The First Avenger and Captain America: The Winter Soldier. The executive producers are Tara Butters and Michelle Fazekas, um, you know, from one of my all-time favorite shows, Reaper. Um, and uh, basically in this, it's 1946. Peggy Carter must balance the routine office work, work uh, she does for the Strategic Scientific Reserve while secretly assisting Howard Stark, who finds himself framed for supplying deadly weapons to the top bidder. Carter is assisted by Stark's butler, Edwin Jarvis, to find those responsible and dispose of the weapons. It stars Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, James Darcy as Edwin uh, Jarvis, Chad Michael Murray as Jack Thompson, and Vergugskak as Daniel Sousa. I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> and Enver, oh yeah, Enver, yeah, Enver Goyak as Daniel Sousa. Um, it also has a couple other people that I'm going to talk about as well. But um, you know, let's let's go ahead and rate it uh, before we talk about the uh, the actual episodes because it was two episodes. It, yes, yeah, yeah, it wasn't so much a two hour pilot as it was just episode one and two on yeah. the same night, kind right. Of, right? With no intro yeah. and credits in the middle. Yeah, the first episode, uh, two different directors on these episodes. First episode was directed by Luis D. Esposito, and then the second episode was actually directed by Joe Russo of the Russo Brothers, that were the directors of. Captain America the Winter Soldier. Yeah, nice. I, I actually watched this on Hulu, Frank, and it, it did split it up with um, oh, really? two openings and two credit sequences on huh. Hulu as an episode one and an episode two, gotcha. yeah, interestingly network. enough. so huh. All right, let's go ahead and rate it and uh, before we, you know, we talk about it a little bit more. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Frank. Uh, I just wanted to throw out there uh, that it, I think it is an excellent depiction of a, a strong female lead that uh, doesn't... She is the only character that really can be taken seriously. She's strong and, like, paves the way for the show. Uh, Absolutely a a Tupperware. Okay, it's a Tupperware? Yeah. Is that all you got to say? Well, I mean, we're going to, you know, dissect it, and I made some notes myself as far as, like, some things I wanted to make sure I brought up. Okay. I mean, yeah, like, she's got one-liners. She's strong. Uh, and it's kind of like a joke how everyone kind of just treats her like a secretary. Yeah. And uh, it, it's something that we're going to see her, you know, use again. So I, I think everything just kind of worked and hit its points, and I think it's excellent so far. Okay. Yeah, you know, I went into this show almost kind of like, oh, it's time to watch. You know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s been kind of lukewarm from fans. You know, some people really like it, but from the beginning it was kind of – Everyone was just kind of, uh, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. And so it kind of felt like a chore for me to sit down and watch this show. I was kind of feeling like, oh, here we go, another disappointing Marvel show from the beginning. Yeah. And I was actually blown away by this show. I'm going to give it a Tupperware, too. Um, I thought the production level of this show just blew me away from uh, costume design to the score to the the settings and everything. It was wonderful. And yeah. The fact that we know that it's just going to be, what is it, a six to eight episodes? Is it eight episodes? They seven? say it's seven. They say it's seven because they that, that pilot was the first two episodes, uh, but it's actually eight episodes. Oh, they gotcha. say it's a seven-episode miniseries on ABC, but it's actually eight. Yeah. It really feels like the Marvel Studios equivalent of like a comic book four- to six-issue miniseries. Like, yeah. Yeah the closest that they've come to doing that. Like, yeah. And they do this kind of thing all the time. Like, oh, let's do a 1940s miniseries where we see what happened with Sharon Carter, you know? It really feels like that. Really well done. Love the acting. Yeah. 
yeah, th- this was great to me. I can't wait. I almost wish this was more than eight episodes now, but maybe that would be a bad thing. Yeah, I watched this twice. Um, I don't think I was fully invested the first time I tried watching it. So I was like, Brian, get, put the fucking phone down. Let's watch this. Mm-hmm. So I watched it again, um, started it again last night on the second one, watched the first half hour, and then woke up today and watched the rest of it. Um, I'm giving this show a Tupperware. Yeah, nice. And it all starts with the people you know involved from the top down. You know, Kevin Feige is an executive producer. It's a Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. You know, the writers of the first two cat movies, two executive producers like you know uh, Tara Butters and Michelle Fazekas. You know, who did Reaper, um, one of my favorite shows. Um, then you got Haley Atwell as Agent Carter. Uh, Shea Wiggum, he plays Dooley. He's been in some great movies like uh, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, mm-hmm. American Hustle, Silver Linings Playbook. He was uh, also in uh, the Fast and Furious films. It's a real bit part, but you know he's pretty charismatic and funny in what he's in. Good. Uh, there's James Frain. He was also uh, he played Leet Bennis in this. He's been in Tron Legacy and The Count of Monte Cristo. You know, so they, it, it's it all starts from the top down. I mean, they've put a lot into this. The production value is good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, of course, you did see the differences in the way the scenes from the, you know, because they threw in scenes from Captain America, you know, yeah. uh, and the you first could, Avenger. yeah, the first Avenger. And you could tell that, the, that it didn't quite match up with this as far. It was pretty close. <laughs> you didn't think so? No, no. I think it, the, the, the Captain America, the first, watching it in HD, you could definitely tell that there was a difference between like the production value and, to the show. Okay. Not saying I'm not trying to take anything away from the show, sure. but it was noticeable to well, me. No, no I, I agree with that. We were talking earlier that that was why Jake watched it on Hulu because locally we had some bad weather come through and half of it was all taken up by uh, weather announcements and school closings and shit. So my what I got to see was smushed down, so I didn't get to see that. Yeah. Yeah, listen, you guys want to talk about some of the things that you liked in the episode? Yeah, I loved all the science in both episodes, like all the 1940s like spy science stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Loved the uh, the communication with the typewriter. Yeah, and you know the, the noises that it made when it yeah. said the, it was like um, old 1940s internet chat room spy device. Like right. that was really cool stuff going on. Yeah, oh, I'm trying to think some more of the of the that. lipstick. The lipstick yep. was great. Yeah, the sweet little... dreams, and uh, you know she kissed the guy, and it makes him fall asleep. I yeah. liked it. It's very Bond like. Yeah, um, the little device she used to open the the safe. Her watch. The, yeah, she took yeah. off her watch and uh-huh. stuck it there, and it was able to uh, you know open up that uh, safe. Yeah, I love. I loved all the gadgets. The brooch that she used. Yes, uh-huh. and put it in the desk drawer, and it was unlocking the desk drawer. And very here we've cool. got another example of a talented British actress. Uh, who can switch her accent on and off to an American one mm-hmm. at the drop of a hat when yeah. she was portraying the blonde. She was great. Love seeing a lot of Jarvis. Yeah, that was I cool. thought he was great. Such a legendary Marvel character, finally getting a bunch of time on. And funny. Very funny. And funny. Uh, one, of the, one of the scenes that kind of had me laugh, and I actually rewound it because I got a kick out of it, was when she called him on, when she's on this mission. She's like, I'm going to need you. And he's like, well, you know, my, the laundry here is going to be done in half an hour. <laughs> and uh, she said something like, I need you here. And he's like, okay, linens can wait. <laughs> I was just linens like, can wait. Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's really, really funny stuff. Just yeah. little subtle things like that that I thought were really funny. 
um, thought the choreography was great on mm-hmm. the fight sequence that happened. Yeah, very Absolutely. close quarters fighting, and they did a really good job of uh, the directors did a really good job of showing that yeah. on screen. Love yeah. when she beat some ass with a stapler. That oh, yeah, that favorite, was great. One of my yeah. favorite moments. <laughs> one of my favorite parts in it was um, when they were uh, in the diner and you got the guy, remember Farva from mm-hmm. Super yeah. Troopers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the douchebag that was treating the waitress like <laughs> shit. And the waitress and her are friends. And, you know, like the first time he's like, you call these eggs? Uh, you know, like I, I want real eggs, not this powdered stuff and send it back and would treat her like shit. And she noticed that. And then later on, you know, he's griping about something else about the service there. And then she takes that fork, puts it right up like underneath his chest and says, uh, this is pressed against your brachial artery. (laughs) And, uh, if I puncture it, you're pretty much going to die very shortly, and you're not, nobody, nobody's going to know who did it. You, you know, it's going to let out very slowly, and blah 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 blah. I thought it was very very funny. I liked yeah, that part very much. Um, did you guys have any other things that? Uh, I, I of course I said I loved the music. Yeah, um, I thought. Frank already brought up it had like a Bond feel, you know, when we were mm-hmm. talking about the gadgets. I thought yeah. the villains were very Bond-like too with their devices that they held to their throat to talk and everything. Yeah. I thought that was a lot of fun. Well, they had their tracheal. Yeah. Like their voice boxes yeah. removed. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of something that I'm looking forward to finding out why that is. Yeah. Um, uh, so they had the bad babies. I was kind of mm-hmm. wondering like how they were going to pull it off, you know, what they were going to focus on. And, you know, just the concept that Start you know, having all these potential weapons that yeah. could come back. I mean, they could extend it if they wanted to, but I think it's kind of cool that they're capping it. Do you guys think that something related to Ultron's going to come up before, I mean, the end of it? That they're going to tie it in a little bit at the end? I think it should. If it's if it they're yeah if they're capping it if this is all it's ever going to be then yeah I think it should uh, we're going to talk about you know like the uh, origins that were released uh, you know for Vision and and Ultron and what those said but Cinema Blend Cinema Blend had a great article and they their article said that Hank Pym um, and Howard Stark were the ones that they. That they were guessing from like the wordage of the synopsis of Age of Ultron that mm-hmm. it's a technology that's been reactivated, and um, there, and we'll talk about you know what we read you know that came out a couple weeks ago. But their theory was that it was reactivated from the work that Hank Pym and and Howard Stark did on this, and, and could, I like that because that, it still gives Hank Pym the credit of creating Ultron. Yeah, and, and that could even be a hint in the fact that the Ant-Man trailer came out during this premiere. No, I think that it, I think that I don't think that that has anything to do with it at all. I think it all came down to, Hey, we want Peggy Carter to get great ratings mm-hmm. and we haven't shown you an Ant-Man trailer. So let's do it here. Let's True. try to do what we did with the age of Ultron trailer. When we showed the, you know, the premiere of, or was it the first or second episodes of Shit. this season's, you know, agents of shield. I think that's what it came down to. Okay. That, I didn't know. Just my opinion. Right now, we're dealing with you know uh, an old Stark. Sure. So I didn't know because we're going to also have just a little bit of Hank Pym. No, I think and, it all came down to marketing. Okay. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't seem like Carter did the best, though. I mean, it really shows the difference between the excitement for Ant-Man and Avengers 2. Like, even with that push, it really didn't get spectacular ratings. Right. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Um, another thing that I really, really loved about this that I thought was absolutely brilliant um, 
was when they do the radio show called Adventure Hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's narrated by Ralph Garman from Kevin Smith's podcast, Hollywood Babylon. Uh, and they depict uh, Agent Carter as like this damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. And she's always needing Captain America. And they did it so masterfully in the last half hour when she's fighting McPhee. Oh, I yeah, love that Yeah, that part. was great. And you actually hear Adventure Hour. McPhee's listening to Adventure Hour on his old radio and as you know, you hear like you know Agent Carter, Peggy Carter, like, "Oh, help me, Captain America!" You're actually he, you're watching her kick this guy's ass. Yeah, yeah. And as you're hearing them use the sound effects, like breaking the lobster and hearing the crack of that, and it sounds like cracks of bones. She's cracking him and kicking his ass. Right. And I absolutely thought that was brilliant, and I loved how they incorporated that adventure hour into this. And it was a good tie-in because they showed it at the beginning of the show and how she hated that (laughs) fucking show because it it makes her seem like this helpless woman when in all actuality, you know, she's like the 1940s version of Black Widow. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I love that part too where they like overdubbed the Foley work from the radio show onto the uh, actual fight scene. That was brilliant. It was great. It was a great scene. Uh, A thing that I don't know if I have a problem with it or not, maybe you guys can help me with this, is that, you know... uh, Agent Carter, in this show, I want her to be the smartest woman in the room, mm-hmm. okay? She's surrounded by men, and she has to work twice as hard in this time era to, you know, uh, to do anything, and it feels like they just want her to file shit, and she's a fucking agent. Yeah. Um, and I want her to be the smartest person in the room, but I felt like a lot of the male characters in this were just complete imbeciles. I was wondering that. I had the impression that they were always right on her heels. Like, they were following clues that they probably would have found anyway. I had the feeling that they're always one step behind. Yeah, they're behind her, but she's just ahead of them. Yeah, yeah. but they have no idea that she's even involved. They're looking oh, right. for the woman, in b- the blonde woman. Right. They're looking for her. They have no idea that it's her. Yeah. I feel like it's a chess match, and she's always one step ahead of them. Yeah. And it makes them look like all like they're all imbeciles. Now, I'm not saying that they're all imbeciles. Like, Shea Wiggum's character, uh, Dooley, Roger Dooley, yeah. seems like a sharp guy. But yeah. the other guy... They're that, all chauvinist well, pigs, basically. Yeah. They're all chauvinist pigs, but like the the one guy that... like. A uh, little little chubbier guy. Yeah, he was in... He's just a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of the character he's always played. And he's been in some things like, uh, oh, she's out of my league. She was uh, that one guy's... Old, he was that one guy's older brother. He was also in a uh, very, very short-lived sitcom with Olivia Munn. Yeah, but I'm just talking about, like... Um, how they're using some of the male characters in this. Yeah, she's definitely going to get her comeuppance on them, I think is obviously what they're leading up to. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, but, you know, I I want her to be the smartest person in the room, but I also want her to be the smartest person in the room when it comes to other people that are smart. You know what I mean? I just don't want her to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I showed up a bunch of fucking morons. And I, I think Roger Dooley's kind of a kind of a good character that that she can get the get the uh, you know one up on. Mm-hmm. But I think some of the other, like the chief or whatever, like the head guy, there, oh, yeah. he's kind of an idiot. They're and, all dicks and idiots. Yeah. For sure. Well, her uh, Dooley was that her the guy that was she was talking to with one leg. No, that that's Sousa, and I'm Sousa. not even lumping okay. him in with these guys. That's no. what I was going to ask. No, 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 no. It seems like he is going to be the one Sousa, to kind of no, find no, her out. Dooley's the blonde-haired guy. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Okay. So I, was, I thought you were thinking that he was... 
No, you said you wanted to see somebody that was actually smart. That right, he but would... he, yeah, yeah, he, he is smart. But I'm talking about the asshole chauvinists, mm-hmm. and okay. he's not an asshole chauvinist. No, no, no. Right, exactly. He tried right. to stick up for her. Yeah, I just don't want. <laughs> my point is, I just don't want to see a woman that's supposed to be the smartest person just outwitting a bunch of fucking nincompoops. <laughs> It'd be right. nice if one or two of these guys actually had some intelligence. To them, they're not complete idiots, and so it makes her character seem like she's she is supposed to be an agent because like these guys are agents too. It just shouldn't be such like a fucking like it feels like it's a boys' club of morons, right? Just like guys at the fucking lodge that get together and just you know talk about whatever, just bullshit. Random. I want to see at least a couple of these guys be kind of serious agents, and she's still outperforming them. That's my point. Right. I get you. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I understand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make any sense? It makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I completely follow. I think it's fine to have a couple idiots in there, but I, I yeah. do want to see her get her just desserts by outsmarting some of these guys that are agents for a reason that right. are trying to do their job. Well, the other thing I noticed, too, is that even though they discount her constantly, the bad guys never hold back. They don't give a shit that she's a woman at all. Yeah. Yeah, so, the bad guys definitely give her more credit than the good guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With this being a spy show, though, I do want to see more scenes where it's kind of like uh, I, I want some heart pounding moments where like she could get caught. That's what I like about spy stuff. Some Mission she, Impossible shit. Well, you know, and then she's got different people tailing her all the time. You know, you got the villains tailing her, and then you've got even like you know the other agents that are kind of like trying to find out who this woman in blonde is. Right. And I want there to be some more heart pounding moments not just her trying to unlock a drawer and susa almost catching her i want to see some really high stakes shit and i think we might get into that but i I do want to see a little bit more of that because that's what that's what makes spy movies so great just like even stuff like oceans 11 when these guys are about to get caught when it's a race against time and you're worried about that i want those heart pounding moments like oh my god is she or isn't she yeah i love a good caper like that too yeah It, it doesn't seem as serious just yet yeah Oh, uh, also had to throw props out there for uh, Tara Butters and Michelle Fazekas for casting Ray Wise <laughs> in this. Ray Wise was in Reaper, so it was fantastic that they cast Ray Wise in this show because they did Reaper and they had Ray Wise come in there and he played like the CEO of uh, Ruxin. And I thought that that was great and that made me really happy. He, because you know he he pl- always plays a really really good evil guy. Yeah. You know he played uh, Robin's asshole dad on yeah. How I Met Your Mother, yeah. and like he played fucking Satan in Reaper. I mean he's a great actor, and just to see him, even though he's only in for the one episode, I was happy to see him in there. Yeah. And his really hatred cool. for Stark. <laughs> 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 Loved it. He was perfect. Um, Agent Carter is back on Tuesday with episode three. It's titled Time and Tide. And then episode four will have a cameo by uh, Stan Lee. Nice. Cool. So that's cool. Boy, Stan Lee, he's, he, he is in all these shows still. Yeah, yeah. Um, so are we giving a – it's a Tupperware it's party. It's a Tupperware yep. party. Tupperware party. Nice, nice. Yeah, Yeah. Tupperware party for uh, Peggy Carter. Absolutely love this Agent Carter TV show. It's badass. You know, and it's kind of sad because I really like Gotham. And then to try to compare that to this, it it doesn't hold up as well. 
Yeah, it's definitely apples and oranges. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the penguin and all that, but like this was a lot better than I expected it to be. Uh, Gotham doesn't hold up well in what regards? In comparison to this, Peggy Carter show. I still think we got to look at Gotham as an Elseworld story. Yeah, this, I know. Th- I know, but this is canon to the MCU. Right. I, yeah. I, I accept it. I'm not like nitpicking Gotham for its storylines. Like I was talking to Anderson Arruda the other night, and um, there's some things that like the actors make some questionable choices. Uh, as an example, Barbara Gordon in the very last episode. Don't spoil. People no, no, are getting no. sick of our spoilers. No, this is not a spoiler. Okay. Uh, unless it's like Facebook, like so what somebody ate and drank. Are you talking spoiler. about the the, uh, the mid-season premiere? I haven't yes. seen it, it yet. This is not a spoiler, okay. I swear. She drinks a coffee, and it's handed to her like fresh. And if you've ever bought coffee from like Starbucks or whatever, yeah. they fill it so full you got to sip it. You just real lightly tilt it back. And... This bitch cranks the fucker back like it's almost empty. I'm like, really? Like, I'm gonna defend that. I I am immune to hot drinks. When no, I get not, when I get Starbucks coffee, I'm guzzling that shit the second it hits my hand. I'm not so much talking like the heat, but I mean like the quantity in there. If it's full, she's not gonna. That's your big gripe with Gotham. Yeah, it, is no, how she drinks her coffee. Some continuity stuff like that. There was that, and in the very first episode, there's Kat movie stole... goofs all the time. Well, yeah, yeah, that's some silly stuff. There, 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 there was there was uh, there was some technology that was used in this uh, imitation game uh, that didn't come around until 1948, and then they used it in this timepiece. And it's like I don't give a shit. I, I don't give a shit how people are drinking their fucking coffee. Well, yeah, but it's not just the coffee. I mean, some of her lines are very stale when they're delivered. Like there's no believability to them, and then you pile that on top of it, and it just kind of draws attention. The coffee's it. the final fucking straw. <laughs> God yeah. damn it! Let me show you how to drink it, <laughs> <laughs> bitch. This is how you drink a Folgers. <laughs> Learn to drink coffee. Lift that fucking pinky. The up best part of waking up is waiting five minutes for that shit to cool <laughs> off. You dumb bitch. <laughs> you don't. Yeah, sip that well, shit. Yeah, I mean, I still like it, but yeah, this is so you're, much you're better. Just like, the basis for your value. argument when you your first your go to Frank is how she drinks her coffee. <laughs> I, I That's no. some bullshit. I cry bullshit. Uh, they, oh, no, I'm going to go back like to my that. original. Oh. Remember, this is an Elseworld story where people can drink coffee directly from. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Nice, nice. We're in an alternate universe <laughs> where coffee doesn't get too hot. Uh, it's always just perfect. It's Yeah, it's the Goldilocks coffee. I, you haven't seen it's it yet. It's just right. When you see it, you'll notice it. You're going to be like, oh, okay, that was a little awkward. And I'm going to be like, I'm out of this show. I'm out what? of the show. No. That's it. Final That's straw. It. Final fucking straw. I just, yeah. All right. I, I didn't like it. I don't like her. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. You're, wow. I don't like the way she drinks her coffee. <laughs> this is no fucking no. Agent Carter. Jake, some me and you. This is between. <laughs> I, 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 want to, I want you to stay out of this discussion. Jake, we're going to watch Barbara Gordon in this show. Yeah, I can't wait. It's the uh, no. premiere, the mid-season premiere. Me and you, we're going to watch her acting from here on out, okay? Yeah. And I want us to compare her acting to that of Young Murph. Oh. And that, me and you, me and you, maybe at the Tupperwares, next third <laughs> annual, me and you are going to give who our better actress is. That'll be a category. Oh Young Murph. Or Barbara or Gordon. Barbara Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> and you're out of it because we know that you love yeah. Young Murph. Yeah, you've got your Young Murph T-shirt on right now. <laughs> I bet Young Murph wouldn't fucking drink that coffee right away. Yeah, she'd know to sip that shit. She'd know the, how much full it was. How- Barbara Gordon's guzzling it like she guzzles fucking 
Gordon's dick. Whoa. Just <laughs> jumping into that fucking coffee. Coffee slut. <laughs> Slow down on that coffee. Ooh, yeah, no shit. Cool. There goes all believability out the fucking window right. for Gotham. Dude, there's no fucking coffee foreplay with this chick. She's just like sucking on that shit like no. right out of the gate. It's just a couple things here and there. Coffee. Yeah, coffee but your milk. go-to is coffee, Frank. It all comes back to your goddamn go-to being coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love this in conversation. First, in the first episode, there should be a. Jack- are you saying there should have been a disclaimer at the bottom of the screen saying, "Please wait five minutes before you drink your coffee. Do <laughs> no. not drink your coffee like Barbara Gordon. You Shit. might burn yourself." That's. I mean, I hope not. Jesus, but. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, in the very first episode, Cat steals the milk from that lady who walks out of the store with it. You and beverages. <laughs> What's and, what happens with the milk that's so bad? Oh my god! And there's another scene with the yeah, penguin and no, some no, orange no, no. juice. I gotta no, hear oh this. Oh my I god! Gotta, I gotta hear this. So with, <laughs> so with the milk, she steals it from the woman as soon as she leaves the store. And then the next thing you see, she's pouring the milk in the saucer, and the milk's almost gone. Like, she just stole it. What the fuck she do? Drink a third of it off camera? Maybe she distributed it to a bunch of cats. I don't know. God damn it, Jake. That's the last of the milk she was given to stray cats. Coffee and milk. Did we need five minutes of the seeing Catwoman distribute oh. the milk to all the different stray cats? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's off-camera stuff. Okay. It, it's just a stupid maybe. Yeah, even if it's not off-camera stuff, it's just a stupid thing. And it's like, Frank's like, oh, God, if the fucking coffee scene wasn't enough for you to get pissed off, <laughs> let me bring up milk. Yeah, it does a body good, but it makes Gotham a shitty fucking show. Yeah, it's so unrealistic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they, they, did, they did no beverage research whatsoever. <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> They really oh, dropped the fuck. ball on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. They had six writers write that episode, and they had to pick the one that doesn't know how to drink fucking milk or coffee. <laughs> Her oh, response man. would probably be like, I'm sorry, I was concentrating on my character at that time. Oh, oh man. Maybe if they would have got young Murph to play oh, cat girl. God. Yeah, she'd have done her fucking coffee research. Oh, shit. Oh, brother. Well, I don't know. Shia LaBeouf does his smelly armpit research. You're not. Okay, I want to know. What are you, so you don't like Gotham now? No, I like Gotham. It was just one or two little things just in the production values like that that make it not as good as Peggy Carter. It takes you out of a show. Of over coffee? <laughs> <laughs> just over fucking coffee. You have now said... <laughs> You have now over fucking coffee, Frank. You have now fucking. That's your basis for this? That Peggy Carter, after two episodes, is now better than Gotham because of how Barbara Gordon drinks her coffee. (laughs) I I like Agent Carter better better than Gotham, too, but it's because of the milk, not the coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to clarify that. Oh my god! Unbelievable! I'm lactose intolerant. It's so. still oh, I was guys, out. It's it's okay. Agent uh, Agent Carter and Gotham are both great shows. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to get into which one's better, especially after Agent Carter's only had two episodes. It's a Tupperware for me. Yeah, we haven't seen her drink coffee yet. <laughs> yeah, so jury's out. The nice thing about this though is it's an eight episode season, and they can wrap it up really tight and neat problem with Gotham is you're looking at a 20 episode season where they have to keep this going. Hopefully in the future they will get these coffee drinkers 
on the right track because that is insane. It's getting out of control. It's insufferable. It's insufferable. Oh, my gosh. Frank, did you turn the episode off after that? Were you just like, what the? No, fuck this. And you, no. No. Well, I did pause it and tell my wife, did you see that? Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. You had to bring somebody else into the room to watch no, this. No, she was watching it with me. <laughs> was she like, this is complete and utter bullshit? No, I think her reaction was more like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 like I a did, normal person. Like a normal person, yeah. <laughs> I'm all excited. I'm like, did you see that? And she's like, huh? After oh. that, Frank shot out, Leroy Jenkins, and then ran out of the room. <laughs> oh, my God. Gotham's gone from a Tupperware to a toss it. That, that's it. No. Fuck this coffee. Oh Frank God. was like, oh, my <laughs> Gotham. I can't believe they just did that. All right, let's talk about. Let's move on. I could, God, I could just tear this apart. Oh, yeah, shit. we could do a whole podcast. No about shit, this. Oh, I'll piss my pants. <laughs> oh man, uh, the Ant Man trailer drop during the pilot of Agent Carter. So let's talk about it first. Uh, and oh, you know what? Let's talk about it. But um, I'd like to read the official Marvel description of the film. The next evolution of the Marvel Cinematic Universe brings a founding member of the Avengers to the big screen. For the first time with Marvel Studios, Ant-Man, armed with the astonishing ability to shrink in scale but increase in strength, Master Thief Scott Lang must embrace his inner hero and help his mentor, Dr. Hank Pym, protect the secret behind his spectacular Ant-Man suit from a new generation of towering threats. Against seemingly insurmountable obstacles, Pym and Lang must must plan and pull off a heist that will save the world. Marvel's Ant-Man stars Paul Rudd as Scott Lang, a.k.a. Ant-Man, Evangeline Lilly as Hope Van Dyne, Corey Stoll as Darren Cross, a.k.a. Yellow Jacket, Bobby Cannavale as Paxton, Mich- uh, Michael Pena as Lewis, Judy Greer as Maggie, Tip T. Harris as Dave, <laughs> Dave Dash Malshin as Kurt, Wood Harris as Gail, Jordi Mala as Castillo, and Michael Douglas as Hank Pym. Peyton Reed directs Marvel's Ant-Man with Kevin Feige producing with Louis D'Esposito. That was the first director of that first Peggy Carter. Mm. Just amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> they didn't fuck up that coffee. Yeah. Um, Waitress was pouring drinks like a pro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Louis- <laughs> Gosh. I can't Who the fuck... <laughs> fuck brings up coffee drinking my god i could never see frank you on this show motherfucker i can't believe some of the twists and turns this show takes when we first started hitting record i did not think that we were going to have a coffee discussion yeah. One of our lengthier discussions this episode. It is. It is. And it was about coffee. Oh, shit. But uh, producing Louis D'Esposito, <laughs> Alan Fine, Victoria Alonso, Michael Grillo, uh, Edgar Wright, and Stan Lee serving as executive producers. Marvel's Ant Man delivers a high stakes, tension filled adventure on July 17, 2015. Um, do you guys want me to, do you guys want to rate it or do you want to give a full breakdown of the trailer first? Oh. Uh- Maybe rate it, then break it down, right? Yeah, I'm with that. Okay, uh, so we'll go ahead and rate the trailer. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give this trailer a taste it. Um, It just didn't have enough for me in it. I really didn't get a good 
thematic feel for this movie from what they gave me. It was hard to really gauge what kind of movie I was getting ready to see. So it didn't look terrible, didn't look spectacular. It's, it's middle road taste it for me. I, uh, I too am going to taste it. For me, it's a little bit more on the high side just because this is uh, the first Marvel property that I thought we could be potentially seeing problems with. And it felt good to be able to see something that looks like it's uh, fun with the action elements, but also funny. Uh, Paul Rudd's uh, response to some things uh, during the teaser, for example. But um, I don't know enough about the character or how he fits into the universe to be able to say, oh my gosh, I'm shitting my pants, i got to give it a Tupperware. So, I mean, it gives me high hopes for a movie that I thought could possibly be a dud. Yeah, we don't know if um, Paul Rudd can drink a beverage correctly yet, right? Yeah, so, that's true. Jory had to freeze it. <laughs> I can't wait for that morning scene when can't he gets his coffee. Can't drink a frozen beverage. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh shit! So yeah, it's a uh, high taste. All right, let's see here. Um, I- I'm not going to rate this movie. I'm not going to rate this trailer. You know, for how I think like the movie is going to perform. Yeah. Overall, I mean. Uh, <sighs> I'm rating this trailer on how it did getting me, the viewer, excited about the movie Ant-Man. Yeah. I kind of disagree, though, with you, Jake, when you said it didn't have enough of the thematics. I think a lot of that was kind of covered by Michael Douglas talking and what they were showing scenes in the trailer. You know, like uh, he goes to prison and, and, and it looks like, you know, Michael Douglas is part of the reason he gets out. I think I think it kind of shows that this is a, a desperate man. They show him looking at his kid and stuff like that. We'll get into the trailer and break it down. I don't disagree down. with that. I just feel like thematically they didn't really show me what kind of movie I was going to get. I mean, Frank's talking about all this hilarious Paul Rudd dialogue. and well, like a couple lines. He's a, a couple lines. He has one line and he goes, eh. He goes, huh? And then later on, can't we do something different with the name? You think yeah, it's too, it late too late to change the name? name? Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't, none of that was really like, I, I don't want a ton of Paul Rod, Rudd dialogue by any means, but I right. just didn't really see like, is this going to be an action comedy? It, it really didn't seem like that at all to me. Yeah, okay. I couldn't really tell what kind of movie this was. So the tone, you don't know where they're going to go with it. Yeah, at yeah. all. Okay. It was really weird to me. It, yeah. seemed, it seemed like very much uh, akin to a lot of the other characters we've seen Paul Rudd play. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've been discussing recently about when you're good at doing a certain thing, keep doing it. I want him to feel natural in the role, not... Forced. I got a little bit of the thematics, though, from, like, you know, just, like, this guy, like, uh, uh, you know, when they first show him... I don't, we'll just break down the goddamn trailer later, and then I'll explain why I saw, why I saw a lot, some of the thematics. Um like I said, I'm not going to rate this like on how I think the movie's going to be overall. When the movie hits the theaters, it could be anything. Toss it, taste it, Tupperware. Mm-hmm. I- I'm not rating. Right. I'm just rating the fucking trailer. This trailer, for me, was a toss it. Yeah, I don't and blame you. It did not show me anything really to get me excited. Like As, as far as like you know, trailers for Marvel go, this is a huge miss, in my opinion. Uh, all the other trailers, they showed me something that really made, it, made me want to see the movies. You know, The Iron Man trailer was just awesome. That first Iron Man trailer, you know, uh, showing the comedy chops of Robert Downey Jr. as he's talking about the Jericho missile and, uh, you know, showing that really cool scene when he's in the fucking, like, uh, the, the cavern, the cave, and uh, the guy shoots him, the bullet ricochets and hit the other dude. I'm like, wow, this is going to be badass, and then you finish it with him flying off, and wow, it just looked amazing. You know, ILM just did a great job with the special effects in that. Um, 
Avengers trailer. It was just amazing. You know what I mean? We're getting an Avengers movie. They held back on the Hulk, which was fine. But I loved that Avengers trailer. You know, Cap, the Winter Soldier, the trailer was awesome. You know, the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer that they showed us was amazing. You had Rocket on the back of Groot firing the guns and then blasting up into space right at the camera. Really cool action scenes. Uh, it gave me chills, that Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. This trailer, it did nothing to really get me excited about the movie. Um, you know, um, I, just, I, th- I think I just expected something a little bit more um, than what they showed us. It, it showed me everything that I kind of expected. A man jumping on the back of an ant and <laughs> flying. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> I wanted a little bit more yeah. from this trailer. Um, in all fairness, though, the Ant-Man trailer has had 29 million views since it debuted, more views in the same amount of time than Guardians of the Galaxy. So, if anything, this movie can thank Guardians of the Galaxy for yeah. all those views, because I think now people are wanting to see anything that Marvel puts out. Yeah, I agree with you. You know what? I think you have caused me to change my mind. This doesn't happen very often. I am going to... Toss this trailer to okay. Wow. You're not tossing the movie. You're just no, ta- I'm not tossing, you're tossing the, the presentation of this trailer and what they showed us. You know, and I, you kind of put it in better words to what I'd already kind of thought, too. There just was no wow moment in this trailer. There really there, wasn't. There wasn't that one moment where I was like, just holy fuck, wow. You know? Yeah. It, it was just, it was really blah. Just like Paul Rudd says in the trailer, eh, Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Eh, it was nothing. Yeah, I, I didn't find anything about it that was off-putting. I, I, it was a teaser. I, it, it's not like the Star Wars. But teaser, I want to understand why you gave it a high taste. It and Frank, it's your opinion. Right, yeah, and, no, and, I, and there's and there's there's people out there that think this is a Tupperware. There's people out there that think it's a tasted or a high tasted. Well, and then there's me and Jake that think it personally. It's a toss. It that it, that it is a Marvel miss from what they've shown us in the past from these other trailers that they've given us. And the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, to be fair, came out a year earlier before the movie was released at San Diego Comic-Con and it, sh- it showed me more to give me chills. Mm-hmm. And the mix of the music, Ooga Chaka, Ooga, Ooga, Ooga Chaka. Right. And just seeing like their lineup and stuff like that and that badass kind of like music showing as yeah. they showed the different characters was so awesome. When you're comparing apples to apples, this falls short, man. Or when you're con- comparing coffee to milk, this falls short for me. I would agree that the examples that you're bringing up are Tupperwares, but it's just I didn't find it. I mean, for this me to toss it, I would have had to have hated it. I watched it a couple of times. I liked it. Um, I've seen got- seven or eight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I watched it three. Sure. Well, we've got uh, a Paul Rudd guy. Uh, he's been, you know, like I said, kind of the same character, a little bit offbeat. And here comes Michael Douglas, who's all serious and dire. And he was the best part of the trailer. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying that he was bad part. Um, His narration he, was really good. When yeah, yeah, he's given this thing like a lot of gravitas. You know, mm-hmm. it's important. Will you do this? And he's like, huh. Well, it. it I just think that we're going to see some kind of a transformation in that character, maybe in the film that he's going to be nonchalant. I, I get this. I get the subtle comedy because you know, like. You know, Hank Pym is giving him like, like, oh, we need you to yeah. be this, and he's like, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. But I get that the subtle comedy, but it just wasn't enough. And 
I'm not just saying like that. That wasn't like it was. It wasn't laugh out loud funny for me. It no. really wasn't. Well, no, but it, it wasn't horrible. But you know, on the flip side, I wanted to see more of what action scenes. I wanted to see more action in this. And yeah, you know what? You can say like, oh, they're holding out. They're not, they're not going to show us Yellow Jacket in full costume right now. You're six, seven months away from this movie hitting theaters. I think you need to show us Yellow Jacket. Yeah, you might as well. You're going to be trying to sell us toys before the movie comes out. Age of Ultron trailer comes out. Did they show us Ultron in that trailer? Yeah. Absolutely they did. If anything needs to show us a villain and get us excited about a villain... It's this movie. In, in other Marvel movies where they've shown us like Ronin, where who wasn't a great villain, this doesn't lead me this doesn't give me any more confidence in that this villain's gonna be anything different than Christopher Eccleston in Thor the Dark World or Ronin in Guardians of the Galaxy, that they can't even show this Corey Stoll as Yellow Jacket. Are we gonna get another fucking villain that's not fleshed out? I understand your concerns, but what I'm thinking as far as like the presentation of it. Uh, like when it's coming out, I got to thinking about this. If time wise, if you were to have released the Ant Man trailer before the Age of Ultron one, Ant Man, as far as a name commercially, isn't anywhere near as big as Avengers or Avengers Two. People are going to be gravitating more toward that. It would have become overshadowed. People it's not when the, it's it. not when the trailer comes out. It's the trailer that I watched. Okay, yeah. I with my that, eyes. I didn't know if that was a part of it or not. No, has nothing to do with it. The trailer that I watched with my eyes and listened with my ears just did not blow me away. I didn't watch no. that trailer and go, holy shit, did you just fucking watch the Ant-Man trailer? Oh my god, I did not expect that. No, it was like, oh, okay. He right. jumped on the back of an ant. He shrunk. I get it. Show me something a little bit more that's going to get me excited. Show me a fucking badass yellow jacket, a villain that I want to get excited about. You know what I mean? And yellow jacket, if, if, if they had an awesome yellow jacket in this movie yeah. that could blow away Ronan, that could blow away Malekith, Holy shit, you guys have just... I'm, now I'm worried that this movie's falling into the same trap, that they're trying to hide certain things about it that I am worried about. I don't want them to have another fucking villain that just is kind of just like, eh, well, he's not Thanos, he's not Ultron, he's not the headliner in one of these big summer tentpole events, so we're just going to give you this fucking bullshit villain like we did with Ronan or like Malekith. You see what I mean? Yeah. They're holding back a little bit. We're only a few months away. I felt like they should have gave us a little bit more right there at the end. Even if they are just really quick clips of explosions and battles on a shrunken level and then just maybe a really quick clip of, like, Yellow Jacket showing up for the first time. Just show us something. Yeah, he's on the back of an ant. He's flying. I get it. Whatever. We didn't even get to see him shrink, for Christ's sake. You did. You did. did When he's he's standing in the tub. Okay. And then he's, like, landing with a backflip Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. But... I mean, I guess what I'm not understanding is like the things that you're saying that you didn't like about it is the stuff that they didn't have in it that they didn't that you didn't see. You know what I mean? Um, to, to, it didn't blow me away either. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, if it if it did, if I was like, oh my god, oh my god, I can't wait to see this, then it would have been a Tupperware. But it's not. The stuff that we didn't see is some of the stuff that I'm worried about, um, and it makes me feel like is Marvel hiding something here? Yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, it, j- that's in. But even if they're not, even, if this movie is a taste it or a Tupperware in the end, or a Tossa in yeah. the end, overall, just I'm just 
just the trailer itself and the presentation and what they showed us for me was a toss it. Yeah. It was a miss comparing it to other Marvel trailers that have come out. I don't know. I'm just accepting it for it's a, a property that I'm not familiar with. It was with just and- fine. Well, no, <laughs> it was just fine. It, as a teaser, as a teaser, it did its job. When it was I, over, I outlawed. I was like, "Well, that was something." As a teaser, it did not do its job, in my opinion. Okay, people that aren't familiar with this character of Ant Man, in my opinion, if they watch this trailer, it does not give me any confidence that they'll be excited for the character. But yeah. not knowing anything about the character, I was watching it, going like, "Ooh, Michael Douglas. Ooh, Paul Rudd. Okay, cool." Yeah, but Brian makes up a good point though. Like every other trailer, I'm fist pump pumping for for the yep. most part. Save like he, like Brian said, Incredible Hulk or maybe another. I, I'm like fist pumping and jumping up and down like an eight year old. And if I anybody's going to put out an awesome trailer, it's going to be MCU. That, yeah. it's going to be Marvel Studios, yeah. right? But and do for- you think then that that's us being too greedy? Like we want it good all the time. Like maybe this could just be a taste at Marvel movie instead of the Tupperwares we've been having, and we're so spoiled that we don't think that. That's what it should be. That it should be as great as everything else. Uh, I think that's a silly argument. That you, you're going to sacrifice quality for what reason? I'm not, ta- not doing I, it intentionally, and I'm not even taking that into account when I watch the trailer. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm not thinking six, seven months ahead. I'm thinking about what I just saw. Well, right. What but, I saw. Well, you have Noel. You also said that that you want to see the villain because we're only so many months away. Sure. So it's the timing of it that's affecting your opinion too. You know what? Uh, well, yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to sway you. I'm just. You're not to, swaying. I know. Me. I'm just trying to defend the fact that I thought it was okay. I didn't walk away saying that. No. I hated when I it. compare this trailer, I'm not going to give this. Yeah. You know what? In answer to your question, am I expecting an amazing trailer from this? Absolutely, because it's Marvel Studios, and they have put out a shit ton of Tupperwares. A studio when they when they this this I think this trailer was lazy. Yeah, and I think this movie needed a knock your socks yes. off trailer. Guardians of the Galaxy sure as fuck did, and they delivered. Yeah. But what if there's no way to provide one because the film is itself isn't going to be? Well, that's a lousy excuse to give it a taste. It though. Well, the movie. How many shitty movies have you seen that have an awesome trailer though, Frank? Right. No, I understand. Knights of Badass them had yeah. an awesome trailer. Was a piece of shit movie. There's Transformers movies. The trailers look pretty awesome sometimes, visually, but when you watch the final movie, it's not the best. It's, it's a taste at it most for Jake, like the visuals and stuff like yeah. that, and that's where it ends. The screenplay is a pile of garbage. This, if it's a great movie, I'm, I'm hoping to see a great trailer, and especially for people that aren't familiar with the Ant-Man franchise, they need something to kind of entice them into getting to the theaters. Marvel can't live just on what they've done in past movies. If they have a shitty movie, it's going to be exposed, and then this will cool off. Yeah, and I think Peyton Root. Peyton Reed was getting like booze and stuff at like Comic Con. He yeah. needed to not. He did not deserve it. He needed to really come out of the gates and prove everyone yes, wrong. With good this point. Great he, point. It's like I would take those booze and be like, "Well, wait till they fucking see this." Yeah, and he gave us. Eh. I know, <laughs> it, it, but is that really is that is that Feige or is that him? You know, I mean, is there a director's cut of, like, what would have been Peyton Reed's trailer? Yeah, hard saying, I guess. Hard saying. But usually it's the director that puts these trailers together for us from the footage that they have finished. It is true. It is true. I had assumed, okay, way back I was thinking that this was going to be, you know, the Marvel's first potential problem. 
And I don't know any backstory of the character. The only thing I know about the Ant-Man property is that it has had problems in production. So it's possible that that's tainting my opinion to see something that I thought was okay. I mean, it's not like I Tupperware it saying, hey, we got to see something. You didn't Tupperware it either. It's no. a high taste yeah, for you. Yeah, it's a taste it. And the reason why it's a high taste it is because Michael Douglas's character, for the brief amount that we see him, seems believable. He doesn't seem cheesy. Just the brief little bit that we saw. Paul Rudd seems like he's Paul Rudd, and that's his natural acting ability, and that's fine. It didn't seem like something that was forced. We did get to see him shrink. Uh, My whole point of like kind of like going off on like why it's a toss it and a taste it for me is I want you to be that voice of the people that loved it and tell us exactly why. So for you, it was it was Michael Douglas's performance in this trailer that yeah, like, really got you excited. You'd mentioned that it was a great voiceover. It, it was. was. It was. I will give it that. And there are things that I did like about this trailer that I will get into after we do our breakdown. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. And then um, there, there was a brief little fight scene where he punches somebody through a wall. So, I mean, I don't know. For a teaser, it was, it was good. I, I, it didn't knock me off my feet, but... I've seen people get knocked through walls in Expendables movies. I've seen people get knocked through walls in Terminator movies. Yeah, but you kind of know it's not Paul Rudd like anything about him and his physique or whatever. I mean, this is going to be a story, from my understanding, is about him kind of transforming his life from being a thief. So he himself, it's the the power within him. It's the possession of the suit. I just didn't leave. Like, yeah, I'm not, we can talk about this all day. But oh, yeah. after all said and done... You got excited when you watched the trailer. It excited you. You were looking forward to the movie. I'm still looking forward to the movie myself. But all I'm saying is after I watched this and I compared it to like the feelings that I had from watching other Marvel trailers, it did not hit me. Right. Marvel set the bar so high that if I get something like this from them, yes, it influences my opinion. And so that's why it's absolutely and they need to keep that going and they just did it was a miss for me gotcha so you guys want to break down the trailer let's do it okay um let's see here at the beginning of the trailer we see paul rudd as scott lang he's surrounded by police um He's dressed in all black Mm -hmm. uh, with a black knit cap on, and it looks like he's dressed for like a burglary. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he's a con man and and an electronics expert in the comics. Um, They then skip to Michael Douglas, who's uh, playing Hank Pym, and he's looking at all these different monitors. On a few of the monitors, it's actually showing Scott Lang's arrest. So Scott Lang already has Michael, uh, has uh, Hank Pym's attention Mm -hmm. um so we're definitely led to believe just from the trailer that uh lang uh is behind this burglary and i think he's burglarizing pym industries and so this is what's going to bring these two together later on in the film makes sense that's pretty much how it happens in the comic yeah Hank Pym uh, invented the Pym particle, which av- allows you to sh- shrink. So he's going to be. I, I hope there's a lot of Michael Douglas in this, at least in the first, you know, uh, in the in the first act of the film. I hope so too. Yeah, me too. Um, we next see Scott Lang released from prison. Um, most likely, he's being released from ha- Hank Pym. They show that interaction between them yeah. as they're talking. Uh, we next see Lang driving away in a van with the Golden Gate Bridge in the background. 
So he looks like he's headed to San Francisco. So he's leaving where he was, headed to San Francisco. Uh, Pim says to Lang that second chances don't come around often. They cut to a scene where Pim is working with something small at a workbench. Then we get a small scene of Scott Lang looking lovingly at his daughter, Cassie Lang, who is smiling back at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the comics, Cassie Lang is very sick, and Scott Lang steals the Ant-Man suit so that he can save her. Uh, there are scenes of an advanced lab next. And then we see Pim opening the door of a secret laboratory. We then get a shot outside of the Pym Corporation. On the building itself, it has what looks like to be, you know, the Pym particle, the DNA yeah, yeah. underneath of it. And it looks like it's set on an island. Yeah, um, I think you're right about that. Yeah. This is the outside of the, uh, of the lab that I talked about earlier, the, the scenes of the advanced lab. So this is that lab. We see actor Corey Stoll, who plays Darren Cross, who will later be Yellow Jacket, which we did not see Yellow Jacket in this trailer. But we see Cross leading a group into a room with technology. Mm-hmm. Um, in this scene, we're led to believe, you know, I think it, it's showing us that, you know, he's going to be taking over PIM Technologies. They're opening up doors that they've probably not been able to have access to. I could see that. Ant-Man has been Yellow Jacket in the comic, uh, as well as Giant Man and Goliath. But in this mm-hmm. movie, Darren Cross is Yellow Jacket. So Darren Cross, according to the article in Entertainment Weekly, is one of Hank Pym's protégés. And once he realizes Hank Pym has the Ant-Man suit, he creates a similar technology, which we'll see in action when he plays Yellow Jacket. Then we see Evangeline Lilly, who will be playing Hope Van Dyne, snooping around in one of Pym's laboratory rooms. She's the daughter of Hank, Ban- of Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp. They next cut to a scene of Scott Lang at his daughter's birthday party. She gives him a hug, and then we see him thinking about something that is weighing on him as they show the Ant-Man costume laying on a table. Mm-hmm. Hank Pym says... I want you to be the Ant-Man, followed by Lang saying, huh? (laughs) Scott Lang is now in full Ant-Man armor while standing in a tub and presses a button on the right glove and shrinks down to the size of an ant. Uh, The helmet also allows Ant-Man to talk to ants, and from the looks of the things that we see in the trailer, he's definitely going to be doing that in this film. Mm -hmm. We get a shot of actor Michael Pena. Uh, who might play a security guard at Pym Corporation. Uh, We see a fly land in front of Ant-Man. Then we see a shot of a prison fight involving Scott Lang. Then a scene of Scott Lang in the Ant-Man armor watching his daughter as she sleeps. Scott Lang putting alcohol on a wound. Then a training-slash-fighting sequence of him uh, training with Hope, uh, which likely tells us she will take the mantle of Wasp later on in the movie universe. That's awesome. Yeah. Evangeline Lilly as Hope Van Dyne, we see her then holding a gun, then Ant-Man running down a hallway, uh, and then we see him shrink later on and jump on the back of a flying ant that takes off. So, um, I mean, on, on, on the trailer side, you know, I mean, me and Jake, there's a lot of things we didn't like. Jake, was there, was there things that you did like in this? Yeah, I mean, the special effects look doable. Mm-hmm. Like, I never was like, oh, the special Nothing looked awful. It's just nothing was exciting. Yeah. It was just, eh, you know? I agree. 
these are the things that I, I did like. The, the shrinking down to the size of an ant scene was very cool yeah. to me. I thought that was very cool, done very well. Uh, Peyton Reed, he did it in a way that when, when Paul Rudd shrunk as Ant-Man so fast, the, it looked like Peyton Reed had directed it so that the camera couldn't even keep up with him. Mm-hmm. So by the time the camera finally caught up with him, he's finally shrunk down. It's like you see him start to shrink, and then they're panning down trying to follow him, and they can't. It happens so fucking quick. Yeah. I thought that was cool, a nice touch. And um, then like by the time it, you see him on the bottom of this tub, I liked just the, the small things, attention to detail. He's at the bottom of this tub, and then the – the blemishes in the tub look like large potholes. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was very cool. And I hope we get to see a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene where the winged ant landed mm-hmm. was exactly the kind of thing that they need in this movie. That was very cool. I want to see more yeah. of that. And I wanted to see more of that. Yeah, but that was one thing I liked. The scale and the size of it, it in the scene, it made it look like a helicopter landing. And like you actually heard like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I thought that was very cool. That they did that. It was almost like a big helicopter landing on that on that small scale. Um, so, I mean, Frank, what other, did there, were there other any other things that I didn't mention that you liked other than the narration, some of the scenes that? Well, like you were mentioning the ant, I thought that was great. Uh, that that's exactly what I've been wanting out of this because that was like the only cool thing that I'd heard up until this point. So it was really cool to get to see that. Yeah, him on the back of the ant. So yeah. Yeah, what would you think of the helmet? The, what, the costume. You like the costume? I don't mind it. Yeah. I don't mind it. Didn't knock me out of my socks, but I don't, I don't toss it either. Yeah. I think, it'll be, I think the, the costume will be a lot cooler when we see it side by side with other characters. Mm, that's interesting. You I, know what I mean? Yeah, that'll be interesting. The contrast see. between that costume with uh, you know, like Iron Man's costume. Yeah. I think that would look cool. Um. Side note, yeah, like I said, uh, the official screenplay for Ant-Man goes to Adam McKay and Paul Rudd, but Edgar Wright will be credited as ex- executive producer. Uh, here's some interesting quotes uh, from the Ant-Man article uh, from Entertainment Weekly. Rudd himself worked on the script with Anchorman director Adam McKay, who also briefly flirted with directing Ant-Man. Uh, the clock was ticking, if the film was still going to meet its July 17th, 2015 release date, Marvel had to find a replacement fast. The studio's collective blood pressure finally dropped after they met with Reed, who had devoured Marvel Comics as a child and has known studio president Feige for more than a decade. Marvel then recruited rising screenwriter team Gabriel Ferrari and Andrew Barr to rewrite and rewrite until everyone was satisfied. Despite all the script drama, Rudd says that he still sees the narrative blueprint right and Cornish creative. He says, the bones of it is really Edgar and Joe. It's been an emotional roller coaster, but I'm very excited now. And finally, in the article, Kevin Feige had this to say about Edgar Wright. It is true that there were disagreements about the direction the script should take. Everything was, uh, everything was above board. Everything was done with everybody else's knowledge. There was a sense of we're going in this direction. You're staying in this direction. Maybe it's best that we end as friends. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Seems like it would make sense. So they're still friends, he's saying, though. That's good. That's what he's saying. I'd like to hear Edgar's side. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I doubt it's quite so pretty. Yeah, I don't think they're like uh, on the phone calling each other <laughs> every day. Yeah, they send each other Christmas cards last month. Right, exactly. So, um, <coughs> talk about what's going to happen on The Walking Dead. <coughs> Shut up, phone. <laughs> now, uh, let's see here. Yeah, your phone's blown up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a Reddit user posted some Avengers Age of Ultron promotional artwork that features the new origins of Vision and Ultron. And uh, for Vision, it says, programmed by the combined geniuses of Tony Stark and Bruce Banner and imparted with the ability to fly. So that kind of like, if this is it, that kind of like uh, throws that theory that Cinema Blend had that it's uh, still Pym and uh, Howard Stark. Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, impa- uh, imparted with the ability to fly, project intense energy beams, and change the density of his form. The Vision has proved himself a worthy hero, aiding the Avengers in their struggle against the evil AI Ultron. And then the Ultron, his Ultron's biography was first discovered as a simple computer program hidden among the ruins of the Chitari invasion of New York. Whoa. So... Yeah, he's definitely not a creation of Hank Pym and uh or Tony Howard. Stark. Well, well, he, yeah, they they what they did was they they took the um Chitari technology and uh made some changes mm. to it. Uh it says the being known as Ultron soon completed its development into a sophisticated artificial intelligence after some experiments by Tony Stark. Ultron's first shocking ultimatum upon gaining consciousness was to declare the human race is enemy, its enemy, setting out to exterminate all life on the planet. The unstable and emotional Ultron seeks to upgrade its mechanical body to an ultimate unstoppable form. Vibranium? Anyone? Yeah. Visit Wakanda. Wakanda? Ah, yeah. Uh, with an army of robotic drones and the ability to enter and corrupt any computer network, Ultron will stop at nothing to see humanity wiped out. So those are those are the origins and biographies for both those characters. Thought that was pretty interesting stuff. That is cool. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that they're still keeping like Chitari shit involved mm-hmm. in Avengers too. Yeah, I'm kind of fascinated by that. Yeah, it, it, it's it's good. I mean, you yeah. know, every, it kind of ties into that first film and how this uh, alien race is still affecting things now. Mm-hmm. So, Vin Diesel keeps teasing Marvel fans. Back in August on Facebook, he posted, "I get the strange feeling that Marvel thinks I'm inhuman." So everybody's saying it's going to be an inhuman. What could that mean? Mm-hmm. Is he part of the Fantastic Four? <laughs> right. <laughs> And then recently he posted a pic of himself, again on Facebook, that had him dressed in black, wearing an Inhuman t-shirt, and behind him the words, Are You Inhuman? There's no official word from Marvel that he'll be in the 2018 Inhumans movie, but fans have been speculating for months that he could be Black Bolt, and I think that black t-shirt kind of helps that, you know, theory. Yeah. If he's going to be in another Marvel movie, he's fucking Black Bolt. Let's yeah. let's not fuck around anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, he's no one else but Black Bolt. Yeah, because he doesn't speak. He looks like the part. Gotcha. I mean, he looks the part. I I think it's fun that you know this is just something that Vin Diesel does. This is something he does, and I think it's fun. But I think it's smart of Marvel not. 
is it smart of Marvel not to say that he's Black Bolt? I mean, do you think that uh, if he came out and said, I'm playing Black Bolt in the Inhumans movie, do you think it would help people watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a little bit more with all the Inhuman stuff they're doing? Yeah, I think it, may, it possibly could. Yeah. yeah, if I found out there was something that was tied into a movie, I'd start watching it. Especially if you're a Vin Diesel fan, you know what I mean? Maybe yeah. a fan of the Marvel movies in general. It might be a good time to jump on board for uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Could be, yeah. yeah. So, Lots of rumors we may see a bunch yeah. of crazy stuff happen in the second half of that. I think, yeah, yeah. I, I think we're all calling it, though, that he's going to be Black Bolt. Yeah, come on now. Come yeah. on now. <laughs> Let's talk about the Marvel Netflix series Daredevil, but this is uh, where I'm going to go back and I'm going to read that uh, email from Huey Cox. Uh, let's see here, Huey. Where's your email? Hi, Leftovers. What two Netflix heroes would you want to see in Civil War? And which side would they join? I know it's unlikely, but I'd like to see Hell's Kitchen representative, uh, representative, represented, God, I can't say that word, represented. There you go. In one of the films. My choices would be Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Daredevil would join Cat because he needs to keep his secret identity. Jessica Jones would join Tony because she's seen the hazards of a superhero life. Love to hear what you think, Huey Cox. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, I definitely agree with Daredevil, but I'm on the fence about Jessica Jones joining Tony Stark. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. He'll so definitely I, have repercussions through those worlds. Yeah. I have to. I could see if Jessica Jones had her baby and everything, like in the comic, how she would do anything to keep the kids safe and make right. side with Tony Stark for that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, this would have to happen in Civil War, but is that script completed? It's the Civil War script? Yeah. I bet, I would say more than 50%. They do reshoots and they add shit all the time. Yeah, yeah. This could be one of those things that they add. I think there's, I, I, I think they're still waiting to see how the Daredevil stuff is going to perform on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, we do know, and we're going to talk about that. There's rumors that Daredevil, the TV show, the events of that happen uh, before Age of Ultron. Mm, I've heard that too. Okay. So that's that's interesting. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, I don't know, man. Yeah, I definitely. If they're going to throw uh, two of those characters in there, uh, I'd like to see. Um, I, I personally would like to see um, Daredevil and Luke Cage. Luke Cage played a big role in Civil War. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Yeah. So I would like to see Luke Cage. Who's, and, my, other, who's and my other choice? What did he do? He like, he like Didn't he grab fucking Tony Stark by the throat and shit? Yeah. In Civil War? I'm pretty sure. That was a pretty powerful scene in the comics, and I think I'd like to see that played out on the, on the big screen. Yeah, that's a good one. Who are the other Netflix characters? That, who's the one we're missing? Iron Fist. Iron Fist, yeah. I, we don't need to see him in Civil no, War. No, I don't need that either. All right, yeah, but we are going to be talking about some of the new things that are being talked about when it comes to this uh, Daredevil um, TV show, uh, the Marvel Netflix series. It'll drop. It's official. The rumor was May 1st, but... It's official. April 10th at 12.01 a.m. Wow. All 13 episodes being dumped on us. Jake is like, fuck, no. Ah. Damn it. Netflix's Ted Sarandos gave some details about the Marvel Netflix series that will be coming out. Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and Jessica Jones. Each Marvel Netflix series will be roughly one year apart. 
with the amount of time between each series ranging from 8 to 15 months. Hmm. We're not trying to hit a fall programming schedule or a grid or, or hit a grid number. We want to give them enough room and enough time to make a great show. I don't want to set up a rigid timetable. <sighs> Maybe that? none of these characters are introduced in Civil War mm-hmm. because... Maybe they don't have plans for two of the characters to be involved. They got plans for all of them to show up, and we might be looking at Infinity Wars. Yeah, that could be very possible. With 8 to 15 months apart, I'd have to look at the calendar. But if that's, you know, what the the timetable that they're looking at, and if any of these shows go out to 15 months, some of these characters might not be, and, and their stories might not be complete yet in the Marvel Netflix series if they cross over. So it, it, it might cause too much confusion for the Civil War and, and the shows to introduce them that early in Civil War. And something that... To, Does that make sense? It makes sense. To make a point on uh, your side from what we were talking about uh-huh. earlier with how things are released, without having to follow the trends as far as like uh, ratings week uh-huh. and shit... The the shows can come out organically in retrospect to all the other things that they wanted to tie into. So it doesn't have to be shoehorned into somebody else's schedule or be X amount of episodes. It yeah. just gets to be whatever they want it. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather see like a, a self-contained stories that that uh, do you think there's going to be a lot of easter eggs in the like uh i do i do actually we're going to get one of these a year that's what i'm trying to wrap my head around they now. don't know they said they're you're going to get anywhere from 8 to 15 months apart they don't want to set up a rigid timetable they want these to be the best shows possible so it's not like they're saying this next show's got to come out 8 months from now they're saying you know what we want to put out the best show possible it could be 8 it could be 15 yeah. So it makes me skeptical that we're ever going to see a season two of any of these shows, though. I'm going to talk about, yeah, like, could we see multiple seasons? He addresses this. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question, Jake. Uh, yeah, the most intriguing, yeah, and this leads us right into it. The most intriguing news emerging would be the fact that each of these Marvel Netflix series are eligible for additional seasons. Uh, he says they're all eligible to go into multiple seasons for sure, and we can we contemplate that they will. Okay. Uh, so what will constitute these shows going multiple seasons? This is what Sarandos had to say. Definitely, and how well we are addressing both the Marvel fan base, but also the broader fan base, who may or may not ever get into one of these series because of their own preconceived notions. One thing we have is a really great history of combining the personalized merchandising and the subscription model that allows people to be a little more adventurous about what they watch we may find that an audience way broader than the typical Marvel audience will try and fall in love with these shows and with the Marvel brand, and it will be universe-expanding for Marvel 2. Hmm. So what do you think about that? I yeah, mean, That's I, interesting. I think it just sounded like a bunch of hyperbole, though. They're just wanting to see how these shows perform. Yeah. You know, on this level. Yeah, and well, uh, something like Agent Carter, I mean, that can be done too. They can either keep it going or they could just cap it. I hope they just cap it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just as an example. I mean, they can have uh, a story set up to where it could go either way. I just like how this, I just want them to fill in the one gap. The one gap for me is like, you know, what, what did Agent Carter do on some of these missions? If I want to see her missions like uh, in the future, 
I want Marvel. I want to see him in comic book. I want Marvel to, to, to make whatever amends, if they do need to make amends, through Ed Brubaker and be like, Ed, could you please come back and do an Agent Carter comic book for us? Mm. And that's where this could live on because Ed Brubaker's killing it with the spy shit. He did such great things for you know Captain America and the Bucky story and like over at Image now with Velvet and the 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 fade out. He's doing a great job. This is right up his alley. It's set in the forties. I think this would be a book that he would love to do. You all right there? Yeah, I got like something in my eye. Sorry. You want me to pause? Oh yeah, give me a second. Yeah, I'll pause. Sorry. This here's a champ for all the fellas. Try to do what those ladies tell us. Get shot down because you're overzealous. Play hard to get females, get jealous. Okay, smarty, go to a party. Girls are scantily clad, a showing body. A chick walks by, you wish she could sex her, but you're standing on the wall like you was Poindexter. Next day's function, high-class luncheon. Food is served in your stone-cold munching. Music comes on, people start to dance, but then you ate so much, you nearly split your pants. A girl starts walking, guys start gawking, sits down next to you and starts talking. Says she want to dance because she likes the groove, so come on, fat so and just bust the move. All right, and the wife did say that it was my daughter that was crying when you left the room. Oh, really? Yeah. Aww. I feel bad. Well, she does that whenever we leave the room at all, like if it's just to go to the bathroom real quick and we'll be right back or even just on the other side of the Just like, people kitchen. leaving a room. Yeah, she she, she throws a fit. She's like, eh, and I've seen her throw fits where she falls down on the ground like great big drama queen. Just, eh. Right. <laughs> I'm recording. Should I keep this in? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. I was going to say, show her the Incredible Hulk walking away scene. She'll probably lose her shit. Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow, this sounds so much better. Yeah. It, it sounded really echoey before. Yeah, there's something something up. I think yeah. the, I don't think the earlier stuff in the episode sounded... No, terrible. the earlier stuff is fine. I yeah. think it was just when I unplugged everything. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so we're, <laughs> we're back. Yeah, we are. Might as, <laughs> might as well be. All right, so um, let's see here. Oh, man. You know what? Should I? Yeah, let me just blaze through this. Okay. Uh, Entertainment Weekly had an article about the new Daredevil series on Netflix and posted seven things that they have learned about the series, and here they are. All right. We can talk about them at the end if there's anything we want to talk about, but I think people need to be informed. Number one, Daredevil will be a uniquely localized Marvel story. Unlike the globe-trotting Avengers or S.H.I.E.L.D. gang, Matt will stick to his hometown. Within the Marvel Universe, there are thousands of heroes of all shapes and sizes, but the Avengers are here to save the universe, and Daredevil is here to save the neighborhood, Loeb said. Uh, Yeah, Jeff Loeb. Um, It's a very unique look at Hell's Kitchen in New York, where Matt Murdock grew up and continues to defend it from people who would harm the people that live there. Number two, Daredevil will feel like a crime story, not a superhero show. We really wanted to take our cue from films like The French Connection, Dog Day Afternoon, Taxi Driver, and make it very, very grounded, very gritty, very real, the Knight said. We also say we would – oh, the Knight is the showrunner for Daredevil. 
We also uh, say we would rather lean towards The Wire than what's considered a classic superhero television show, so the TV show The Wire. Mm. Uh, Loeb said there aren't going to be people flying through the sky. There are no magic hammers. Number three, but Thor and Iron Man will still exist in the same world as Daredevil. It does take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Loeb said. It's all connected. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we would look up in the sky and see Iron Man. It's just a different part of New York that we have not yet seen in the Marvel movies. Number four, Daredevil. The, this Daredevil is not a man without fear. The comic book character is famous, famously a man without fear, which is ch- a challenge for a... Di- for a dramatic series because a protagonist who isn't afraid of anything would be pretty dull to watch someone who does not have fear literally does not experience fear is not that interesting cox agreed thankfully he has a workaround the way i like to think about it is that he is a man with fear but he on a daily basis decides to confront that fear and to overcome it so the title of the man without fear is almost the title that the public in his world gives him just because of what he does. But inside himself, he's very afraid at times, and he finds a way to confront those fears and punch through it. Number five, Daredevil will have, will have more graphic content than Marvel's other TV shows, and perhaps its movies as well, but will still feel relatively family-friendly. Tonight's last project was the famously hard ra- R-rated Spartacus on Stars, and Netflix doesn't have the content restrictions faced by Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, yet Daredevil won't take too much advantage of its unrestricted boundaries. When I came onto this, there was no way I wanted to make this hard R or NC-17, tonight said. I don't think the material warrants that. It is a little grittier than and edgier than Marvel has gone before, but we're not looking to push it to the extreme, extreme graphic violence, gratuitous nudity or, nudity or anything like that. The story does not require that and I think would suffer if you pushed it that far. Number six, Kingpin's story will be almost as important as Daredevil's and almost as sympathetic. This season is about both the rise of the hero and the rise of the villain, Loeb said. Detailed tonight, Fisk has very many different aspects, so it's not at all, I want to conquer the city and make a lot of money. In our story, we tell the story of how he met his wife, Vanessa, and how they fall in love. Our antagonist actually has a love story. That's the love story you're following, the one you're invested in. And seeing how that affects him and changes him, I think Vincent D'Onofrio just brings such depth to it. His performance, it's just astounding. Number seven, contrary to previous, previous online reports, Bullseye might be in the series, but not this season. Colin Farrell's performance as the villainous sharpshooter was arguably the best part of the Daredevil movie, so some fans were disappointed to hear the character won't be in the series. But tonight says he's not ruling him out. I wouldn't say there's no plans to include the character in the series, he said. It's not to say he wouldn't be in the series at some point, but I think if you just try to jam in too many characters, it just becomes a mess. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I, know, I know. I know exactly I know, what you're thinking. I know you do. <laughs> 
Just say it. I was say note to Zack Snyder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Bullseye's story was told in the last iteration of Daredevil that anybody saw. My feeling was, why repeat it? And honestly, if you're looking for a juicy, multifaceted crime drama, Wilson Fisk was the obvious choice to play the antagonist. Bullseye is a little more cut and dry. Not to say you couldn't make him fantastic over 13 hours, but Fisk really felt like the right yin to the yang for Matt. And for what we wanted to do this season, that's that's what they're wanting to do. So this is, um, what did you guys take from this? Was there anything that you wanted to kind of? Well, I kind of, I kind of let myself forget that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was playing Kingpin. Wow. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's nice to remember that. Yeah, I'm super yeah. excited about that. Yeah. Um, interesting. You know what they were saying about the whole man without fear? It's not interesting yep. thing. I, you know, I always took it the same way in the comic book. Anyway. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a silly quote. It, he, even in the comic book, it's always just a moniker. It's never really like an actual 100% statement of truth. Right. It's like, no, medically, psychologically, I can't experience the feeling of fear. Yeah, it's not like his superpower like excludes him from right. feeling fear. It's just because he can't see, then he can jump <laughs> off these crazy heights. Right. And Yeah, it's because he's blind and he's, ju- and he's yeah. doing acrobats. I think yeah. that's kind of where it comes from. He's even felt fear in this last uh, run by Mark Wade. Uh, where he fought somebody that had his abilities but also had their sight. I mean, he felt fear in that story. So, you know. Definitely. He, wow. he feels fear in a lot of stories. And this war- – okay, guys. It's, you got to think about it this way. If, if Marvel purists are out there and they're thinking, no, he should not have any fear – it does not work or make for an interesting TV show. This is perfect for the TV show format. There has to be con- consequences, and yeah. there has to be some yeah. cor- some kind of a conflict with the character within himself. And this makes perfect sense. I, I like how they're setting it up. Otherwise, the show wouldn't be interesting. Yeah, I mean, Marvel purists know better, though. They I mean, should. That's not the case. It's well, not the man there's, without fear. Literally, there's some people that are they think like Drax. Yeah. Like, he's the man without fear. They're oh, thinking right. literally. I uh, I I really like how this is being presented on Netflix because with with a film, you almost have to try to compete with you know the other A listers in the Marvel universe. Yeah. But as as a miniseries it doesn't have to. In the in the show even it takes place in its own little neighborhood. Yeah. Like like they said, Murdoch's trying to save his neighborhood, not the yeah. world. And it, it helps to do that by separating itself by not having to have the big budget and trying to worry about getting butts in seats. I think it's the best way to tell a story as opposed to try to make like an action set piece. That's I think a- it does have a pretty moderately good budget though, actually. Really? I'm not I'm not familiar with the I don't budget. think it's by any means a low budget show. Yeah, I'm not saying it's cheap to make. Typically, TV shows are less expensive. Well, yeah, you feature film more very much so. Very correct. Very much so, Frank. But I think it's on the high end of television budgets. Yeah, it could be more so than the low. Yeah, end. Uh, but but what Frank is, I think what you're saying is like from what you know they were saying from uh, the showrunner, his thoughts tonight. He was saying, don't expect superheroes flying around. Right, expect exactly. Expect a very grounded and gritty thing. Which, yeah. That kind of ties into the low-budget thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. Um, they have to have somewhat of a good budget, though, like on the flip side of what you were saying, Jake, to get a guy like Vincent D'Onofrio to come in there and do 13 episodes. Sure. Yes. But if you're going to have your budget somewhere, that's where you'd want it to be. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it'll be a good-looking show, though. I think on, on a production level, I think some money's been spent here. Yeah. All right. I just don't think we're going to see a lot of over-the-top stuff. I 100% agree. I, like I said, like you know, like like he, tonight said, and like you're saying, Frank. I don't. We're not going to see superheroes like Iron Man flying around. No. Um, you know, we may get like 
they may we may get one huge explosion. Right. Well, it could be very much like Agent Carter. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get very little CG, if any. And, I, you know, I understand that that's going to make it cheaper and everything. But I still think production values are going to be real top-notch here. Yeah, I don't think it's going to appear cheap. Yeah, but, you know, on the flip side, it is TV, and uh, I think the budget will get a little bit bigger if it is a success. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, because the Walking Dead's budget's grown by a lot. Yeah. And they're making good use of it with the uh, practical effects there. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought they actually cut the Walking Dead's budgets. They AMC did in the a second bit. season, didn't they? Yeah, I'm not sure how if it's followed up with each season getting less and less and less. Oh, but I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if that's the case. But I think you're right. In the second season, they did cut the budget a little bit. But you know, they also on the flip side thought that this was just going to be a six episode thing, right? And then it, be, it blew up, and then they went from the sixth season, ha- uh, the second season, having more episodes. Yeah. So. I think it's I I'd, I'd have to double check, but I think it did start to grow back the other way, especially when they started implementing uh, the behind the scenes stuff into the Talking Dead, where they'd show you a lot of the stuff that they were doing and working on. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Once you get to season five on any on any show, the budget's going to start to inflate just based on keeping the actors around every season. Too. Yeah, true. that's true. True. Yeah, contract discussions come up, yeah, and yeah, yeah, that's going to do it. Uh, in an interview with the Wall Street Journal, actor Benedict Cumberbatch, who has been cast as Doctor Strange in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, talked about the new movie and if it was a risk to do this film. He said, I don't think it's a risk because of Marvel. Marvel is a stable of bringing out ordinary comic characters and turning them into screen-like gods. It's very different. It's an astral plane. Mm. There's a huge new element to this Marvel Universe that's going to be employed in building this story and this character. But, you know, I'm really excited about it, about working with Scott, whose imagination is endless, talking about Scott Derrickson, and all the things... And, I, and all the boys and girls at Marvel who know what they're doing. I've got a few things to get under my belt first. I've got to do that little stage production of Hamlet in the summer and the Christmas special of Sherlock, which we start shooting in about three days' time. Yeah, that's there. Um, it's, I think it's interesting that he used the words astral plane. Yeah, that oh, is yeah. interesting. Uh-huh. It means he's getting into his character. Getting into his character. And, of course, you know, Strange you know, practices in astral projection. So. Yeah, you see that a lot. A lot of yeah. times Strange will be in a comic and you never even see his physical body. Right. That's cool. Uh, he was asked about uh, the Ancient One, which we're hearing Marvel is looking at casting someone. And the names being tossed around are Morgan Freeman, mm. Bill Nye, and Ken Watanabe. Hmm. And they asked him about filming in the Himalayas, and he said, ah, you have to wait and see. I'm not going to be eked out on any spoilers or reveals now. He must have learned a lot from J.J. Abrams. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Working in Into Darkness. It's quite a way off, but I'm very excited about the spiritual dimension, obviously. It's something that's been a huge part of my life. He was asked if he read Marvel uh, Marvel Doctor Strange comics growing up as a kid, and he said, growing up, no. I didn't read many comics at all. Asterix a bit. I think that was it. There weren't many comics in my household. I'm so deprived. We didn't have Marvel so much, but you can bet your bottom dollar I'm reading them now, avidly. Nice. Yeah, that... I mean, let's. We everybody gave Hugh Jackman a pass. I mean, he had never heard of the X Men before, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I mean, uh, we gave him a pass, and he dove into those Wolverine comics. Definitely. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, oh, what was I going to say about what, what you just said about that? 
You want me to repeat something? No, I had so I was. I'm. I'm a. I'm brain dead this episode no no we cannot have this <laughs> i thought of something but then it just totally like went away from me it's a little bit like uh the heath ledger joker you know what i mean like maybe you maybe you didn't see it coming could be really good cover batch of strange you're a coulda woulda shoulda guy frank you're always you're a glass is half full no you? i always thought i was the piss no no I don't oh. think so. You're definitely half full. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, you usually see the better side of most everything, yeah. it seems Jake like. Jake and I are kind of... Jake is jaded a lot. <laughs> yeah. jaded he loves Jake. to toss shit. I'm kind of skeptical on a lot of stuff. Yeah. So... Mm. Yeah. We need... I just... No, this is... Okay, Jake, we got to have you back. I'm trying. I, I was going to say something about Cumberbatch and the strange stuff, but it totally just escaped my mind. I, I cannot remember it for the life of me. Yeah. Oh, it was about the ancient one. Yes, the ancient one. And but, then I did not want to see uh, Morgan Freeman get that role. That seems so tropey to he's me. He's already played God. Yeah, it just seems right? so tropey. Yeah. That was the first thing I thought of when you said some of the shots are in Himalayas. I like Ken Watanabe. I like that, too. I like yeah. that choice a lot. I hope they get Ken Watanabe in there. That'd be cool. What was the other choice? The uh, Bill Nye? Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. too. The yeah. science guy? No. <laughs> not, Bill, not Bill Nye. Oh, I thought that's what you said. In the Pirates movies, he played the guy with all the tentacles. Was that Davy Jones? Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. He's been in a lot. He was he's also been, in uh, yes. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jeremy Renner took to Husay page on the internet and posted artwork of an archer, who we all assume is Hawkeye, of course. Green Arrow? and he left this message Tuesday morning I find myself in costume again I just can't tell you why and it still fits they are shooting some reshoots for Age of Ultron Mm -hmm. but I don't think that's what he's talking about here no no I don't think so either a few episodes ago I I talked about how Clark Gregg posted that pic of Coulson pointing a gun at Hawkeye Mm -hmm. who was holding his bow and an arrow pointed right back at Coulson I believe that Renner will show up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this season at some point. I know he's teased being in Civil War, but that movie is not yet shooting. This is something that he just put the costume on for now. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a safe bet. We're going to see Renner on S.H.I.E.L.D. I think I, that lines up perfectly. Yeah, agreed. No wonder he's not worried about a feature film for Hawkeye. Yeah. And with TV, they're still filming those last, like, four or five episodes of the season still. Absolutely. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm excited. <laughs> you guys think I wouldn't be because I'm such a Renner hater. <laughs> yeah, that is exciting. He does drink his coffee properly. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely excited to see him on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. if that is what's happening. That'd be cool. Uh, they are testing actors and actresses for the roles of Cyclops and Jean Grey. And according to Latino Review... The lead candidates for Cyclops are Taron Edgerton, the lead in Kingsman. Okay. Ty Sheridan from Mud, which is a Matthew McConaughey movie I have not seen. Mm-hmm. Joe, a Nicolas Cage movie I have not seen. And The Tree of Life, a Brad Pitt movie I have not seen. <laughs> Jamie Blackley uh, from If I Stay, uh, the Chloe Grace Moretz. Is that, no, is that her? Yeah. Yeah, that's her. And then uh, he was also in Snow White and the Huntsman. For Jean Grey, uh, they are Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. Sarah from Hannah and the Grand Budapest Hotel. And for Storm, there's a new name popping up here, actresses Alexandra Shipp 
from Drumline and the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. Really? Oh. And Zendaya Coleman from Disney Channel's Zapped. So it looks like they aren't really targeting anybody with any talent at all <laughs> to play Storm. Yeah, from the Alvin and, and the Chipmunk movies and the girl from Zapped. Right. I didn't even, I mean, are we talking like a remake or are we talking like the Scott Bayo bullshit from the early 80s? No, the Alvin and the Chipmunks? Zapped. Oh, zapped! No, oh, not that movie. Yeah, no, I don't know. It's some Disney it's XD some Disney channel show. Yeah, okay. I don't know if it was related. Yeah, I don't know. Um, any of these names that you guys are excited about for any of these characters? Mm, not really. Not even Sophie Turner for Jean no. Grey. I am one hundred percent behind this Taron Edgerton as Cyclops. One hundred percent. From what I've seen of him in the Kingsman, I haven't seen. All I've seen is the trailers, but I think this could be a really good young Cyclops. Right. Yeah. I uh, regarding Sophie Turner, even though I'm a fan of Game of Thrones, uh, we haven't really seen a lot out of her character. We could this next season, uh, based on how last season ended, without spoiling anything. Yeah. Uh, but we haven't yet, and I, I've seen her audition tapes from Game of Thrones, and I mean, granted, that was several years ago now, but they weren't that Im- impressive. How old is she as an actress? Oh, I want to say she's oh easy like twenty two. Yeah, I think Frick's right on it. Just slightly older than Maisie Williams, who's seventeen or eighteen. Okay. Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah, I I think um, what's the guy's name from Secret Service or the uh, Taron Edgerton? Yeah, I think he could be interesting. I want to wait and freeze that until I see Secret Service. That's a good. Kingsman. That's a good. Yeah, very good, very good. I, I'm also gonna freeze it. Yeah, I like, that's but not, I'm not instant tossing it, you know. Either no, I mean right. me neither. Um, I don't know anything about it. So Sarah Sronin, um, I like that choice for Jean Grey. Um, would have been a little bit happier with with some of the original actresses that they were talking about uh, when they were talking about Chloe Moritz Grace. I think I would have liked her in there as uh, Jean Grey. Would have given her a little bit, a little bit attitude. You yeah, know? a little yeah. bit of an edge. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would have liked her in there as that role. I mean, I know she already played Hit Girl, but man, she was so good in the fucking Equalizer too. I mean, I'd love to see her as uh, Jean Grey, and she's. I just think she's a she's a gorgeous actress, a gorgeous young actress, and I, I think she would be really good in the X Men universe. And they need some big names, and I think you know she is. She's. I don't know if she's a list, but man, you know a lot Definitely of people B. know her. Yeah. yeah, she's she's well on her way up. Yeah, she's kind of used uh, kick ass to kind of fund herself, I suppose. Yeah, and then some of these other things like uh, you were mentioning, uh, if I stay, like yeah. it's letting her spread her wings a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like I said, Equalizer, she's really good in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, maybe she does want to stay away from superhero type casting, though. Hard to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's quite possible. <laughs> um, was was Kick Ass Two that much of a disappointment? You think? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think financially it was kind of a big bust. So you think that uh, her agents probably like no? Nah. But what if Marvel came to Colin? Oh, I think that's a different story. <laughs> You're probably not going to see her using that sonic thing to make people shit and vomit themselves, though. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, she can give it. I think if she's going to keep acting, <laughs> she's got time to, to be a superhero later on in her that career. That was a kick-ass, Yeah. Too. Yeah. I think 10 years between the two and the hit girl shit doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I, I guess I'm not... Ben Affleck and uh, Batman. I mean, I don't know if time has elapsed enough for some people to be happy about it. Oh, but, God. Everyone was Daredevil this, Daredevil that. Yeah, so yeah. probably not. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, it's not like... It, uh, one of the best parts of those movies were Hit Girl, though. Yeah. Yes. I definitely agree with that. That's true. So, um, Taron Edgerton... He was asked after a screening of The Kingsman, an early screening. The movie doesn't come out till February. But in a Q&A for this screening, he was asked about the rumor just hours later after the rumor came out by somebody uh, in attendance there. And this is what he had to say. I really can't comment on the Cyclops thing. I'm not really sure what's going on there or where that rumor came from. But my friend Nicholas Holt plays Beast, and he says that's very fun. Of course, everyone would like to play a superhero, but this is by no means me saying I would like to go to play Cyclops. So I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, he's just like, oh, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Thank you for asking. When but. he first said, though, I really can't comment on the Cyclops thing, Yeah, I kept thinking back, like, wow, that sounds like Chadwick Boseman when they kept asking him about Black Panther. <laughs> but everything else he said kind of made me believe that it's not something that's really... yeah. I, when you write it, I had this, yeah. the first sentence. I kind of like you were thinking up. that those, and then as yeah. you went on, I was like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, according to the rumor by Latino Review, he's the front runner for for Cyclops. Is who the studio wants, <laughs> right? Gotcha. Oscar Isaac. He talked about playing Apocalypse and X Men Apocalypse to MTV, and I wanted to play the audio of what he had to say. So this, since this one takes place in the 80s and Apocalypse takes place in the 80s, are you basically just keeping the same wardrobe for X-Men Apocalypse? <laughs> that coat would look amazing on Apocalypse, It's pretty right? strong, right? Just add some blue and gray on there. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen any, since we last talked, have you seen any costume stuff? I've seen a couple little things. A okay. couple things. You're liking what you're seeing? Yeah, scary <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> Scary <laughs> You're ready to scare me and scare the hell out of the X-Men? Oh, yeah, man. I'm going to bring them down to their knees is what he's going to do. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an ama- it's amazing. Yeah, I'm so excited about everything that's gonna happen. Wow, I love his excitement yeah. for playing Apocalypse. He no sounds shit. like he's having a great time. Scary yeah. shit, he says. Yeah, he can't right. even contain himself. So. I'm gonna bring the X Men down to their knees. Yeah, yeah, that so. sounds good, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I kind of got into a little bit of not an argument, but with uh, Devin Ferrasi of Badass Digest. Are you telling me this about Apocalypse not being a good X Men villain? Yeah, he said. Uh, yeah, they're making they're incorporating two of the worst characters in the X Men universe into their own movies, X Men Apocalypse, and he's talking about the villain Apocalypse. That's crazy. And then followed it up with Gambit, which I mean, I guess he's one for two on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I kept I, I I tweeted him back and I said I said that uh, I'm sorry, but Age of Apocalypse is one of the best comic book events ever in X Men history. And he tweeted me back and said that not for Apocalypse. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, he's pretty much the catalyst for everything that happens in that whole fucking comic. Yeah, yeah. Apocalypse is a pretty great villain. Yeah, the Four Horsemen are pretty awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's scary even in the uh, the uh, cartoon, early '90s cartoon that came out. Whenever he's on, I mean, he's not like one of your tropey village villains that you beat up and then they come back. I mean, he's always like when they're in a fight, it you feel the danger. Yeah, I agree. He's in the top tier of X Men villains, in my opinion. Yeah. So Devin Farasi, I respect you, but I don't agree with you there. 
We do agree about Gambit, though. That's going to be yeah, tough to pull Gambit, off. Yeah. I think Gambit's a terrible character. I don't. Some people love him, but yeah, I like that he has a passion for it, supposedly. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the rap. This is real quick news. The rap is reporting that T.J. Miller and Ed Skrein of Game of Thrones and the Transporter Legacy will be in the Deadpool movie with Ryan Reynolds. Mm. I like T.J. Miller a lot. He was. Who does he play? Uh. In what movies? Game of Thrones. No, Ed Scrime. Oh, oh. Oh, gotcha. T- yeah, so who, who is Ed Scrime? Do you guys know? No, I, I have no idea. Okay. But uh, T.J. Miller in this Deadpool movie? Okay. Do we not already have enough comedy with Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool that we need to put T.J. Yeah. Miller in there? <laughs> Little worried about that. He's, he's so off-the-wall freaking cheesy. I mean, it could, it could be a comic booky kind of thing, but... Maybe he could die again like he did in Transformers. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What you got, man? I can't find anything. Oh, about Ed Skrein? Yeah. Yeah. I must be spelling the name wrong. Hmm. Uh, S-K-R-E. Uh, K. I was using the C. S-K-R-E-I-N. Ed Skrein. Yeah, so. I don't know. I don't know. How could they use T.J. Miller in this movie? Is this guy? Lots. Oh, it's um, Dario. It's it's one of the Prince Dario. Oh, he's a big nobody. Wow, in Game yeah, of he is. He's already been replaced. Yeah, he's a former. He's a former Dario. They and, recast the guy. because yeah. they didn't like it. I mean, really, they didn't even yeah. have the decency to kill him off. They just flat out said, "You're not fucking good enough." So we're going to have this guy take your part. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He's the first Dario that was replaced by a second Dario. So. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And the character's so minor and insignificant anyway that it's pretty like, wow. You yeah. must have really sucked that you couldn't even play that. <laughs> Who's the actor that replaced them? I forget his name. Yeah. Oh, it'd be hilarious if the rap reported next week that Ed Skrein has been. Replaced by that. She'd <laughs> be like, "God damn it!" <laughs> you know what they're gonna do? Fucking Isaac and Aruda. They're gonna start tweeting this guy. It's gonna be like a whole other fucking Cudmore situation. <laughs> oh God, Daniel Cudmore. Oh, Daniel Cudmore. Poli- got- I apologize in advance. <laughs> but hey, you know that this might give his career another boost. Yeah, yeah. Film reporter Jeff Snyder recently tweeted about a rumor about the new Josh Trank-directed, Matthew Vaughn-produced Fantastic Four movie and when we might see a trailer, he tweeted, 95% certain that we'll get our first look at Fantastic Four during the Super Bowl, which was also used to launch Fox's, uh, Fox, the Fox uh, Josh Trank Chronicle movie. Hmm. So, you know, I I don't know if this is true at all. You know, I don't know if Jeff Snyder has, like, an inside track to all this. Um, Maybe he knows firsthand, you know, like that it is going to drop during the Super Bowl. Or he's just, like, you know, calling his shot based on the fact that Trank used the Super Bowl to drop the Chronicle trailer. Uh, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Super Bowl has traditionally been used for such things. We got our Iron Man Man trailer in the Super Bowl and everything. So possibly. Possibly. But Latino Review had an article recently, and they don't believe this uh, news. They said, I'm hearing we will not get a preview with the Super Bowl. Repeat 
no Super Bowl Fantastic Four trailer is what I'm hearing. Wow. They're saying that's what they're hearing. Yeah. Uh, that's not indicative of anything, really. Much more important is that they've announced the date for Fantastic Four 2, which suggests someone has seen enough of Josh Trank's reboot to think it's going to work. I loved Chronicle, but and I love Matthew Vaughn. Yeah. But on the flip side, guys, this is... What has Josh Trank done since Chronicle? Nothing. Yeah, what have you done for me lately? Not shit. This is the exact same situation of Gareth Edwards doing Godzilla, which I didn't like the movie, but from a financial standpoint, Godzilla performed really, really well. And same thing with this uh, Jennifer uh, Kent that did The Babadook. Performed performed really well after she did like a short film. Uh, you know, Josh Trank did a full feature film, a found footage film that could have been shit. And Chronicle was actually a fun watch. And uh, so I, it's, man, I don't know what to think about this fucking Fantastic Four movie. I'm not going to get into it too much. We've talked about it so many times at length. Yeah, but, at this point, we're kind of like, we don't know what more to say until they give us something. Just give us something. So, yeah. The Ant-Man debate settled. We got the Ant-Man trailer before Fantastic Four. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic Four wouldn't have to try, to try too hard to have a more exciting trailer than the Ant-Man trailer. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's what they were waiting for. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, they're gonna, maybe right now, after they saw that Ant-Man trailer, maybe they think that they can put something better out there for us so they can, they can clip together some footage, even though the movie might be complete shit. We've seen some great trailers, smoke and mirrors with marketing magic. There you go, exactly. I think of a lot. A lot of it is they need to have a thing that they can actually show us, and until they get to that point, yeah. post production, they're not going to show us anything. I want to see a fun Johnny Storm. I want to see Michael B. Jordan really knock that role out of the park. Yeah, I like Michael B. Jordan. I'm a big fan. So we'll we see. Should, we, we need see. that thing though. That that's what's going to put people butts and seats yeah see an awesome thing yeah yeah uh, that'll take away every every bullshit thing you've heard mm-hmm. can all be redeemed if they show us a fantastic thing even damashev even damashev blogger damashev even blogger damashev <laughs> how uh, does he drink his coffee frank oh uh, fucked up i'm sure <laughs> jesus yeah he, uh, he doesn't care he's a lunatic yeah i still can't believe they fucking made that a thing the he's coffee a, he's a hacker oh, oh my god no, no. The, yeah the damashev the blogger shit yeah yeah, yeah. His uh, handle, ridiculous. his handle is Doom. Doctor Doom, unreal. Doctor Doom, that's my Twitter handle. And it's yeah. not like I don't like the actor that they have playing him. I love Toby Cabell. You know, he was great in the uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes well, movies. Yeah, but it just seems like they're relegating the char- the characters like backstory to a uh, like Xbox Live gamer profile. Oh no, no, like no! Panty dropper three two one. Love the actor, hate the concept. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 All right, let's move on to DC news. Breaking news. Flash has finally been greenlit for his second season. Nice, huh? That's good news. Yeah. And Arrow got renewed again. Yay. Season four? Yep. Mm. All right, let's move on to a DC email. Uh, First one comes from Wolfgang Crump, our buddy from England. Aha. Hey, man, just a question for you guys. Watching the Attack on Arkham movie and loving it all, DC seems to make such great animation, and in some ways the executions of their animated films are better than their live-action ones. Watching this, I would be happy if the Arkham films was basically the Suicide Squad movie. They could extend it, but base it around that. If there was one DC animation that you guys would like to be used as a source 
and go-to for the love action films, which one would it be? The Wonder Woman animated film is great. DC could pull from that. Just a thought. Over and out. Hope you all had a splendid Christmas. Thank you, Wolfgang. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, it is I'm a really good thinking about which one I'd like to see live action adapted the most. Yeah, like the question, um, Wolfgang, um, I guess we could on- honestly just take it from like two movies. Like, is there one that would fit into the universe that they've kind of put into place now? Or is there just like just a movie? No, you know what? Fuck it. Is there just an animated movie that doesn't have to film that that doesn't have to fit into what they've done now that you just like to see live action? I'd like to see uh, Justice League: The New Frontier live action. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. Just like to do that without any of the fucking context of a a multi movie universe and just to present like that. That piece as yeah. just a piece without anything else riding on it. Yeah, I think it would be a lot of fun. Different actors than what they have in the films now. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah. I, I don't have a specific property of mine, but I'm really getting behind this idea because then it, you already know like the backstory, and you don't have to worry about the different takes on it. You just can understand that like Batman is Batman, and this is what he does. I'm not behind this as what a studio should do. I'm really? not, because I think it would confuse audiences. Mm-hmm. I really do. Uh, people see that, and they're going to think it's going to tie into what they already have. I'm looking at it from the studio as just a way to confuse audiences. Like, mm. they're sitting down, and they're like, whoa, this has nothing to do with what's going on in these previous movies. It doesn't make sense for me, for a studio, to do that. In a perfect world where everybody was a comic book geek and read these fucking websites like we do and know that this is not tied into all that, absolutely. Gotcha. But for just your standard movie layman that doesn't know what's actually going on, it doesn't make sense for a studio to do it that way. Yeah, I would just love to see some golden age DC hero action at some point on the big screen. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Mine would be my favorite, uh, my favorite animated. DC movie that they've done, All Star Superman. Mm. Oh my God! What it has everything in it: Parasite and Lex, and it's just got everything I've ever wanted in a Superman movie. It's the most interesting Superman movie I've ever seen. Yeah, even more so than the Donner films. I'm sorry for all mm. you Donner purists out there, but it's it's better than those in my opinion. Yeah, I'm um, typically a Grant Morrison hater, and this is one of the few Grant Morrison pieces that yeah. I can actually get behind. Right. So. I, I like Grant Morrison when he's not doing superheroes for the most part yeah when he's doing like just like indie books and shit i like some of that stuff you know that would make sense yeah yeah but all-star superman all the way i love all-star superman it's so fucking good no love for super dog (laughs) underdog oh i thought that was the thing super dog crypto yeah crypto the super dog that's a cartoon that's not one of the uh direct to Direct to movie or direct to DVD DC yeah. movies. That was like a weekly series. Oh, <laughs> that's all I got. No, I was thinking of a coffee joke for crypto, and I couldn't. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, crypto sipped his water too fast. Don't, dogs don't lap like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Next email comes from Dallas from Kentucky. Jake, how are you feeling? Are you good? I'm doing okay. You're good now. Yeah. I worry about you over there. We need you. I'm doing okay. I'm just, this isn't my most awake and responsive episode. We'll have that. Oh, man. You're our all-star. We need you right now. Uh, All-star Superman. I need all-star Jake. All-star Jake. I'll come back. I'll be back. All right. Um, let's see here. Do I need to get the defibrillator? No, no. <laughs> Not, you know? Holy shit. What the fuck? Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
Scared Frank. That worked for Frank. Woke <laughs> <laughs> Frank the like, fuck what, up. What? Yeah. The guy that screams Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> and that scared you? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. Baba dude. I'm going to shit my britches tonight because of that. <laughs> Ah, mental image. Go away. <laughs> Dallas from Kentucky says, Happy New Year, Leftovers. Sitting here at work with some leftover, Leftovers reruns and had an opinion that I would like to bounce off you guys in regards to the casting of Shazam. I want to see an athletic actor with a great sense of humor and can play a kid in an adult body. I'm sure this wouldn't happen, but I would like Channing Tatum as Shazam. His role in the Jump Street movies and his physique make me think he would be great for the part. Plus, sharing the screen with The Rock could make for a good time at the movies. What do you guys think? In a previous episode, you guys were contemplating on who should be Shazam. So I thought I would throw in my two cents. Thanks for the entertainment. Dallas from Kentucky. Yeah, that's not bad casting at all. Um, I think um, we'll never see that because of the whole gambit thing. Exactly. But if we throw that out the window, I think this is this is inspired casting. They had already shared some screen time uh, briefly in the last G.I. Joe movie. Yeah. Tatum was in it for about the first 15, 20 minutes and then gets killed off from the Spoilers series. for oh, the sorry. G.I. Joe movie. Jeez. Uh, well, that, that to fuck, me was not Frank. movie magic. I just had, I had that on my DVR. Oh. Damn it. God damn it. Might as well just delete that. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Thanks a pant load, Frankie. There, there's, a, there's a scene where they're sitting on the couch together. Yeah. And they're... Uh, they're playing video games against one another, mm-hmm. and they're very childlike. So that that could work. Uh, now, um, they're not going to be able to bounce off of each other quite like that if if he would have been able to be cast. Mm-hmm. But, but they're not uh, going to play Black Adam and Shazam aren't going to play video games against each other? That's some bullshit. No, no, yeah. no, because of Tatum. I was hoping to see that. No, because of Tatum. Oh. Because of what you had mentioned about how because he's Gambit. Oh yeah, exactly. Have there? Ha, but the Rock is is uh, already uh, Black Adam. Black Adam. Yeah. So. Now you know, like we've seen, like you know, different uh, actors play different comic book characters. You know, Ryan Reynolds comes to mind. Well, yeah, yeah he's played That's three. True. Yeah, Chris Evans. Chris yeah. Evans has played like four or five. If you count Scott Pilgrim, The Losers, uh, Captain America, The Human Torch. That's a good point. Uh, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Blade and uh, played Deadpool and then, of course, Green Lantern now. But none of them played them all at the same time. Yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's a damn shame that they can't get Channing Tatum, in my opinion. I, I, if, if he did, this would be the first that they'd be playing the roles at the same time. Dual casting. Yeah, it's, yeah. Pretty, it's a pretty inspired idea. Yeah. Um, I like it, but it's not going to happen, Dallas. I, I'm sorry. I just don't see it happening, unfortunately. And I, I don't know who else they could really bring in there that would satisfy me. Some people are saying uh, Joe Mangnella from uh, uh, True Blood, and he played uh, Flash in the Sam Raimi films. Okay. okay. Um, I just he just he looks too old, and I don't know if he can play off that kid part. Yeah, you need a big name here. I think. Yeah, I do, yeah, I do too. Uh, Rob Lopez sends us an email. Uh, hey, hello, Leftovers. My name is Rob. I'm from uh, New Jersey, and I'm a relatively new listener, and I love the show. You guys have great chemistry and really make my week so much better. Since I found this podcast... Oh, God damn it! I hate this question. Rob, you sh- 
don't, don't, no more, no more of these emails. Rob, you should learn. Here we go. <laughs> I'm kidding, Rob, but here we go. Since I have found this podcast just about a month ago, I went back to listen to past episodes and had to ask, how does Jake hate Man of Steel? <gasps> oh, no. Oh, no. I feel that it, I feel that is the best Superman movie made and could really build something strong for DC, but I do have my concerns about both Marvel and DC universes. My biggest concern is when the well of marketable superheroes dries up for both companies, how would they go about rebooting the universe or revisiting past heroes? For example, if in 2030 Marvel wanted to do another Iron Man movie, which Robert Downey Jr. won't be able to play Tony Stark due to his age... It would feel odd having a recast of the character with someone who probably wouldn't live up to the standard set by Downey. Also, the further you go down the line, you can only recast the character so many times. Sorry for such a long email. Just want to hear your guys' thoughts. Hope you have a happy and healthy new year. Oh, before I forget, Team Brian. Sincerely, Rob Lopez. (laughs) Copy, copy. Yeah, yeah. I, to that, I say look at uh, the 007 franchise. How many recastings has Bond been through? I mean, if if you reboot it, that would be the problem. But if you just have a character who's just accepted as existing in the world, mm-hmm. and then you get a really good film to feature the new you know actor as that character, mm-hmm. it'd be just fine. I think that's what we're going to be looking at with this. It's not going to be able to be stopped or slowed down by the time these guys need to retire and be done. I kind of disagree a little bit. I think... Um, at this point, Robert Downey Jr. is so synonymous with being Tony Stark that unless it's a reboot, we're not going to have a recast Tony Stark in the current Mar- Marvel Universe. Well, in the in the show, or not the show, in the comic, they even do this somewhat themselves. Like, you guys have mentioned that uh, Cap d- isn't always... Um, oh, fuck. The, he somebody else becomes Captain America in the mm-hmm. comic. Sure. So they can do the same thing here and follow that storyline and that's an easy way to slip it in. I don't disagree with that. We could definitely we'll definitely have a different Iron Man, but I don't think we'll ever have a different Tony Stark until we get a reboot. Yeah, I I I, I feel the same same way. I do disagree. He says like for example, if it's in 2030 Marvel wanted to do another character Iron Man. Um by the time 2030 rolls around, we're going to have, I mean, that's 15 years from now, we're going to have a bunch of new actors that we haven't even seen right now yeah. right, that they can the choose womb. from. We don't, uh, we don't know who's going to be around in 2030, and we could be, you know, years from now thinking, oh, my God, such and such, so-and-so would be the perfect Robert Downey Jr., and mm-hmm. they turn out to be the perfect Robert Downey Jr., uh, Tony Stark replacement. And... It, and same thing, like people said, ah, you, you can't replace uh, Keaton as Batman. And they tried, and I think they did a pretty good job with Bale. Yes. Um, and uh, people said, you can't replace the Joker. You know, Nicholson was, you know, at the top of his game back then. And Heath Ledger came in there, and all the naysayers and had to eat crow on that one. Right. Not all the naysayers. Not everybody liked that Joker. But most of the people that hated on it loved it. And I think you can recast these characters. And I think there's always going to be somebody out there in Hollywood that could do it. You know, um, I personally think that, you know, I, I think that uh, there's probably somebody out there right now that could do a pretty, pretty good j- job as Robert Downey Jr. I can't think, you know, I, I go to Jake Gyllenhaal for everything. But I don't know if he could pull off RDJ and if he's got the comedic chops of the guy. But, you know, I mean, 
they don't have to give us that same Iron Man. Right. They no. can give us a different Iron Man. You're exactly you got- right when you mention Ledger as the Joker because everybody wants to be like, oh, no, we, we can't change that. Mm-hmm. And they're going to. And every- mm-hmm. I think everybody's going to be surprised and love that, too, with Leto. Yeah, I agree. Jake. Oh, no, it's okay. okay. I, was, I was just saying that that's going to be interesting to see the next interpretation of the Joker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Michael Cornish sends us an email. Okay. Uh, DC related. Evening, guys. I, I like how we just glossed over the Man of Steel question. All right, Lee. I got nothing. I, I, I prefer. No, to no, no. He wants to it. know why you hate Man of Steel. Uh, I, I don't want to go into all that. I was. I would rather just gloss over it myself. I just, <laughs> I just, it's an incredibly boring movie to me. I have, you know, I, it just doesn't do anything for me. It's, ugh. I've accepted it. Yeah. I've accepted the fact that Jake hates Man of Steel. Yeah. It's, it's like looking at a deer that's already been hit on the side of the road. There's nothing you can do to change it. You can just be sad. <laughs> yeah. It just, it does nothing for me. It's, it's neither funny nor charming or exciting or oh, tense man. or dramatic. It's just there. I don't know why. That makes me sad. It exists. Yeah. <laughs> Jake Elliott's world. Man of Steel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, sorry to interrupt the Michael Cornish. <laughs> I, I was thinking the whole time, I'm like, are we just going to gloss over this? I'm like, all right. Uh, all right. I was hoping to. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, I wasn't trying to give you shit, dude, but me and Jake have had heated discussions in the past over this, and so it's it can be a touchy subject, but I think we've gotten to the point where... I've accepted that Jake hates it. I don't know so much if Jake's accepted the fact that I still like it. Because you've even said <laughs> in the past, like, Brian, you know, 15 years from now. Yeah, I've not accepted it. <laughs> yeah, like, You're Jake, doing- yeah, I think you've even mentioned, like, Brian, on your deathbed, I want you to at least taste it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I've definitely not accepted it. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing better. You're doing better than me accepting my hatred. <laughs> And I'm accepting Dude, your Dude, I don't know if I've accepted it or I've just conceded. You know, like, I've waved, like, the flag of, like, Man of Steel love and... And Jake's like, uh, dude, put that thing at half mass because that is a shame. That movie is a shame. Yeah, it's surprising. Anytime anyone says they love the movie, I'm like, surpri- I like, Whoa, what? Really? Dude, I need to call Ryan Drost right now. Uh, we need to get him wow. on the horn. Oh, no. I'm not ready for this debate. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Cornish sends us an email, our buddy Michael. He says, Evening, guys. I had a different opinion about Warner Brothers having multiple writers on Wonder Woman. Not only do I think this is a good idea, but I believe this will be the new standard. Normally, you pick up a script you like, and then you make it, and you announce it. That process is backwards in the comic universe. Since they already announced it, they have about nine months to get a script, and it usually takes about three months. If you were Warner Brothers, wouldn't you prefer to have six scripts to choose from instead of one? Don't you think Marvel wishes they had multiple writers on Ant-Man instead of having to start over and rushing through a second script? Rushing is a movie killer. Yeah, I don't even know where to start with this. I do. Yeah, let's hear it. I disagree 100%. Well, I agree with that. (laughs) Having multiple writers getting credit for the same script is fine. Multiple writers... Okay. (laughs) Multiple writers on one script is fine. You have one guy who writes it. Then they bring somebody else in there to polish it. Mm -hmm. And maybe bring in a third person in to polish it again. Mm -hmm. Yep. All three of them get writing credits for that script. Yes. Yep. Wonderful. 
uh, six different scripts from six different writers is ridiculous. It shows desperation. It shows no confidence. Mm-hmm. A studio is paying six writers to work on a script. It's frivolous spending. And what kind of quality writer are you going to get that gets to want to compete with five other writers? You're not going to get quality writers that are knowingly going to compete with one another to write six different scripts when only one of them works. And then, you know, who, what, what writer wants to work for that studio? Yeah. Um, are you thinking it's best to, you know, for them to pick and choose what they like from each story and just build a Frankenstein monster of a movie? <laughs> exactly. I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't either. But, I mean, and, and, so, and there isn't a writer that wants to write a script even though they're getting paid, that just has their entire script scrapped, they get no credit, they've spent three, five months, whatever, writing this, then they get no credit. Yeah, they get a paycheck, mm-hmm. but no credit. When you have a head writer, you get someone in there to polish it later, then you have the additional writers. You don't hire six to write the film. Warner Brothers is going to alienate themselves. If they do this, they are going to piss off every writer out there, and nobody will want to work with them. It's not always about trying to find one quality script. Sometimes it's just good business as a studio to find a writer you have confidence in that will work with your director and not piss off every other writer in Hollywood. If this gets out there that this is how they do it, this is not as big as the Sony hack with Sony Getting people getting pissed off about Sony with the emails, yeah. but on the flip side, you're looking at a writer's strike happening within Warner Brothers Studios. Right? It's not. A, maybe you think if you look at it in your way of, oh yeah, you've got six wonderful scripts to choose from. Pick the best. Right? No, that's not how a studio should work with their writers. You want to piss off your writers? This is the way to do it. This is not how a studio should be run. Yeah, and I think it's silly to suggest that um, Marvel is in any way jealous of this model, or don't they wish they would have had this model for Ant Man? I think they, they what they did was perfectly acceptable. They went to Paul Rudd, yeah, and you know his writing buddy. and McKay, yeah, and that's to polish up the script. A lot of that narrative is still going to make it from the Edgar Wright stuff into this final film, is what Rudd said. Yeah, and people that actually have control of the vision of the movie. I mean, the guys starring in the movie so yeah. he's got good input as to what the movie should be like what sounds better for you as a writer jake it's, let's say, say you're a writer none of us here are writers but yeah. let's say you know uh, frank wrote a script and then uh they liked it but they they just wanted somebody to polish it up and you come in and you polish it up and by the time the movie's playing on the screen you see your name there as well as frank's yeah that's going to make the writers happy but for fucking six writers to write a script and then only one of them gets a credit for writing it when the other five, yeah, they got a paycheck, but they don't get their name on screen. That yeah. writers bad are like business. Writers are like artists and their products yes. are works of art. And that's the part of their brand. If they're not listed, if, if they're not given an, a chance, then uh-huh. nobody's going to, you'll get up. writers to do it. You'll get writers to do it. They'll right. find writers that want a paycheck to do it. Yeah. But on the flip side, 
you're not going to get a quality writer. Exactly. Yeah. You, you may get somebody not like, after the you may, like not, you may not like Goyer. Yeah. But he's a high-profile writer. And if they told Goyer that he's going to have to compete with five other guys, Goyer's like, fuck you. I got a studio down the road that wants my script. Yeah. At least have at least respect the guy you hired to write its vision. At least have a vision of what you want. Yeah. And not just like throw it out there to a handful of writers. Yeah. I can't think of any other medium where there's no direction at the start. That they just spitball until they see what they get. Everywhere, yeah. everybody always has a plan, or they usually do. They should, and you know that's what I didn't like about when we talked about the Suicide Squad movie and them uh, having these uh, the rumored, you know, uh, test. Uh, they were they had some testers come in there and they they spitballed them some ideas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's what I didn't like is because like you're basically asking them what the tone of the movie should be. And you already have your cast. Yeah. That, that tells you they're clueless about the Marvel formula, which they're envious of. They want to know what makes people love what they love. You're doing things backwards. backwards. Right. You got to make what they love first. Yeah. You set the tone first, and then based on setting the tone, that's where you pick the actors that are going to be able to work in that <laughs> universe, that, the tone you've set. Yeah. Otherwise, right. how do you cast things well at all? Right. Otherwise, you could end up completely miscasting something. Yeah, you cast all the wrong people. You know, you cast a bunch of serious dramatic actors, and it turns it to be a more a comedic thing. Or even right. backwards, you right. cast a bunch of comedic actors, and it turns exactly. it to be a dramatic exactly. thing. Exactly, and you end yeah. up with Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, <laughs> <laughs> and that damn wig. <laughs> uh, yeah, they should have never signed off on that wig before they had a screenplay. I hope Wonder Woman doesn't order coffee in the next. <laughs> Holy movie. shit! Oh, that'll be the ultimate. Diana, <laughs> damn it! <laughs> Frank's Trust done with DC. Shit. Frank's out on DC. <laughs> Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, I understand. You know, on a, I guess if you're just looking at it, looking at it from the angle that you're looking at it in, you know, six, you can't go wrong with six different scripts. One of them's going to be good, but you got to think about it from the writer's point of view. And this is going to piss off a lot of writers in Hollywood, and it's going to alienate. Uh, Warner Brothers when it comes to the quality writers that they could be getting in there. It'd be different if you had a writing team of six people who collaborate on the one script, as you had mentioned. Exactly. To pit them against each other pretty much in an all or nothing, you know, let's pick and choose, that that doesn't make any kind of sense at all. Well, and you're going to piss off your director, too. I mean, Michelle McLaren... Is she going to be the one that makes the final decision? No. She should be able to get a writer in there that's going to be able to work with her one-on-one to try to set the tone that she wants for this movie. They can also try to incorporate that into their screenplay. Yeah, not just pick one of these. Or Yeah, and try to talk to six different people. I think it's, I think it's also a slap in the face to the director yeah, to right. do this. I agree with that, too. It shows that they have no control of the vision. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm 100% against this, and I'm 100% against the three different uh, the rumor about the three different Aquaman writers. I, yeah. I don't like it. I it can't shows, see the benefit of it. At it's all. desperate, shows no confidence, and it's also just it's going to be poison when it comes to getting writers to want to work for Warner Brothers. It reminds me of the old writers' joke about you know if you put the thousand monkeys in a room with the typewriter, eventually you're going to get one good script. Like that's the philosophy yeah. that they're trying yeah. to go by. Yeah. But if we have enough people do it, eventually some kind yeah. of Quality is going to come out. Now, this is all a rumor, but I hope it's not true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. It's not, I hope it's not true. All right. Uh, Finn Dietz Creek sends us an email. I just got this today, and it ties into our next story. Hey, Leftovers 
and Frank. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it when people Finn's do that. Finn's always good for and that. Frank, He's very good at that. The dramatic pause. <laughs> I have been reading some articles, and many of them have a theory that Robin Lord Taylor, the penguin from Gotham, is actually the Joker. Mm. And that someone else takes Cobblepot's name and becomes the penguin. What do you guys think about this theory? I, for one, really dislike it. I think that Taylor could have been a really good Joker, but I don't think it would fit in with the series if someone else became Penguin. It would feel really weird. Anyway, I'm glad you guys liked my Lego leftovers. That was awesome. That was great. That was cool. Um, this is no weirder than the way they drink coffee on Gotham. So, <laughs> yeah. If the Penguin's going to be Joker, I mean, they've already jumped the weird shark, so they might as well just do it, right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I know. I agree. That um, Taylor's actually commented on this and said that not that he's aware of, but yeah. anything could happen. Can I play the clip? Yeah, please. Thank you. Uh, let me finish this email by Finn. He said, I think I made the army the accurate amount of people, LOL. He's talking about that Lego. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, the Lego picture that he made for us. Basically, if you, if you, if you follow us on Facebook, which you, you should be doing, uh, I posted a picture that Finn made, and it's uh, me, Jake, and Frank as Lego characters with members of the leftover army behind us so this is that was really, really cool, cool. it was it. cool yeah i love lego me also, <laughs> also i've been thinking and i realized that brian doesn't only have one fan i think that the whole army appreciates everything that brian does but we don't normally say it because we're so because we are so mediocre just want to say thank you for all the hard work you put into the news and Facebook and stuff. It's really awesome. You are really cool, dude. Well, maybe that's overstating it. Lastly, I have a question for Jake. What is the story behind your Twitter username? I'm really curious. Thanks for your time, Finn. Hey, that was a nice email. Yeah, yeah. Brian, Brian's just fine, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm shit. I am the least favorite. I'm the least favorite cast member. I get it. I'm fine with that. Yeah, my, my Twitter handle, though, the Two Sheds, I'm a big Monty Python fan, and it's from uh, Arthur Two Sheds Jackson is the reference, if you get it. You can easily Google Arthur Two Sheds Jackson and see the Monty Python sketch that my handle is in reference to. So some asshole took Two Sheds, spelled normally already, and he's never fucking tweeted the day in his life. So <laughs> that's why I have the goofy version of it. But The army should blow that fucking guy up. Wake oh, him up. Oh, shit. Yeah, I would like love, we did the dude. I, I would love that. Tell him to release his Twitter release handle. Release his Twitter handle because it takes 30 days after that, and then it's available to you, Jay. Um, Let our two sheds go. Yeah, that would be great. I would love to have uh, the correctly spelled two sheds Twitter handle. Yeah. I kind of like the double Ds. The double Ds, yeah. yeah. I don't like the number two as much. I I wanted just to be oh, spelled out. Frank was talking about the bra size. <laughs> the double, he, like, he likes the double D's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like them okay. They're fine. Back to the... <laughs> wow, boobies. Fuck, <laughs> 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 All right, back to Robin Lord Taylor. Uh, he addressed some rumors about uh, his penguin. Um, I had not read these before. Um, this is the first I'm hearing of it. Uh, but he addressed these rumors that his penguin could actually be the Joker, and I wanted to go ahead and play that audio. Oh, good. The Joker theory that Penguin is also like. How did that feel yeah. for you to read that? And what do you have to say in response? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it was well. First of all, I was like, I, I, you know, I read it and I was like, huh. I was like, nah. but then I was like, you know so impressed at the detail that this person went into. I think it started on Reddit and, uh, and the, the guy who, who formulated this theory, um, 
he was looking I, I was just amazed at you you know like the amount of attention that people are paying to the show. I mean, he was looking at the colors of my vest and my suit and, like, you know, and extrapolating off of that. And, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, they, they, they notice everything, you know. Um, I, I find it incredibly unlikely, but at the same time, I have no idea what could happen. I've been, you know, I get the scripts and I will read something and I will be just as shocked as, you know, everyone else is when they see it happen on screen. Like, I'll, like there was one time, you know, where I just, like, something happened and I, like, <laughs> threw the script across the room and I was like, no effing way! Like, he's so much smarter than I thought he was. I had no idea that that was coming. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, who knows what'll happen? I mean, I find it unlikely, but... I mean, I think, like, you know, the the more uh, diverse we can make this, this world, the more, um, the more, you know... The more we can, the more character these rich, rich characters from the Batman world that we can introduce, I think is just better for the show. I mean, I'm just like, I'm just so excited to see what happens. Just like everybody else, like I have, I have no idea, you know. But um, I would, I, I would welcome a Joker with open arms, definitely. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's. I don't like it. I think it's cheap. I think everything like they're building this Penguin character so great. That it would be like everything that we've learned about, you know, Cobblepot in this uh, universe is bullshit. He's right. the Joker. Yeah, it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I don't like it. No. I almost felt like he was going to say, like, uh, you know, how he was talking about that Reddit user and like everything that he's noticed. And he's like, when he said, like, I think it's really, really fucking weird. Yeah. Stop, stop analyzing everything so much. But he right. didn't go that route. He was cool about it. Yeah, it was pretty funny, though. You could tell, there was the undertone of that a bit, though. Yeah, yeah. You, you picked it up, too? Yeah, they've, been, yeah. they've been teasing and poking around, though, that whole idea this whole season uh, with the unnamed comic in the first episode that was telling jokes in front of Fish yeah. Money. Uh, you know, there's been speculation about that, too. I don't want to see the Joker in this universe. No, 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 me and, either. I, I like the fact that they're fleshing out somebody who, up until very recently, has not been all that popular. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If they're going to do the Joker, they're going to they're make a big to-do about it, and it's not just going to be out of left field. Oh, it's been the Penguin all along. Yeah. It'll be a season-long fucking arc. Hopefully ratings will stay good. They don't have to have the Joker come in there. I mean, it'd be cool maybe in the last episode, like the last thing you like see or hear is like the back of his head and you just hear the laugh, and that's how the series ends. You know what I mean? Right. That could be interesting. But that's, yeah. I don't, I don't want to see the Joker in this series. I, I, it, for me, he's not made for TV. If you're going to do the character justice, he's not made for TV in this universe. I uh, agree. That's just my opinion. I agree. And even though you guys didn't watch it and not saying anything about spoilers, you definitely got to watch the return of Gotham. It was it was incredibly good. I'll check it out. It's on my DVR. Gotcha. It's on my DVR. Um, so, uh, yeah, Arrow executive producer Mark Guggenheim is teasing Batman to fans saying he wants Batman on Arrow. Here's what he said. At the end of the day, it'd be so awesome to have Batman on the show. That'd be really cool. I don't think that will be happening anytime soon, but you never know. One day, one thing we're always saying, we're never expected to have had the Huntress, Deathstroke, or Deadshot. We ended up with a lot more DC comic characters becoming part of the show than we had ever planned. It wasn't initially part of the pitch or the conception of the show. Now here we are in our third season, and we've had Flash, the Suicide Squad, and we're going to have Katana 
and we have Ray Palmer, you know, Brandon Routh. And it seems like you could field an entire show off the characters that we have introduced on Arrow. That's so beyond anything we expected. That's a long-winded way of saying I've learned not to expect anything or make any predictions because the reality has far exceeded any of our initial predictions or initial conceptions. Wow, yeah. So I'm sure they didn't expect having a Flash spinoff show when they first pitched this series. Yeah. So anything goes at this point is kind of what he's saying. Yeah, uh, but in the past, you know, Arrow producer Andrew Kreisberg has said uh, he doesn't expect this to happen. Here was his quote uh, months and months and months ago. There are things we can do, and there are things we can't. There are cities we can use, and then there's everything else. You won't be hearing Gotham or Metropolis on the show anytime soon. Mm. So it's kind of like what they're doing with Daredevil. They're keeping it that local area. I don't think we're going to have Batman on the TV side, personally. Sure. Uh, other than watching Young Bruce. Uh, on the flip side, I don't see any reason why we couldn't see Supergirl in a crossover with Arrow or Flash. You know, producer Greg Berlanti is involved in Supergirl, mm-hmm. Arrow, and Flash. Supergirl will be on CBS, Flash, and Arrow on CW. But the big news is that they are both owned by Synergy. So this could happen. Yeah. It's all CBS Viacom stuff, right? Yes. Yeah, so. That could happen. But as far as Batman showing up in the Arrow, I know a lot of our listeners, we might get some tweets out there saying, oh, I'd love to see it happen and and speculating. I don't think it's going to happen, guys. No, yeah. Not not even as a cameo. They just want to keep that separate. Mm -hmm. That's way too A-lister. Yeah. Are you guys ready to move on to... uh, talking about the big dc news oh yeah this big, week big uh, rumors all right and i want to thank uh listener and member of the leftover army sean desh for this next story that he provided me first ain't it cool news posted a rumor about batman v superman that revolved around a blurry picture looks like it was taken from like an iphone mm-hmm. of what is said to be a screenshot For the first official Batman v Superman trailer, the screenshot showed us that Batman v Superman is going to be split into two films. Oh my gosh, I wrote something in my notes and it did not happen. What's that? I wrote, Jake will groan or bitch here. (laughs) And it did not happen. You are off today. (laughs) I am off, I'm telling you. The screenshot showed us that Batman v Superman is going to be split into two films. I groaned in my head. It didn't even elicit a physical reaction. (laughs) The first movie will be called Batman v Superman, Enter the Night, and will drop October 23rd, 2015. And the second will be Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and come out the original date of March 25th, 2016. The teaser is rumored to be attached to Warner Brothers' Jupiter's Ascending, releasing on February 17th. Um... What are your guys' thoughts on this? I mean, we, we're seeing this a lot with movies. We saw it, you know, with The, the Hobbit. Uh, we've seen it with Mockingjay being split up into two parts. Um, I think The Hobbit is a good um, example case here to, to kind of give legitimacy to maybe this might be happening because The Hobbit proved that they can very last minute make these decisions and that just all of a sudden what you thought was two movies is three movies because yeah. it was like... It was less than a year before the first Hobbit movie came out yeah. when they finally announced that, okay, okay, it's three movies, not two. Yeah. 
And so the time, like the timing works, I think, for it. If, it, if it's true, mm-hmm. the timing supports it, that yeah. now would be the time when they'd be. It's just weird that they're just not officially saying. If someone can get a screenshot of this, why not just announce it? Well, we do also live in an age where somebody like Beyonce drops a whole album without any advertising at all, and the buzz from that alone created sales. Yeah, but I, I don't see that kind of stunt happening with such a tent, like a tentpole movie. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The only positive thing I could see from it is, is we've already been wondering how are they possibly going to have a cohesive story with this many characters covering mm-hmm. this many things in one, you know, two or three hour film even. Yeah. And if they spread it out, at least maybe it could make sense. Maybe we could have actual Batman v Superman in the first movie and not really dig into anybody else until we get that second one. Um, I'm going to go over, if, if it's okay, guys, reasons that it could be true and reasons that it could be fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Reasons that this could be true. Um, th- the filming schedule for this mm-hmm. is crazy. Yeah. Ten months. A ten-month shooting schedule for this movie. I mean, most movies are shot in five, six. Yes. This all can't be for the fact that, yeah, Ben Affleck hurt his ribs in the film. But he was back out there filming stuff. And, I mean, they could have shot other scenes in the interim. Right. They did that with Harrison Ford. Right. You know? So 10 months is a long time to shoot. I mean, could they have shot, you know, two movies within that time frame? They very well could have. Especially if they're concurrent with one another. And then they, uh, you know, it's it's weird, though, that, you know, they they finished their work... Five months ahead of the previously announced schedule, it seems crazy. Um, unless they're going to be doing a lot of serious work on their uh, special effects editing, you know that 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 all those special effects that are in this film. And I know we're going to talk about it later, but you know they've got they've got some guys coming in there doing some really awesome special effects for this movie. But it, it seems like. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm with you there. I feel like if this, like, if this were 100% true, I feel like it would be the first movie still came out at the original date, and mm-hmm. it would be the next movie after. Yeah. Not the movie's been pushed forward five or six months. Yeah, right. It feels like it would have been the other way around. What is that date again that it would be due this year? Like October. Uh, right? uh, October 23rd of 2015. Would it be feasible and plausible for them to just start shitting all over it on the marketing side starting at san diego comic-con over the summer and then just hit you with such a media blitz like oh shit nobody knew this was coming <sighs> well there's the, the, the on the flip side there's the rumor that we're gonna get the ch- uh, the, the teaser trailer uh february 17th yeah it's true which is which is going to be a teaser or maybe the full-length trailer at san diego comic-con but that's not how warner brothers kind of works anymore san diego comic-con has kind of turned out to be the the place where they don't always show these trailers first um in all cases i mean really what did they do last san diego comic-con uh well that was when they had that little scene with superman floating down and batman was at the light right yeah but it wasn't a huge trailer and then the rest of the time like the cast just came out on stage and kind of like they didn't even say anything they just got their pictures taken with everybody and all we saw was the wonder woman costume yeah but that's another thing too is i mean they got to see that clear back last july and we still haven't seen anything i don't think that that's an accident Hmm. like like they're holding back on purpose 
I think it's, I think it's feasible for the teaser to be in Jupiter's Ascending, and then like a full length trailer to drop at San Diego Comic Con. But on the flip side, maybe it's something that Warner Brothers just wants to drop on their website. Do you think another thing too is they got sick of the idea that Marvel was going to play games as far as like not moving cap? So they didn't really want to announce this too far ahead. That way they can't retaliate and throw something else in to, like, you know, throw it off. I'm just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Marvel trying to retaliate. Is it DC retaliating against Marvel having the double movie is well, what you're saying? Well, no, because Marvel's like the king. And remember when they were both on the same date, Cap didn't move. Yeah. So maybe it's possible. I mean, they. you know how you guys were talking about they're playing games? We're just now seeing an Ant-Man yeah. trailer I, and stuff my opinion is I think it's feasible that it could be split into two movies but I think it is not feasible at all that the first movie would be out by October in my opinion hmm. there's, I, no, there's no way I don't disagree in with less that. than a year it's coming out now all of a sudden by surprise I don't, I don't think so but then again if you look at like the schedules other movies have kept compared to when you know the rap is Compared to the release, it seems like they're way ahead of schedule, doesn't it? Like yeah. way ahead of schedule. Yeah, there's so much post work to do, though. That's a lot of work to be done between now and October. Maybe this will help clear things up for you. Um, okay, a couple more reasons why I think it's fake, and then I'll talk about why maybe it's not. I guess I don't know. Here we go. Reasons for it to be fake. Let's see here. Batman News, which is pretty reputable in a lot of the Batman news that's come out. They don't just post a bunch of bullshit a lot. A lot of the stuff that they've put out there is like the real deal. Mm -hmm. Um, They uh, had a tweet and um, they said, did some digging. Warner Brothers doesn't even own the doname. Batman v Superman enter the night dot com. A man named David just bought it today. Yeah. Hmm. So they don't own the do name name. No, if they would have bought the do name name, that right. would lead me to believe that they would have bought that months ago. I don't know. I mean, that that would obviously telegraph that they're going to have a movie called that Enter the Night, but you can't really introduce Batman without having. You know, if that's going to be the title, that gives it away. They haven't been opposed to giving things away by the title before. I mean, Dawn of Justice is the same thing, and we are, we're all confident that that's real. Well, well, it hasn't come to pass yet, so I guess we don't really know. There's the, so much the title, bullshit. You, Jake, bringing up the, 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 the title of the movie, Dawn of Justice. Mm-hmm. First off, it, you know, it was stupid enough to call it Batman v Superman Dawn <laughs> of Justice, yeah. number one, when that was first announced. But... To have that announced before they announced Enter the Night yeah. is even dumber. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. That's another reason I, I think it's fake. Yeah, I can't discount that. Because Dawn of Justice, the concept is even worse. All right, let's say it's real. Hypothetically. Okay. Let's say it's real. Let's say that this is happening. They're splitting these movies. Yeah. You know, you've got so many fucking characters that are jam-packed in this that they're wanting to spread it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. First one, going to be a Batman-centric story or whatever. It's called Enter the Night, for crying out loud. Yeah. And then the second one's about the culmination of the team, Dawn right. of Justice. Yeah. Okay. So let's say that this is happening. Could it be a smart move financially to put this movie out in 2015 for Warner Brothers? Yes. 
Of course it's a smart move financially. Yeah, sometimes do you need it, sometimes you don't. Depends on what movies you got coming out that year, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like, right. let's say you've got, uh, let's say uh, you're a studio and your big movies this year are, uh, uh, let's say you're Marvel Studios and you got Ant-Man and you got, uh, you know, the Avengers Age of Ultron coming out that year. Mm-hmm. Or you're another studio and you've got like a Harry Potter movie coming out that year and some other really big tentpole movies. Mm-hmm. You might want to let it, go into the next year before you put out that film. So does Warner Brothers, do they need this this year? Is 2015 the year that Warner Brothers needs to um, put this movie out to get them in the black? They won't want to be in the red. You know what I mean? They, right. they want to be in the black. Yeah, I mean, I could see that that would be a reason why they'd want to. I just don't see it feasibly possible. Can I, can, I, let me, can I read a list of movies that are, that are coming out this year from Warner Brothers? It's and a, you can kind of tell me, like, yeah, this might be a good year for them. I, I agree. I don't need yeah. a list to, to agree with you. Just, okay. Warner Brothers needs it this year. Well, I, I'm not, not just for you. I'm just saying oh, like, yeah, for, oh, for yeah. the listener out there that thinks that like, uh, they have to have this movie come out or maybe they can wait till next year. No, I, I know you're in agreement. Yeah. February, we've got Jupiter's. And I've put asterisks on my list on what I think is going to be big blockbusters for them. February, Jupiter Ascending, the Wachowskis with you know, Channing Tatum, big mm-hmm. sci-fi movie. Uh, I don't think that that necessarily is going to be a... Uh, I think this could be a bust. I think so, too. I saw a, uh, a newer trailer for it, uh, the last film that I saw in theaters. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it seemed like it was completely different than the tone of the first couple that I saw. It seemed like it was a lot more fleshed out and more serious. I'm kind of looking forward to it, and I'm not really a big Channing Tatum fan. Uh, well, it got pushed back, and that's oh, concerning. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, but I also think it'll be a big bust. <laughs> well, I mean, it could either be the next uh, Matrix, the original, or Cloud Atlas, which I liked, or it could be, you know, Speed Racer and then the final two Matrix films. It could be, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, it's tough to say with, with the Wachowskis. Yeah. They also have Focus coming out with Will Smith and Margot Robbie in February, and I think that that's going to do very well for them. Yeah. In March, uh, they have uh, in, in the Heart of the Sea. It's directed by Ron Howard, starring Chris Hemsworth, Benjamin Walker, and Cillian Murphy. I think that's going to be a very good movie for them. Yeah, what a great cast. Uh, this could be another movie that doesn't do too well. I think they're writing on this one actor. Uh, Get Hard, uh, directed by Eaton Cohen, uh, with Will Ferrell, Kevin Hart, Allison Brie, Craig T. Nelson, and T.I. I think they're hoping that uh, Kevin Hart's going to be able to pull in a lot of people that love his stand-up and a lot of people that are Kevin Hart fans. It's a Cohen movie. That's interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, in April, they've, and I think that movie could be a bust. April, Run All Night. Um, it's with Liam Neeson. I'm just, Joel Kinnaman and Ed Harris. I'm calling a bust. Yeah, I agree. May, Mean Moms with, uh, let's see here, Jennifer Aniston. I don't know. I'm 50-50 on that one. Yeah. Mad Max. I think it's going to be successful. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road, you know, of course, Tom Hardy, Charlize Theron, Nicholas Holt, Joe, and Zoe Kravitz. Uh, I also think this one could be very, very uh, successful for them. San Andreas. Uh, it's, a War- it's Warner Brothers' new line. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, uh, The Rock, and uh, Paul Giamatti. That could be a good movie for them. Dwayne Johnson's doing a good track record of yeah. making some, you know, some good movies as far as like financially. Oh yeah. June, the entourage movie. I don't think it's going to do well. I think that's 
movie had post-production hell, and I, I don't think people care about Entourage anymore. No, that's past its prime. July, I think this movie's going to do really well. I've never seen the original, but Magic Mike XXL, they're, they yeah. lost McConaughey, but uh, I think it's going to do well. Yeah, I think so, too. The Gallows, it's a Warner Brothers New Line Cinema movie. Pan, uh, with Hugh Jackman, Levi Miller. Um, I think that'll do well. Yeah, it looks interesting. Point Break remake. I think it'll bust. Yes. August, we've got The Man from Uncle, uh, Guy Ritchie directed, mm. Henry Cavill, Army Hammer, Hugh Grant. I, I think that could be a bust. Max by Warner Brothers and MGM uh, with Thomas Hayden Church, Josh Wiggins. I think that could be a bust. It's probably low budget, might do okay. Um, Me Before You, it's also Warner Brothers New Line Cinema. I'm not guaranteed that's going to be a success. Um, let me let me point out some other ones that are interesting in here. And then, uh, yeah, they've got a, a Black Mass. Black Mass, I think that's going to do really well. Johnny Depp, Joel Edgerton, Benedict Cumberbatch. I think that, 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 that could do really good. Um, the Intern, Robert De Niro, Anne Hathaway. It's a comedy. Mm. I don't know. October Vacation, it's... Uh, it's the National Lampoon reboot. Yeah. Oh, cool. Ed Helms, Christina Applegate, Leslie Mann, Chris Hemsworth, Charlie Day, <laughs> Beverly D'Angelo, and Shelby Chase returning. And then November Midnight Special with uh, director Jeff Nichols, who's been rumored to be the Aquaman director. Huh. It stars Michael Shannon, Kirsten Dunst, Adam Driver, and Joel Edgerton. So I don't know. I don't know. I, what do you think? Do you think like this is a year that they need? A Batman movie it financially? It doesn't sound like they have anything that's like too great, big, and explosive. Yeah, well, maybe they're gearing up to have to have just a huge financial year for 2016 with both uh, Batman v Superman and the uh, Fantastic Beast Harry Potter follow up. Yeah, but like you know, people that's kind of that, like that crown jewel is next year though. The owners of Warner Brothers, they're thinking about this year. That's all they're thinking right. about. These people and uh, these head honchos, man, they're like, get me in the black this year. You know, I want my bonus. That's all they're thinking. Then yeah. they'd still have part two of the film and the yeah. Harry Potter flick. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I still don't buy that this is happening. I don't either. I don't either. I, I just kind of wanted to give the rundown to see if that changed anybody's opinion. There's so much shit flying around about this thing. Anything is fucking possible. Yeah. All right. Uh, final news for DC. Joe, Let- La- Joe Lettery of uh, Weta Digital talked with Collider about their work on Man of Steel. They specifically did the scenes that involved Krypton, which I thought was some of the coolest visuals in the film. I mean, Snyder wanted a world where it was a technologically advanced race with with amazing advances in science, architecture, and invention. But he didn't want it to look sparkly and new. And uh, he wanted it to look old and lived in uh, without looking, you know, too steampunk. You know, like which he's done, yeah, in Sucker Punch. And I I think it was, I think it was good. Krypton was good. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, I think Snyder did that, and I think Weta was, was a big part of that. Well, yeah. Weta Digital is back working on a scene for Batman v Superman, and uh, I think that's very exciting. It's supposed to be a be- very big set piece and, and, and something that should blow our fucking minds. Yeah, hopefully they give them the underwater stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that, that would, would cool. have to be big and blowing mine. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to what Weta is uh, going to do for this movie. So I just thought that was interesting that they are back in this film. Yeah, that is exciting. It's good stuff. Yeah. Are you guys good to go, or do you want to take a break? Uh, can I get a second? Yeah, absolutely. All right. 
hey, we're back. Um, we're going to jump into Star Wars news here. Star Wars news here, real quick. But this is breaking news right now. Uh, reading CBR at this moment, and this is uh, wow, insane. Uh, this is a spoiler for the Flash. Um, if you do not want spoilers for the Flash. Please fast forward. I'm going to read this. It's probably going to take a couple minutes for me to do so. So give me a spoiler warning now. Um, There was a... CW hosted a panel uh, held as part of the annual Television Critics Association's Writer Press for uh, the heroes and villains of Arrow. And they spoke with Tom Cavanaugh, who plays Harrison Wells, and uh, a reporter asked Kavanaugh about uh, you know who he's playing and uh, some of the some of the you know the rumors that he's playing Reverse Flash and and, and all these different things. Um, and this is what he had to say: I've tried to deflect and parry as best I could. Yeah, sure. He's the man in the yellow suit, Kavanaugh said of Wells. I think the short of the answer to your question is, yes, I am Reverse Flash. The actor continued stating those five final words in a voice mimicking how the Reverse Flash sounded on the show. When asked if any of the executive producers wanted to add to this, Andrew Kreisberg stated, I think he's doing a great job. Now things things can't be quite that simple, right? CBR spoke one-on-one with Kavanaugh following the panel. I would like to say, as a betting man, I would wager that it can be that simple, Kavanaugh told CBR. On the other hand, I'm not a keeper of the flame. These guys no doubt have stuff up their sleeve as we progress. Wow, that, that is crazy. Yeah. So he's Zoom. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying, but he's also saying, you know, hey, I'm not the keeper of the flame. I read the scripts as they come. I know I'm going to be, you know, reverse flash, but they've got some other things up their sleeve, I'm sure. There's more to this, or he wouldn't even be saying this. Exactly. exactly. This is the meat of it. Is he, it he's still not, misdirection? Or I think it's misdirection. Really? I, yeah. If this was the meat of the, of the twist, <laughs> he wouldn't just be giving it away in the interview. Yeah. No fucking way. No fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, yeah, it's kind of crazy that, yeah, this news was just broke. This, this just happened, and I didn't think they'd be giving it away like that. And I'm kind of upset. I still don't think they did give it away. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I hope could, you're right. I could be wrong. That's a no, weird I way hope to, you're right. Yeah, that's a, that's a really weird way to bust a spoiler. Yeah, and to have producers totally behind him just saying this. Like, I think they had this planned. They're probably laughing as soon as the as soon as the people went away. Yeah, <laughs> we just right. really fucked. There's got to be a reason the producers let them give this away. Yeah, because yeah. it's not true. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's move into our Star Wars news. But I just gave everybody in the leftover army there something to uh, to chew on in the meantime when it comes to Arrow, not Arrow Flash. <laughs> All right, so we got some Star Wars emails. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had that email from Bree Jordan, and she wanted to know why does everybody love Boba Fett so much. We just we and we got an email. Um, let's see who is it from. I feel so horrible. Oh, it's a uh, oh, god damn it! I don't know who it's from. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. 
I think it's from Sean LaHoset. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. He said, hey, just listen to the new podcast and thought I'd address the email question, why is Boba Fett so popular? My telling the story of my personal love for the character, when I was a kid, I started watching Star Wars on VHS before the special edition, and while I thought Fett was cool looking, didn't think much else once he fell into the Sarlacc pit. But I still found the action figure awesome and thought that his ship was the coolest. So he was my favorite figure. One day at the store, I accidentally bought a box set of books thinking they were VHS tapes of new Star Wars movies. In my defense, I was like 10, year old, 10 years old. And during this era, uh, we, without the web, we discovered things by chance rather than anticipate releases as events. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed when... Then I realized I discovered the expanded universe. I also discovered in Tales from Jabba's Palace that Boba Fett fucking lived, escaped the Sarlacc, then killed that motherfucker. What a badass. I remember thinking. uh, Yeah, what a badass, I remember thinking. I followed his adventures in comics and novels where he proved to always prevail. And because he was faceless, I could easily use him as my avatar. Icon that... When I'm figuratively left for dead in life, there's still always a chance I come out stronger. So the answer is simple, really. Fet fans didn't fall in love with the character we saw in the few minutes of the film. Most of us wore his helmet and rallied during his adventures over 10 years of comics and books. And then Disney said, psych! Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think he's on to something. I think Expanded Universe had a lot to do with Boba Fett's popularity. Yeah. So, good email. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that was Sean. I'm sorry. so sorry if it wasn't. And if it wasn't, I will figure out who it is next week. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the person will let me know. Uh, got an email here from Jay Cloth. I don't know if this theory is true or not, but I thought I'd add my two cents to show how it could be feasible. Okay, uh, yeah, he's talking about uh, episode seven, what he thinks is going to happen here. Okay, after the crawl, the camera pans down to Tatooine, a small spacecraft, or perhaps a land speeder. Land stops in front of a rock formation on the planet. A robed, to figure, a robed figure gets out and starts walking towards the rock formation. Just when they reach an opening, they turn around and you see the actor's face looking around to see if he's been followed. Upon entering the rock formation, there is a door. Using the force, they are able to open the door, and a room appears inside. In this room, you see a lot of Easter eggs from Darth Vader. Maybe a helmet, lightsaber, robe. Oh, so they're trying to... He's, he's, this is his theory on how they're going to work Vader into the movies. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, there doesn't need to be any exposition. There doesn't need to be an, an explanation. It would immediately cut to a different scene. Not saying I want this to happen... It, Seems kind of cheap, but it would probably work. Let me know what you think. Keep up the good work. Jay Clough. Yeah, it's interesting. Even like he says, though, it seems kind of forced. Yeah. Like, I don't want the Vader stuff to be, like, shoehorned in there. If it's going to be in there, I want it to be feel natural, or I don't want it in there at all. Right. Agreed. We don't need any throwbacks in this. Yeah. I think, Jay, and I'm not trying to be an asshole here, but I think you, you write good fan fiction. I just don't see... If I guess if they threw that in... You know what? I... I don't. I don't want Vader in this. I want it to be all new characters. So I'm against it. Number one. But you know, as far as your writing and like what you see here, yeah, if they're going to do it, that would work. It's just I don't. I don't need that. And I don't want after. I don't want the crawl to have to. After you see the Star Wars opening crawl, to have to show this. I want 
after the crawl, I want to see an action sequence. I just want to be thrust into the action of this universe. I don't want there to be, you know, some sort of exposition as to Darth Vader. We know what Darth Vader did. We saw what he did over the course of six movies. Yes. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Next. There was an uh, article that I read off in Nidorama that revolved around an interesting theory about Obi-Wan and Luke. Um, I had mentioned several episodes ago that I thought it was really weird that he hit him on a planet that he was from and didn't bother to change his name. Um, the article from Nidorama um, says that Luke Skywalker grows up on a humble moisture farm on Tatooine. His father, Anakin Skywalker, has adopted the name Darth Vader and become a villainous tyrant. He never bothers to check up on a kid with his own unusual last name. Why? Redditor SCC10N8 has concocted an explanation. The entire plot of Star Wars Episode Four was a long con set up up by Obi-Wan Kenobi. And what he actually says is, I don't think Obi-Wan ever meant to confront Luke. I subscribe to the notion that the whole thing was an elaborate trap to lure Darth Vader there for a final battle to the death. He takes Luke there as a child, doesn't even change his last name to anything other than Skywalker, leaves him with Vader's mom's family on a sparsely populated planet so there's no overabundance of life to hide the kid's force talent, which is sure to manifest. Then he just sits there in the desert, waiting for Vader to show up so they can throw down on a hardcore force battle in a desert where there won't be much collateral damage or many opportunities to take hostages, only he never shows. Obi-Wan's plan doesn't work, though. Vader never shows up. So when he stumbles across Luke in the desert, he takes a different, even more insidious approach. Sure, Obi-Wan is old, but this kid is fresh. He's malleable. The Empire is sure to be tracking these droids. He just has to distract him for a while, and the inevitable is sure to happen to his family. So what does he do? Start dropping hints about the kid's dad. Tell him about being a great Jedi, a great pilot, both things that the kid will need to off Vader. And all of it true. And as long as he's hearing what he wants to hear, has stars in his eyes, drop the bomb, Vader killed your dad. From here, Obi-Wan's got him. He's getting ready to somehow steer the kid to go check on his family when they've seen the plume of black smoke on the horizon. A blasted-out sandcrawler, manna from heaven. After the whole thing is dominoes, one after another gathering speed, and in a later showdown with Vader, he can die with a smile on his face because he knows he gave it the first push. Oh, that's a really interesting theory. It, it really makes Obi-Wan into a schemester. Yeah, yeah. It, and it kind of answers that glaring plot hole about why he didn't bother to change his last name. I don't think, I think Obi-Wan holds too much value for life to use Luke as bait like such and, and be willing to sacrifice Anakin's family just in the pursuit of that. Yeah. It makes it too far-fetched for me. I don't think Obi-Wan is that type of person. That he's willing to have the collateral damage of um, Owen and Baru. It, it could be argued that Jedi, yeah, Jedi's are supposed to be impassionate. And at the end of Episode 3, he's so hurt by what Anakin has done, he's screaming at him that you were my brother. Yeah. If you tap into that passion, whether you want it or not, you're actually starting to move toward the dark side. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I just I don't I don't think Obi Wan was turning to the dark side. I don't buy it. It's very interesting and very fascinating, but I don't buy it. Yeah, it's tied in very well. If anybody's company man, it's Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, I just thought it was really interesting, and it's not anything to do with Episode Seven, but it it was it was really cool to read. Yeah, it, it was very interesting to listen to too. More fan fiction, but yeah, fan fiction. Um, you know who I think is like the biggest uh, protector of uh, Luke Skywalker? Who that? 
Uncle Owen. Oh, good point. Good point. Because I mean, you know, uh, Luke, you know, was a farmer. I mean, he was kind of like desolate out there. And uh, but what did Luke always wanted to do? He he wanted to do what a lot of his friends were doing, and and basically his friends were joining the Empire to get the training, and then what they do is defect and join the rebels. Yeah, just to get the training, they right. join the Empire and then defect. And Uncle Owen, he knew as soon as he joined the Empire, Luke's fucked. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I think I think Uncle Owen's a hero in his own right. I never thought about it that way. That's that's true. Yeah, because he's one of the only ones that knows what everything's going down right in that first episode. Absolutely, or episode four. Yeah. So one thing about that of the fan fiction though, it would have been nice if they changed his name from Skywalker. That would have been a nice move. Star Killer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Use the original there name. There you go. There you go. Um, let's see here. Liam Neeson. Oh, wait, one more thing. Uh, Star Wars number one from Marvel has over 100 variant covers, Jay. I, Holy I, I said 80 as a joke, I think, yeah. when we were off air. Yeah, it's a new record for variant comic book covers. Oh, jeez. Over 100. Please. I just need one. <laughs> I'm getting one too, Chief. <laughs> I don't need a bag. <laughs> just give me the comic. <laughs> Liam Neeson has said in the past that he would revisit the character of Qui-Gon Jinn in the films. And said that he envisions the characters, uh, and said that he envisions the characters Padawan being kidnapped, and it's up to him to rescue him from his abductors, possibly Inquisitors. Get the fuck out! This is this is <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, I'm making a taken reference. I'm Making a take yeah. joke. Yeah, I'm, I'm staring at you like this can't be fucking true. Wow, it seemed like only yesterday we talked about taking three being in production. And all of a sudden, boom, here it is in theaters. Did you guys see like the Rotten Tomatoes rating? Oh, oh, Fourteen. No. Holy shit! Yeah, damn. It's uh, yeah. taking my shit. <laughs> it's not doing too well as far. I think it took the weekend though. Yeah. Even though it's got a 14%, I think it took the box office this weekend. Of, wow. Of course he wants to revisit a character. That's all he does. Is <laughs> of course he wants to revisit Gwaigon Jin. <laughs> Isn't he talking about taking over other people's characters, too? Oh. Like, I'll be happy being John McClane. Yeah, shit. <laughs> Why okay. not? I'll take over Jar Jar, for fucking sake. Right? Oh, gosh. When are they just going to announce him in an Expendables movie? Yeah. Oh, shit. That's coming. That's got to be coming. You know, Jake, forgive me if I'm wrong here, yeah. but I've heard rumors. What is that noise? I don't know. I've heard rumors that Liam Neeson didn't like working in Star Wars. He was kind of a Harrison Ford type guy. He, he didn't really enjoy the time that he had on set with Star Wars. I've heard a little bit of those rumors too. I don't think anything's ever been um, yeah. concrete evidence. Just, okay, so nothing concrete. But I've but heard that too. That I've he heard it too. Eh about it. Exactly. Like, that's why his character died and he never wanted to come back, even as a force ghost. That, yeah. The rumors. <laughs> yeah. I totally found the video for taking my shit finally. Taking uh, my shit. Yeah. It, right. It's a Red Band video or trailer for Taken 3. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Right. Before there was really going to be a Taken 3, they made this, I think. No, yeah. this this uh, was released. Is it a Funny or Die thing? Or? Uh, it's on here from Daily Motion um, on YouTube. I'm taking a look at it. It wants me to verify my age. Yeah. I don't know. But you're I, done. I, I we got, got Star Wars thing. news. 
Yeah. I, do, <laughs> do, you, do you want a Qui-Gon movie? Do you need that? Oh, okay. Do I want a Qui-Gon movie? Yeah. Hey, let's listen to what Liam Neeson has to say about it. Oh, you got audio? Yeah, oh, I got audio. Let's do it. Uh, let's listen to what he has to say about it, and then we can talk about our thoughts about a uh, Qui-Gon Jinn movie. Frank could watch this trailer while we listen. <laughs> Star Wars is now in the hands of J.J. Abrams Um, If he asked you to reprise your role as Qui-Gon Jinn um, Would you be up for doing a spin-off movie? Um, Yeah, I'd say so, yeah It would would be terrific, you know Um, I certainly loved shooting that prequel, you know Seems many years ago now Um, Again, it's a story, you know it's, I mean, Qui-Gon Jinn was, he was the mentor to Darth Vader, so I don't know, unless he went back in time or he becomes a uh, a hologram or something. That's, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's but he's a Jedi, listen, anything can happen, you know, in Star Wars world. Exactly, we, we'd really world. love to see that happen, like, I yeah. love that character so much. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm curious, that it'd be great to see the, the next Star Wars, right? Have you seen the trailer? I saw the teaser, yeah. What did you think? I, I had a couple of worries about that lightsaber. Just I thought if it comes anywhere close to you, it's like having a jet of fluid hitting your clothes and hitting your skin. But I'm sure they've thought they've, they've thought that out. It's very pornographic. Quite so John yeah. would never use that lightsaber. No, he'd he'd use the nice green one. So <laughs> nice green one. I still have it, so I can I keep it polished. All right, guys, I'm going to play a little bit of that again. But in your minds, I want you to think of him as Aslan. A talking lion. That, that's how I, that, that went in my head. That's funny. That's how I'm thinking. I'm not yeah. going to play it again. Sounds like he's yeah. sedated. Yeah. He's not excited about any of it. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I don't think like he expects a phone call. Well, he's obviously not a writer with his yeah, ideas no, of how fuck. to bring Gwygon back to the screen. Mm. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, your uh, question of would you want to see another Qui-Gon, would you want to see Qui-Gon Jinn mm-hmm. in a future film? I mean... Um, not a full feature spinoff film. Yeah, you know what I would like to see? What? I'd like to see Gwygon, but I don't need um, Liam. I'd like to see Yoda training young Gwygon. Okay. A little bit of that. Yeah. It's not a whole movie about it. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing Gwygon, just Yoda really getting into it, like training the classic way, you know, one of the, one of the Jedi. So you're going the Gotham route. Yeah, the <laughs> Gotham route. Yeah. <clears throat> Frank. Yeah, I'm with that. I, I I wouldn't want to see him come back. I'd want to see somebody else do a different take on the role as a younger version. No Force Ghost. No, no Force Ghost. Or hologram. They kind of established that he didn't have a Force Ghost anyway. I know, they burned him. Yeah, so he's, he's effed. That's kind of further evidence that maybe um, his experience wasn't so great. They were like, fuck it, we're going to make it so you don't even have a Force Ghost, motherfucker. Yeah, that's exactly what <laughs> they were gonna saying. You're going to die here on this cold-ass floor. <laughs> that's what they were saying. I mean, yeah. We're making this shit absolute. <laughs> right. Right. So basically, like, he was like the equivalent of uh, Bruce Willis on the uh, set of uh, uh, the Kevin Smith movie. Oh, yeah. He, he pissed them off so much, we were like, we're going to burn this motherfucker. <laughs> That's funny. We hear we do hear Gwygon's voice though in in one of the other prequels, right? It like cries out to Yoda in episode three. Mm. Isn't that a scene? I think he refers to him communing with Qui-Gon, but it, you never actually hear his voice. I swear you hear Gwygon's voice in episode three. Yoda hears his voice. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, 
Let's oh god, let's just not shoehorn him into a movie just yeah, to shoehorn him please. into a movie. No, I agree. No. I agree. We don't have to. I mean, if you're going to bring back a character like that, bring back Maul. I want to see more of that. Mm. Yeah. Well, we saw that in the Clone Wars a bit. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. true. Yeah. Yeah, I always like I had like I think it was like episode 3, dude. I I think it was me talking about like how I'd want to see Vader and uh uh Maul again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just like uh, characters, like in, just characters, like maybe in a cantina playing like like a video game, and it looks like it's real. It looks like it's Darth Maul versus Vader, and you're seeing them fight, and then yeah. they pan away, and it's just some kids playing some kind of game. That'd, oh that'd shit, be that'd be awesome. cool. Here, this is it's a um, it was a deleted scene that somehow in my head I thought it was a oh. real scene, but it did happen. It's an episode three deleted scene, huh? Where Yoda and Gui- like communicates in meditation with Qui Gon. Oh, I hadn't seen that. No, I hadn't either. I'm trying to see if we'll cut to it here. It's all, it's less than a minute long. When I became one with the Force, I made a great discovery. With my training, you will learn to merge with the Force at will. Your physical self will fade away, but you will still retain your consciousness. And it's just like Yoda communicating with Qui-Gon. No, isn't there, um, isn't there a reference in the film where he said he's found a way to communicate at the very end of episode yeah. three? Yeah, I swear. Yeah, yeah, there is. He does say that. Yeah. At the very end of the episode, he's found a way to uh, communicate with Qui-Gon. They yeah. just let that scene out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. So, who knows? Yeah. I guess the door is open. The door is open. I still don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. We just don't want you. I like your idea of the psych-out, the, the Vader-Maul psych-out. Yeah, That's wouldn't cool. that be great? Yeah. Like, like, you're watching this fight between Vader and Darth Maul, like, the battle everybody's wanted to see, and then all of a sudden they pan away, and it's just some kids at the cantina or something. Some kids playing a video game. Yeah, that's fine. And you could have Maul win, which would piss everyone off. <laughs> oh, yeah. But then you could explain it away as, well, the kid that was playing as Maul was a better video game player. It's right. not that Maul's the better, you know. Yeah. That kid the video games is Anakin to pod racing. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and he beat another kid that's from the same Doug race. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. We haven't seen any like live action versions of it, but like with that older style versus what well, we saw in a lot of the original trilogy, mm-hmm. they did some stuff like that in some video games from last generation where you could have Vader playing in like a slow manner oh. against somebody like Darth Maul using the force. It was pretty cool. That is interesting. Yeah, they had that like Star Wars fighting game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um let's see here. Let me get back to some of some of the newer Star Wars news. Um yeah, Entertainment Weekly uh, had some news about the Star Wars spin-offs. Uh, here it is. Yesterday, the Walt Disney Company unveiled plans to make a number of spin-off movies set a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, in addition to the post-return of the Jedi trilogy that had already been announced. Entertainment Weekly has learned details on two of the spin-off projects, a young Han Solo saga focusing on the wisecracking smuggler's origin story and a bounty hunter adventure with Boba Fett at the center of a rogues gallery of galactic scum. Um, and we've we've been on top of this. We, yeah, we've, we've been on top of this. Entertainment Weekly, uh, they're basically uh, kind of confirming yeah. this news. Um, 
if you had to take a guess, uh, we've got two directors attached to spinoff films, Gareth Edwards and mm-hmm. Josh Trank. Right. Um, who do you think is going to take over which movie? I, I feel like Gareth Edwards is the Bubba Fett one and Trank is the Han Solo Right one. there with you. Yeah, I agree yeah. as well. Yeah, right there with you. All right. And anyway, moving on. <laughs> That's all I really had to say about that. So, makingstarwars.net has rumors from the Star Wars spinoffs films as well. That comes from a source that gave them reliable Star Wars The Force Awakens photos. Here's what makingstarwars.net says in this rumor. A code name for the production is Luminac Industrial Goods. They go on to say there's going to be a really interesting situation at Pinewood Studios. Quote, the filming will eventually overlap with some of Star Wars Episode Eight. Who are they hearing the film is about? Han Solo. They went on to say the word around the current production at Pinewood is that Aaron Paul is looking to be attached to the first Star Wars spinoff film in some fashion. Mm. There was no direct implication he was playing Han Solo. Aaron Paul has responded about these Han Solo rumors, and he did so on Twitter, saying, who's starting these rumors? This one is actually making me believe I have a job in 2015. (laughs) Very exciting. Yeah. Um, Frank, yeah. you are probably the most familiar with Aaron Paul. Yeah. What are your thoughts on him playing Han Solo? Not Han. Uh, he, I, he could do good in the universe, I think, but I, I don't think he needs to be a lead. He needs to be like a secondary supporting character. And he was very much so a second supporting character in Exodus Gods and Kings. I could swear he probably had... Five lines of dialogue throughout the entire movie, and they plugged his name all over it because right. of Breaking Bad. Yeah. And this guy had such a limited role in a full motion picture. Right. So. A lot of people raved about his performance in Breaking Bad, and it was good, but uh, he also had that flop of a film driver he was in as well. Mm. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I don't. I. I don't think he could properly carry a Han Solo it was film. Driver. He was in another car movie too. Yeah, right? I thought. Oh, that, was that? Yeah, oh, it wasn't you're, th- Driver. you're thinking of Drive with Ryan Gosling. Right. He was in another movie. Was that was Need for Speed. Car, wasn't yeah, it? Need for Speed. Need yeah. for Speed. Yeah, that yeah. that bombed. It bombed. It did. It yeah. bombed in the box office. Yeah. But him as Han Solo, not sold no, on it. No, not sold on it. I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the Star Wars universe, but not as a lead. And mm-hmm. you know, he's like a John Barenthal. John Barenthal does really well in supporting roles, but I don't know that he's ready to take on like a leading role either. Sometimes you know they're just not ready, and I don't think Aaron Paul's ready for that much responsibility, that much load. Mm. Can I go on the record and say I like the idea of Aaron Paul? Yeah, I've seen the sure. first eight episodes of Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. and I've seen clips of it from past that. Yeah, and I don't think um, I think the fact that this movie is Star Wars Han Solo is going to be enough to put butts in seats that we don't necessarily need an an actor that's going to put butts in seats. Yeah, we're talking about a guy that likes the prequels for the acting that was in those films. I think Aaron Paul can pull this off. I think he has the right amount of kind of dark side to him. To, I think a young Han Solo is going to be a little bit more of a slimier character than the Han Solo we're used to in starting with episode four. 
A little bit, you know, I think his past, he was a little bit more of a scoundrel. And a I've criminal. got a guy in mind, and it's not going to be a popular choice amongst you guys. Let's hear it. And the reason I'm picking this guy is because, uh, yeah, you guys may have seen him in other roles and not enjoyed him in those roles, but I've seen him in a, I've seen him in roles where I've really loved him in. Taylor Kitsch. Yeah. As I- young Han Solo. Big fan of Friday Night Lights. And Friday Night Lights, his character of Riggins was a dark, kind of mysterious guy, but cool and funny and charming on the flip side. You wouldn't believe in this show. He, he could sometimes be the biggest douchebag ever, but you loved him. And the women in the show loved him, too. He's a ladies' man, even though like he drank all the time and treated, treated his ex-girlfriend kind of like garbage and stuff like that sometimes. She still cared for him. Everybody cared for this guy. Everybody wanted to take care of him. And, and uh, just his personality, everybody in that show was kind of like drawn to him. Coaches and, and uh, students, everybody loved Riggins. And uh, I think he could pull off a cocky young a, a very cocky young Han Solo, I do. I think I think it's good casting too. I think I both of them that. are fine choices, to be honest. with I you. I just don't have enough Aaron Paul to give you an idea. I mean, like without getting into like specifics mm. regarding the story, mm. as his character evolved, it was more of how he reacted to the things that were going on around him mm-hmm. that were driven by Walter White. Yeah, uh, he was like the one of the closest like pawns mm-hmm. that Walter had and he shows an incredible emotional range but I just don't think that that like, what I've seen of him so far is going to fit into like a cocky cocksure Han Solo okay from what I've seen in Breaking Bad, he seems very cocky and sure of himself. At the beginning of the series, yeah, but I mean you get into like the middle of season 3 especially with uh Some of the episodes with John Delancey and Kristen Ritter. Maybe the direction of the character changed, but Jake's seeing from like that he can pull off from these first few episodes. Like if that's the direction of his character, Jake's thinking that 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 he can pull it off. I feel like that's exactly what you want. I I, I feel like he could nail Han Solo. But I also think that also, I mean, you got a lot of people who are all over him because of the whole bitch thing. I don't even know about that. I don't that. know about that, man. That, that's the, oh, with Aaron Paul, that's the big thing because his character in uh, Breaking Bad would always say, bitch. He even had said before that he sent out a tweet once that uh, this one guy's dream in his whole life was to be called bitch by Aaron Paul. So Aaron Paul tweeted out, okay, be here at this But what, is, what does this have to do with him not being able to play the role of Han Solo? In some ways, it's too silly. It's I don't. I just don't think that he, I want to see that. You he don't, he didn't he, write that. Han Solo is not going to be saying bitch just because no, he said bitch about bunch and Breaking Bad. I know, but that that's part of everything I've seen him in so far. That's part of who he is. This you're wanting like, to, hey, oh. yeah, but he's not wanting. He's he's wanting to tell Frank Hammer, dude. I don't want to be typecast. I don't want to be known as the guy that says bitch. I can do this role if that's you know what I mean. Do you, do you want to have him typecast in that kind of a role all no, the time? No, but I just I don't he didn't see say him. he didn't say bitch in Exodus Gods and Kings. No, he didn't and, say a lot. And on it's the flip probable side. that I need to see that. No, you don't. Oh, I don't. He doesn't really do anything. Okay. for that movie. I don't know, man. I just don't, I don't see him as being Han Solo okay. as far as exuding all that much solid confidence and charisma. Yeah. One of the benefits of him as a as an actor is the fact that like. He could show hurt. He could show depression. Uh, there's a lot of things that his character is put through in Breaking Bad that show like real depth of sorrow things. Mm-hmm. And that's where his strength lies. But I don't think the flip side is, is true. I don't think he can carry 
like the whole fun and adventure aspect of Han Solo. Um, so you don't think he'd be able to work alongside like a like a Chewbacca character either? Do you think that that wouldn't? Work I can't for him? see it. I, 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 I can't can see, see it. it. You can. I can. I can see us meeting Chewbacca through an Aaron Paul Han Solo. Hmm. See, I, I, I really see, can. I don't know. I I just don't see it myself. I'm still. I I don't have enough experience with Aaron Paul guys, so I can't really. I wish I could be like, oh, here's the tiebreaker, but I can't. Right. Um. I respect your opinion, Frank, because you've got the most experience with them. But I respect your opinion too. Um. Oh no, and and, and yeah. Jake. I mean, from like what you've seen in those first few episodes, I I agree with you. Like, if you saw that in his direction of that character in the first few episodes, I don't see why he can't replicate that in the film. If you think that that would be a good Han Solo performance. Yeah, I think he's a he plays a very charismatic character that's involved with some very bad things. That shows some range to me as an actor. And I think that's Han Solo to a T a little bit, a mm. very charismatic character that's involved in some not-so-right things. What I was seeing out of him throughout that first season is somebody who probably would have been gotten who would have gotten killed like four or five episodes in and initially he was a throwaway character they developed him and kept him on the show because he's such a good actor um i don't know i it's it's just like a certain type that would need to be cast for han solo for me i'm not saying paul's bad Uh i just don't think he has the right bubbly like quiet confidence like Harrison Ford had mm. where like everything that he was saying to Luke is just he was absolutely positive of it and he wasn't like yelling and screaming it's just the way it was. I can personally see Taylor Kitsch having some Han Solo conversations. I, I can more see Taylor Kitsch than Aaron Paul. And don't throw out the fucking gambit shit. Don't talk about Battleship. <laughs> uh, I did enjoy John Carter. A lot of people didn't. Don't I, I love it too. I loved that movie. Uh, and uh, go back, watch Friday Night Lights. Um, even the new movie that he was in with Mark Wahlberg, uh, the uh, war movie, that was it was fantastic. Had uh, him, Mark Wahlberg, him, and uh, I'm trying to think of the young actor that was in that movie, Into the Wild. Mm. I would not toss a Taylor Kitsch Han Solo announcement. Mm-hmm. I, I would mean, not toss it. It's a all. high taste it for me. I think I, I would like him. Yeah, I'd taste that for sure. All right. Um, Let's see here. Oscar Isaac, who will be uh, uh, Dameron Poe. Is it Cameron Poe or Dameron Poe? I thought it was Dameron with a D. I thought it was Dameron with a D. Yeah, Dameron Poe uh, in the Star Wars The Force Awakens spoke to Yahoo Movies and had a ton to say about some of the theories that are being spread about the plot to the film. (laughs) Did he drop more (laughs) S-bombs? Yeah. (laughs) Here's a quote about how secretive the production has been. You go to the place... And they have a room with cameras, and you sit there and read the script. They're incredibly protective. Because nowadays, with however many hundreds of blogs and this and that, people are just ravenous for content. So because of that, there has to be such tight security around it. And it gets in the way of the process a bit. But it's understandable. He also talked about his involvement with the flying of the X-Wing. It was hard to believe that I was actually sitting in there and doing that. It's and it's physical. You have to kind of get in touch with that child again that had a little X-Wing and would fly around his room making crazy sounds. <laughs> you had to tap into that spirit again, and that was a lot of fun. There was a lot of practical effects, a lot of stuff they actually made. There wasn't a lot of green screen. 
He also addressed the fans and our constant wanting to know what's going on with the new story <laughs> in Star Wars The Force Awakens. He's trying to shut us down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> making StarWars.net and yeah, yeah. Uh, every media outlet out there. He says, I can't speak for the cast and crew. I can just speak for myself. But, I, but for me, I thought, don't you want to wait so you can get the real thing? But it creates excitement for it. I don't think these little leaks necessarily ruined watching the trailer. And also... The plot theories that get that formulated based on these things, they couldn't be more far off base. Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Whatever, guy. Right. <laughs> Just say that. Say I what mean, you will. All of them? I Every, mean, they're all, none of them could be more off base. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, he's being studio company man. Yeah. yeah. Misdirection. So. These fans, they don't know what they're talking about. Don't right? you rather want to wait to the real thing? Well, yeah, I do. <laughs> but I agree with that point. But to say that none of our theories are correct at all is insane. Some of it have to be close. Yeah. Exactly. So much shit. Exactly. We fired 100 bullets at the target. <laughs> one, of, one of them has hit. I don't right? know. We could be like fucking stormtroopers, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're the stormtroopers of Star Wars spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> we never hit a single fucking target. That's great. I see a meme in the works. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting blanks oh, all the time. That is, that is great. Yeah, <laughs> can't hit a target. Yeah, even if the the spoilers right in front of us, even if we had the screenplay right in front of us in a straight line ahead of us, we, <laughs> right. we couldn't read it. <laughs> right. Um, guys, I, I we can end the show now, or I can uh, talk about making Star Wars had uh, articles on BB-8, their little roller bar, I roller, hear, roller ball droid. I want to hear about BB-8. Yeah. You want to hear some theories yeah. and some stuff about BB-8? Sure. I was hoping you were gonna you knew more about the practicalness of it and how they did that. How they? I, oh yeah. I can't wait to hear info on that. That's yeah. why I got perked up. I'm like, oh yes, we got. You said making Star Wars in BB-8, and I'm like, yes. Yeah. How did they do it? <laughs> <laughs> now. Um, I was like the the Ralph uh, McQuarrie art and stuff like that, a BB-8. Yeah, uh, I think they're making them shorter though, from what I saw in those pictures. Yeah, it's I gonna agree. Be a little smaller. I agree. But yeah, in the uh, in the pictures, he looked a little bit bigger than what uh, we saw on screen. So um, here we go. Yeah, here's the rumors from uh, making Star Wars. The droid is barely boot high. The body is probably a little bigger than a basketball. The body is round, of course. The head is probably as big as a cantaloupe. The droid's body is white and gray. However, the highlight markings are orange. No matter how the design changes, the head features a big black lens for an eye. The head, this is everything we know. Yeah. The, the head is somewhat similar to a pit droid in some concept art with R2-D2 markings and features. The head is a dome like that of R2 unit in most designs. The neck has a manifold cover that accordions out, but I can't tell if it can extend its head or not. I get the impression the droid is not an astromech like R2-D2. There's never a socket for this droid to interface with a ship that I have seen so far. Other ship designs appear to have R2 units in them that match the size of R2-D2. I could be wrong, though. My guess is this droid is a service droid primarily. Yeah, it could be just something that um, Daisy... Um, oh, shit. I'm blanking on her. Ridley? Character. Ridley. Yeah. Just made out of scrap parts. Yeah. And that could explain why it has an R2 head. I keep wanting to call her Kira. I keep, yeah. I almost called her Kira at first. I went from Kira to Daisy. But her name's Ray. Yeah. Ray, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. we'll get there eventually. Yeah. Um, 
Here's the interesting thing. The droid is a gyroscope. There are, gro- there are grooves or tracks along the body. So while the body rolls on the ground, the head is always level. Mm-hmm. My guess is this droid will be CGI or CGI in a mixed, mixture of puppetry. So this guy was way off. Yeah, yeah. this is like an article back in October. It's interesting, though. Um, yeah. If this droid works in a practical sense, I will be blown away by that fact. Get ready to be blown You're away. You're blown away, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One concept shows the head of the droid. It has four orange pizza-shaped covers all pointing toward the center of the dome, sort of like R2. Mm. Each slice of the pie allows the quarter sections to lift. Lightsaber ejects up to a... Wait, let me read this again. Each slice of the pie allows the quarter sections to lift. Lightsaber ejects up to allow hand to grip and extract. Another one shows R2-D2 and reads, Small panel retracts and slides similar to R2-D2 in Return of the Jedi. Lightsaber ejects up to allow hand to grip and extract. Another shows a circle in the body itself that spins and reveals a compartment where the lightsaber is stored. It basically spins, revealing a cavity in the body to place the hidden weapon. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That'd be a neat reveal if we see the lightsaber come from the BB-8 for the first time. Right. That'd be cool. Well, it makes total sense because, like, uh, what was the Empire hunting after in the first movies? The droids. The R2 unit. Yeah. And that would make perfect sense if this, you know, if this is the MacGuffin, this lightsaber that... And like he's the one that carry or he or she we don't know the gender of the droid yet if they're the ones that carry the the lightsaber. Do the droids have gender? I was just wondering that. To see that when Grub was on the podcast, he had heard rumors that you know like um, that uh, Ray had created the droid and created a female droid. Okay, okay. So, so we're saying R two and C three are both males. That's all I can... Well, in Empire, when he goes over and gets that door, you know, he kind of slips it in. He doesn't really ask first, but, man, he's spinning that bitch around like a fucking pro. Yeah, I mean, R2 right does up. have that third leg. <laughs> I haven't seen... Yeah, that's true. Other than that, I haven't seen a droid dick. Yeah. You know what I mean? I haven't seen a golden schlong come out of C-3PO. Yeah. I, if I had to guess... I think that R2 would have, like, a corkscrew dick, like a pig, <laughs> if I had shit. to guess. Yes. Just wait for another special edition. We'll see the golden schlong. <laughs> yeah. Golden schlong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. The body itself, back to BB-8, the body itself has circular compartments all around it, actually. For instance, a pop-out toolkit shoots out like a computer's disk drive. Inside it are small screwdrivers and hydro spanner-like tools. Another circle is broken into quads. One quad has a data port interface that comes out like R2-D2's arm. My personal favorite is the fold-out tools laser cutter. A tiny little hand about the size of a pen extends with a little laser on the tip. There is also a feature to give Chopper a run for his money. Chopper being the droid from the Rebels. Rebels, yeah. A fold-out hand claw that has fingertips and could type on computer if needed to. Oh, that's hmm. super cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard this robot's going to have all different kinds of like forms and, and ways that it's presented itself. So. That's yeah. cool. So that if, makes sense. Yeah, if Ray made this, like she's put a lot of time and effort into this droid. Damn, this thing's going to be more of a uh, Swiss utility knife than the fucking lightsaber is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no kidding. The big feature comes via a stormtrooper. The stormtrooper picks up the little the picks up the little droid. Presumably, its laser cutter, hand claw, and tools won't help it. <laughs> so it has a puffer fish like defense mechanism. That's right. Mechanical quills come out 
of the body and fend off attackers or would-be kidnapping stormtroopers. Oh, shit. Oh, that'll be neat to see. This yeah. leads us more to believe that this droid has something of importance that stormtroopers yeah. are picking them up yes. and trying to get their hands on it. has got him. defenses. Exactly. They want that lightsaber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the concept art we've seen of the little droid... The adventurers are going into catacombs, and the little droid leads the way. It appears to be curious and adventurous. When the little droid is not leading the way, it is standing ground beside the heroes, ready for a fight. My guess is this droid is R2-D2's daughter. What? <laughs> I know. The fuck that? I know. You had me up until that. I know. Now I'm gone. I'm out. Yeah. Everything this guy said was bullshit. <laughs> right. <laughs> you had me up until that fucking shit. Oh, jeez. Now, this is a more recent article that came out. Uh, well, maybe R2-D2 is using this corkscrew dick. And, yeah, that uh, third leg's getting some action. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, the second article just came out, I think, like on the 6th. It's a newer article, and Frank, I noticed that you just hit the table, right? Did no, you? that wasn't me. No? I didn't think it was. I don't know. I looked down like, what the I think my that? lighter just fell over. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I'm hearing things. Uh, the second article is uh, about BB-8 some more and how he might be used in the film. BB-8 has those stylish orange circles on its spherical spherical body. Each one of those can store something or reveal things like laser cutters, computer interfaces, blah, blah, blah. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Let's see here. They talk about uh, concept art. Frame one shows the white panel outside the orange circle opened up. Inside there is a small gray keypad type interface. Hmm. It looks to be about the size of a garage door opener. It has two buttons on the bottom, a red dial, and two white switches, which reside below a green LED screen about as big as a classic basic calculator screen. What does this panel do? And connects to Hulu Plus and Netflix. And <laughs> shit. He, he, they write nothing. That's right. The panel does nothing. It is a faux panel. Frame two shows us the panel as it is, lifted to reveal a secret compartment for storing something. Mm. There's a round hole inside it, but we can't see exactly what it is. It can be anything. A lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. That's interesting. I can see the faux panel being a true. Yeah, I like that. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah, maybe Ray had a diary, and she's like, she had a lock on it, and... This is the lock on the droid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Misdirection. <laughs> um, the final panel shows the Anakin Skywalker, Luke Skywalker lightsaber popping up from it. Oh, there we go. The laser sword doesn't come out all the uh, The laser sword doesn't come all the way out. Just enough for a hand to retrieve and pull it out like King Arthur with Excalibur. <laughs> okay, maybe not that epic, but it is pretty cool hiding place. Who knows what features we will see BB-8 utilize on screen. But one thing is for sure, there are features designed for this droid, which will probably unfold beyond the scope of the film series itself. But for today, we can say that there has been a secret compartment designed to house a weapon for from a more civilized day. Nice. I like so, it. Yeah. That's cool. Shades of uh, R2-D2 shit. I like <laughs> yeah. It. I like it. Guys, that's all the news. That's it. Nice. I, uh... I didn't play the Star Wars bumper. Oh, oops. Damn. Whatever. <laughs> oh, wow. I caught one thing. Um, had you heard about the first spinoff film, losing the primary writer, Gary Whitta? Yeah, they did lose Gary Whitta. Yeah. He, he sent out on a tweet on the 9th that he was moving on to work on uh, Mark Millar's Starlight. Hmm. Interesting. So 
That sucks. And he was working with Gareth Edwards on it, so... I was excited to have Witta involved. He was like, fuck this Gareth Edwards guy, I'm out. Yeah, he's like, I saw Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> and he was excited about it, too. The tweet read, my year of work in a galaxy far, far away is done. I'm on to my next project, adapting Mark Millar's Starlight for 20th Century Fox. Did he do anything for it, then? He worked with them for a year, uh, but it's not finished up. It's heading into the final stages, but now their lead writer's gone. Ah, is he done or did he leave? Yeah, uh, he's done. The article that I read from Cinema, Cinema Blend uh, I read, said that they don't know why he left early. So huh. he, he'll probably get some writing credit, right? Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. We'll probably have somebody else in there come in. Like we said earlier, polish it up a little yeah, bit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's uh, episode 74. What's next week, guys? What is next week? Hell, I don't know. Want to do that top ten characters? Oh, yeah. I'll get it together. I'll get it together. No, you're fine. If you need more weeks, take more weeks. Yeah. I'll read the email and I'll get it together. Top uh, ten fictional characters in any medium. Oh, daunting. Very. Yeah. So I'm going to feel bad about my list the moment I read it and hear someone else's. I know, right? Yeah. It's like, I you know there's somebody I'm forgetting. No, but it'll be good to get different uh, characters out there. Yeah. 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 I got a decent spread. I got a feeling my number one won't be on anyone else's list, even. You don't think so? Yeah. I'm, I'm curious now. I'm gonna. I, can I? Can I guess as to what one of yours is gonna be? Let's Mine. Yeah, number one, Young what? Murph. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no. Young no. Murph. Like she clocks in at like number six. <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh, to be honest, I've had so much trouble uh, as far as like putting this thing together. Yeah, I can't bring myself to list it like a one through ten. The, the top ten just kind of exist in a group all their own. I'm having a real hard time trying to say like, okay, you're just a little bit better than you, as opposed to that, it's just like a ten greatest. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah, I still have nothing. Oh shit! <laughs> so I made an adjustment between last week and this week. Did you? Yeah, I didn't put anyone new on or anyone old off, but I decided I made a. You flip, moved. I you moved the flip flop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's gonna be daunting, but I'm gonna do it. I'll have it ready by next week. Yay! Woo! That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah will. All right, this has been episode 74. 74, holy shit. 74. So uh, we'll see you guys back next week, episode 75. Wow, it's a biggie. Yeah. Yeah. Our 75th anniversary. (laughs) 75th anniversary. So, yeah, we'll be back at uh, episode 75. You got something to say, Frank? No. Oh, okay. Okay, no, fair enough. You just, <laughs> you, you young get. Murph. <laughs> young Murph, yay, yay. <laughs> young Murph, yay, yay. Gates ass, fuck. All right, until next week, drink your coffee properly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sip, don't gulp. <laughs> Let that shit cool off. Yeah, don't burn yourself. Yeah. We Those don't need warnings any. are there for a reason. We don't need oh, any shit. McDonald's lawsuits. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right, and just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Later, y'all. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. 
One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are originally good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hello. Are we recording right now? Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Jake. How's everyone doing today? Hello. Hi. I'm, okay. Talk. Yeah. Just yeah. talk. Yeah. Hello. Like you're in a hello, barbershop hello, quartet. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it was a decent note. I think I was probably on key. That's talking. Thank you.